chat when uh when that was announced. Oh really? Yeah, he was actually wearing like a a a, a t-shirt, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre t-shirt. So he's like, what? Sin uh, also says, haha, wow, Jez got more and more American sounding all throughout that ad read. Yeah, Jez is, <laughs> Jez is uh, doing good with his ad reads. Uh, Achievement says, Psychonauts got robbed, not won award. Yes. Like, yeah, I was waiting. Any, like, it's like, okay, it's, it, Art Direction, surely Psychonauts 2 is going to get an award for Art Direction. Nope. It's like, best narrative? I mean, come on. Like, Psychonauts 2 has an incredible narrative talking about really important things. But nope, uh, Mar- Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy won that, which, to be fair, a lot of people do say has an incredible narrative. I haven't finished the game, so I can't speak on that. And it was like, best game direction. I'm like, come on, this is Tim Schafer's, like, baby. Like, everybody knows Tim Schafer. This is a sequel 17 years in the making. He's going to win that. Uh, nope, doesn't win game direction. Yeah. And I was like, well, no, definitely not going to win game of the year at that point. So, yeah, Psychonauts 2 uh, got the short shrift, but wasn't alone. Ratchet and Clank also didn't get an award. So, I mean, you know, it's in some good company, as people would say. So, uh, Flame says, I like the show, but only because I know now if I order from Grubhub using code NWalker, I can get a free emote and free delivery. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. Did you hear about this, Ron? I, I did see the commercial, and I did see that they <laughs> – so. You get free delivery and you get a free email in the game. Is that is that what goes yeah, on? Yeah, a pizza remote. How cool is that? That's the best promo ever. Mm. Okay. Are you gonna? Oh, that's probably U.S. only. You you can't you can't. Yeah, of course it is. So what if I use? What if I order something from Grubhub using Endwalker? Could then I give you the code? Maybe so using Final Actually, Fantasy. Yeah. Is that Do how that. that works? Do that for me. Mm. That can be my Christmas present. Okay. Do that for me for Christmas. Do you still play Final Fantasy fourteen? I haven't played for a while because I've just been like, I've just been busy with work. And when I play Final Fantasy, it sort of soaks up all of your time. Like, all of it. And I just thought, I just not, re- I'm not ready to go back into Final Fantasy fourteen yet. And I'm nowhere near Endwalker yet, the expansion. I'm, I'm like a million years away from getting to Endwalker. I've got to go through two more expansions before I get there. Or is it three? I think it's two. But it's, it's going to be... Yeah. I'm thinking I might play that over Christmas, the Christmas period, when I've got a break or something. But I also kind of just... I only want to play Dark Souls right now. And I'm also reviewing a game, and I might be reviewing another game, so even more of my time is going to get soaked up, probably. But yeah. Well... Uh, BC in the Super Chat says, Hey fellas, will Starfield run into the same fate as Forza Horizon in terms of not getting out in time for Game of the Year nominations despite making the cutoff? We've talked about this, uh, I think we talked about this last, uh, podcast and maybe even the one before it, but I guess it bears repeating. There is that possibility. Um, talking to some people, uh, Jez talking to some people, I, I think, Part of the problem with Forza Horizon was when that a lot of a lot of um, the judges panel for the Game Awards had already sent in their uh, nominations because you wrote about this in your article, yeah. And that you can update your your picks, but a lot of people didn't know you could do that. So Forza had kind of come out too late to essentially have people really change their picks. Yeah, Starfield could run into the same problem because Starfield's coming out 
on the 11th of, of well, November. I've got a feeling, Rand, that after my article, mm. uh, they might make it a bit clearer that people can update their mm. pigs if they want to. Um, I've got a feeling some of that stuff's going to change next year, maybe. But who knows, man? I think I think hopefully next year they've got a little bit of a cleaner system in place. You know, I'm not on the jury, but all all I can go on is what the jury told me, because you know some jury some jurors felt like it was unfair that I'd they felt it was unfair that I'd laid the blame on them and said they didn't consider Forza just because it was a racing game, and they were like, I, you know, this is unfair because the reality is that there just wasn't enough time to give it a decent look over because the service didn't go online until the 5th. So even if even if they had, like, single-player access, Forza is a totally different game when it's online, right? Right. It doesn't, it, it's, it's, it's supposed to be online. So I don't know how they could have given it, like, a decent, real sort of assessment, I guess. But, you know, um, we'll see what happens. But you shouldn't, you know take these awards too seriously anyway because you know at the end of the day the devs are going to get the game out when it's best for gamers not when it's best for the award shows the award shows are like a nice to have I think a lot of them think of it that way but it's not like they're going to be like oh no we need to get this up quick so we can get into the Jeff Keighley awards no game dev on earth is thinking that way Mm. maybe Kojima but like (laughs) no other game devs thinking that way so they're not gonna they're not gonna delay Starfield for the Game Awards, and they're not gonna re- they're not gonna rush it for the Game Awards. So don't worry about anything like that. I mean, it shouldn't affect your enjoyment of it either way. Yeah, um, you know, I guess it really depends on how early they send out review code for Starfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep. I mean, it, it's certainly possible that you know it doesn't uh, doesn't make the cutoff, but we'll we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, Waggerman. What's going on, buddy? He says, finally caught the show live. Hope you have a great upcoming holiday. Side note, Square and Atlas still stunning Xbox. What's up with that? Is that really a surprise? There was quite a few games that they showed yesterday that were just exclusively not on Xbox. Um, the, so funny. the new, uh, not new, but like Persona 4 Ultimate Arena or whatever the hell it's called is yeah. uh, coming to what? Like PS4, Switch, and PC? I think. Um, and the original version of that was on 360, too. Uh, yeah, and it's not coming to Xbox. And, of course, people have been asking for Persona. We finally got Yakuza, the entire franchise, to come over. And everybody's kind of shifted to, like, what about Persona? And we've talked about this earlier in the year. Uh, you know, we had heard rumors that, you know, things might proceed with Persona, at least for the mainline mainline franchise, but... I haven't really heard any updates about it, have you? No, I I think at this point, like, they might have pitched... Microsoft, the way Microsoft's probably approaching it is, like, what's what's our return on, return on investment here, you know? And Atlas is probably saying, like, to make it worthwhile for us, we need this much money. And Microsoft's probably like, well, we're not going to make a return on investment for this, so it's just not going to happen. So I think that's the, that's ultimately what's causing this situation is that Atlas want money and Microsoft think they're asking for too much money, you know, and 
you know, you can look at Steam data to see actually like how popular these games are. And they are getting more popular, but they're still quite niche. And I reckon Atlas is probably asking for more money than they should be, maybe. So I'll keep plugging away at it. And maybe like one day Microsoft will have an install base that's too big to ignore. Uh, it certainly seems like the Xbox Series S is helping them catch up a bit there. But right now, they're still way behind PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 combined, like a million miles behind. So until that is fixed, uh, this is going to be the situation with Japanese games a lot, I think. Well, you know what's interesting is, I don't know if you saw the sales figures come in for uh, from Mitsu reported for like last week in Japan. Mm. Uh, basically how... Like the the biggest sales week in Japan, where Nintendo sold 200,000 Switches in a week, right? Wow. And the PS5 sold 1,500. So like. Not all. Yeah, 1,500 PS5s last week. So. What did Xbox do? Maybe I think combined between Series S and S, maybe like 700 ish. Hmm. But like. It's either Sony is diverting all shipments for the PS5 to Western markets, Europe and North America, or I guess and or they they just don't care about Japan anymore. So it's going to be interesting. You talk about like Persona 6. If you put it out for just PS5, PS5 doesn't really have that big of a user base in Japan and PlayStation got like all the big mainline Japanese uh, franchises uh, this past generation, and now they're not really shipping a lot of PS5s to Japan. They're not really selling a yeah. lot, so it's like here's Persona Six, but Persona Six going to come out in Japan and not sell a lot because there's not a lot of PS5s. Does Atlas kind of be like, you know what? Maybe we should go with the Switch instead because clearly that's the one that's dominating uh, in Japan. Um, well, I I think the truth the truth is that they they're just gonna make it for PS4. Yeah, frankly. I guess that's possible. Yeah. I don't th- I don't think we're gonna see a PS4 and Xbox One get completely cut off. Maybe we'll see the Xbox One cut off, but I don't think you'll see the PS4 get cut off for a while. Similarly to how like the Xbox 360 didn't get cut off for a while, um, just because the the install base will be there, especially in a game like Persona, which you know doesn't have the most photorealistic graphics in the world. So I think they'll still make it for PlayStation 4, even, and probably continue to just skip Xbox. Unless Microsoft can really, like, prove that they've got an install base for the Xbox dev kit. Whether that's for via the cloud or Xbox Series S, I don't know. But it's clear that there's still a huge, a huge gap between what, where Xbox wants to be and where, like, we want them to be in Japan. There's still, like, a huge amount of work to be done. Yeah. So... Um, Andrew says, for an award show celebrating games, it definitely feels like a show celebrating marketing. That was a tough watch, even with dope trailers. I mean, that's kind of what me and Jez has been saying for a while now, is that the Game Awards isn't really about the awards. Like, I appreciate what Jeff is trying to do. I like Jeff a lot. Um, But when you're essentially giving away five awards in the span of ten seconds, and not even mentioning the nominees and not having people come up to accept the awards, the criticism is valid. The Game Awards is not a show celebrating the year in gaming. The Game Awards is a marketing event 
for game companies to showcase their upcoming products and just fill it with constant advertisements. And maybe that's, like, what you have to do to have an award show like this. I don't know. I don't know what it costs to run. I don't know what the overhead is. I don't know what it takes to have all these companies evolve. But, like, when you're essentially giving away one award in an hour, you're not an award show. You're a marketing event. And I think me and you have been talking about this for a bit. I know I've said this on other podcasts, but, like, it's it's about the new reveals. It's not about who won Game of the Year. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, so it's why I, don't, I didn't feel any, like, desire to actually watch the show. I'm just like, well, I can catch the trailers in the morning at a, at a more reasonable hour. It's like, I speak to devs about it, and devs feel basically the same way. They like the show because it's like a Christmas news beat that they, they don't have to pay for. Like, if, you, if you're a Microsoft and you're like, do we, should we make an XO event? It's very expensive to do that. Or do we just piggyback on the Keeleys and, like, let them use the Microsoft Theater in L.A. or wherever? So that's basically how it's all gone down, really, is that they let Jeff have the show for the marketing beat and that devs often look, really to the DICE Awards for their actual award show, or the BAFTAs or something like that, I think. Because this is re- really is just a marketing event. Very good marketing event, but I think it's pretty bad that they don't, they just blitz through the awards and don't really give them the time they deserve, I don't know. But also COVID frustrates that. Like, if you've got loads of people backstage, you're not socially distancing, whatever, and, you know, a lot of people are really conscious about that. I think it. I think it would present differently if it wasn't a COVID era too. I think doesn't LA have like more strict rules about some of this stuff? I don't know. Yeah, it might. It might have stricter rules. I'm not really sure about that. Yeah. Um, Andrew also says this. Also curious if you guys had the time to read the IGN article that just came out about the culture at Bungie and how bad it is for narrative de- department. I have. I did see the article, but I haven't read it. Did you check it out, Jez? I haven't I haven't read it myself. Um, I've just seen people tweeting about it, but it kind of, it just sucks. It just seems to be like almost endemic in the industry at that level for some reason. Man, yeah, it's unfortunate. I I definitely have to check out the article because I don't know what was said. So yeah, uh, Josh says thought is Halo Infinite the best Xbox One game. Uh, the best Xbox yeah, One game. Think, I think the best Xbox One game is Red Dead Redemption Two. Like if we're going, if we're mm. if we're taking a grouping of all the Xbox One games, not just first party. My favorite game from last gen is is Red Dead Redemption Two. So yeah. I would say that. Um, you can even make the case for Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I think if you're including first party. Um, but then again, like, I, I played Halo Infinite on the Series X, so I'm playing it at, like, the best resolution, essentially, that the console has to offer, plus high frame rate. Like, I was kind of flipping between 60 frames and 120 frames to see the difference and stuff. And, I mean, I, I don't think base Xbox One runs the game very well. Um, so I can't really speak to that version of the game, but... I mean, is it better than Halo 5, Josh? Do you think it's better than Halo 5? Like, would people in this chat who played 
uh, both Halo games. Do you like Halo Infinite more than Halo 5? I do. I think Halo Infinite is way better in every way than Halo 5. Um, we'll definitely be talking about Halo because, uh, you know, game came out finally on, what what was it, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and we reviewed it on Monday. Uh, yeah. People don't really know your thoughts, Jez, because you didn't do the review for Windows Central. I didn't. Uh, uh, I think Brendan did it, and he gave it a 5 out of 5. Um, yeah, and people were saying people were saying, "Oh, Windows Central gave it a hundred. Technically, five out of five isn't really a hundred, right? That's just like how no. Metacritic takes their score. Can you explain that a little bit about what Windows Central scoring and what a five out of five <sighs> really means? Yeah, it's kind of annoying, like even for us, because five out of five, I don't think is a great scale for a game, but five out of five was designed really for la- for our laptops and stuff. So, you know, and we can't, we can't even do decimals. We can do like 4.5 is the, the most we can do in, when it comes to decimalization. So, like, I think, like, for us, a fight for a game, 5 out of 5 is anywhere between 90 and 100. So you can sort of take our 5 out of 5 as more like it could be anywhere between, you know, 90 to 95 or 98 or whatever. But I, I am going to, when because we, we're moving to a new system next year, we're going to move to a, a new review scale as well, which will be more appropriate for games, I think. But, um, but yeah, like 5 out of 5 is never meant perfect. I think, like, even for sites like GameSpot, who use, like, a 10 out of 10 with, like, a granular scale, I think even they say, like, 10 out of 10 doesn't denote perfect. It just means to, like, as close to perfect as you can get in our in our opinion, like, kind of. Um but yeah, I think like, I don't know, are we going to talk about Halo Infinite now? How do you want to structure the show this way, Brian? Mm, I don't, well, we'll definitely, uh, well, we'll talk about Halo Infinite first before the Game Awards, because that's both what me and you played. Um, and we'll actually talk about Halo Infinite after I finish reading these few super chats I have here. Because okay. um, I want to hear what you say. Uh, okay. Because you haven't said anything, and it'd be interesting to see what the Halo hater has to say about the campaign, right? Um so we have a super chat from Stefan who says, love your show, guys. Do you think you could put some pressure on Microsoft to fix the audio delay when you choose Dolby Atmos audio in the Series X? Many people have a problem with this since launch. Yeah, I've, he- I've heard about this. I've heard that there might be a delay. Uh, I've a honestly delay. never experienced it. Yeah, I don't know. Something about Atmos uh, it being laggy or something like that. Yeah. Have you heard anything about that, Jez? I've not heard anything about it. I can uh, I can look into it. It might be something they're already looking into. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Um. What else we got here? I'll reach out to some peeps and see what's what. Uh, BC says awesome to catch you guys live from down under. Thanks for the entertainment. Bummer we didn't see about PS Jack Lock on Legendary can kick rock. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I actually. Well, we'll talk about uh, the avowed stuff uh, when we talk about the game awards. Uh. Supernova says I don't know what is the sh- I don't know what is the strong hidden reason why Xbox Global Publishing or Phil Spencer should not acquire a deal with the Miss Walker Studio in which Sakaguchi and Amatsu, who worked on several exclusives, exclusives for the 360. Um, I mean, micro, I mean, Phil, they, they've talked about their desire to have a Japanese studio outside of um, the one they own with Tangle Gameworks. Um, would Miss Walker be a good acquisition? Who knows? Maybe. I know people want to see like a lot, like a Lost Odyssey two come back, or Lost Odyssey come back in general, and then to have to do a sequel. So, um, 
and he, he goes on to say, I see Miss Walker Studios having a great chance that it covers the Xbox needs of an awesome Japanese-style games, and the latest studio work is uh, fantastic, or Fantasian, which is considered a masterpiece. So we, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I know Microsoft is constantly talking to studios about uh, working together. Um, maybe they decide to do a game first before they announce an acquisition. So, yeah. Samway goes, anyone notice Pete Hines shot at Jez? Oh. Did Pete Hines take a shot at you, Jez? That's depressing if he did. I don't know. Does he even know who you are? I have no idea. What 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 did Pete Hines say? I have no idea. Oh my god. Are you, you making Was it because I said a said a nasty tweet about free to play games maybe? Fallout well, isn't free to play, is it? Uh Fallout seventy six no. is not free to play. No. Um I don't know. I, I don't know. He's gonna you'd have to come and, and, and say like, oh uh what what it was. I I feel like the whole game industry just hates me now. So that's fine. That's not true. That's fine. We love you we love you. That's true. You guys are awesome. Yeah, I don't know what I've done to piss off PIs, but oh well. Yeah. So, you know, let's uh let's talk about Halo two or Halo Infinite. Um and if you guys are enjoying the show, do us a huge favor. Make sure you hit the, that like button and uh, share this out. So, you know, because YouTube doesn't do their job sometimes. Uh, Nico says it wasn't a shot at Jez. And uh, Calcifer says he took a shot at leakers in general. So. All right. It was kind of funny because in his Game Awards thing, the commercial, he just said, you know, uh, our games that are unannounced or that haven't, that are games that haven't leaked yet. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, it definitely oh. wasn't a shot at you. It was just like, you know, whatever. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, I've not leaked anything from Bethesda yet. Yeah, so. but, <laughs> but you would if you had the info. Would you sit on it or would you leak it? Um, it depends. How li- it depends. I always say this. It depends on how likely I think it's going to leak. Mm. If I think it's going to leak because of, because of their crappy security, then yeah, it might as well be me instead of like some, some competition. But if it's like if it's like someone's told me something in confidence, and I'm sure that it's not going to leak, then no, I won't leak it. But the thing is, these companies don't take their security seriously sometimes, and then it just leaks out, and then everyone knows. So, you don't want leaks. Prove your security, fellas. Mm. Um, Not like I even look hard for this stuff sometimes. It really isn't. So, Jez, I want to hear, and the fans want to hear, the the listeners want to hear, uh, of your thoughts about the Halo campaign, because they know that you love the multiplayer, even though you haven't really played it that much anymore because of cross-play shenanigans. You don't like playing against the PC people. You don't like playing against cheaters. Um, you're also not <laughs> not the biggest fan of, you know, some of the progression and monetization, but, you know, whatever. So how do you feel? I don't care about the progression and monetization so much. Okay, so how- I, just, I just ignore it in Halo, because I don't really care about the whole lore about the characters and stuff. But, sorry, what was your question, man? I was going to say, question? how do you feel about the campaign? You you played it? You completed it? Oh, yeah, it? I completed it. So what are your thoughts? Okay, like, first of all, there's not going to be any spoilers in the show. No. So we'll, like, we'll skirt around some of this stuff. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone because that sucks. And uh, so there's that. But I sort of, I felt 
it was just obvious that the game was the result of troubled development, I'd say. Because I felt like there was a lot of there was a lot of messy execution in some of the story elements. And you can sort of tell later in the game where assets have been reused in the place of what I would have thought would have been a, like a fully animated cutscene, I suppose. Um, I also noticed very near the end of the game, they reuse a whole like, they reuse the whole, a whole scene from the start of the game a second time, which kind of like reduced the impact of the scene because I was like, hang on a sec, that's the exact same scene from the start of the game but with different models. So I was kind of like, I was kind of like, you know, there was that. But I think they've sort of, what they've done is they've, they've sort of, they've painted themselves into a bit of a corner with Halo 5. The events of Halo 5 and Cortana and stuff like that, it reminded me a lot of what happened with World of Warcraft, honestly. Like, for people who played Warcraft 3, like, Sylvanas is, like, this big popular character, very much like Cortana, but then in World of Warcraft, she turned evil in a very sort of poorly handled way, I'll say. So... Then Blizzard was like, oh, yeah, we handled this really badly. We'll try and get ourselves out of this situation and give her a redemption arc. But the problem is they made they made Cortana and Sylvanas so evil that it's sort of like it's hard to sort of escape some of this stuff. So, you know, without going into detail, they do sort of look at, at some of the events between Halo 5 and Halo... Halo... Um, Infinite, which none of us know about, because obviously there's a time skip between Halo 5, there's a time skip between Halo 5 and Halo Infinite, and also Halo Wars. So there's a huge, there's a huge block of time where we don't know what's going on, right? And they sort of, they sort of try and work some of that into the plot of Halo Infinite, and I think they did it in quite a messy way, personally. But I think by the end of the game, I was like, I was totally in love with Esherum. I thought he was an amazing character. Um, or he's an amazing character, rather. And um, and I think what they do is they leave it in a sort of a good state to build on for future games or DLC. As we saw, they trademarked some DLC uh, last week. So that's what I'm thinking on some of that stuff. Hmm. By try putting it in a way that's like the fewest spoilers possible, kind of. So I... How do you feel about the gameplay then? Like the open world. I know because you were concerned a little bit about the open world that it'd be too much like Far Cry. And how did you end up feeling about it? Yeah, I thought the gameplay was good. Like the shooting mechanics were good. Still felt like Halo. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Halo. Yes, I'm just we know, not. we know, Jez. We know, we, we know so much that you're not the biggest fan of Halo. <laughs> I, I prefer I prefer to splatter people's black brains with a shotgun, but I think like like in Doom or something. But I think like they did give guns a really great sense of impact without impacting the teen rating. Like they went really hard on physics, which were really really good, and they all played out really well. And just um, it just kind of worked. I was really worried that it was going to be Far Cry. And I, when I saw the first towers, right, like the start of the game, I was like, oh God, they want me to grind towers just like Far Cry. And I just reviewed Far Cry 6, and I'm sick of that formula so badly. But thankfully, 
I don't feel like it overstays its welcome. And I feel like it's almost incidental. Because in the end, I just kind of felt like I was playing a sort of advanced version of some of those Halo Combat Evolved levels. Like the big, broad, open spaces, going between locations in the in Warthog, picking up NPCs to help fight with and stuff like that. And then, like, I was just kind of... I was kind of impressed with how they... They resisted the urge to make it Halo Far Cry Edition, personally. So, at the, while I do wish there were more biomes in the game, um, and I do wish there was more variety in locations, again, I thought it was, like, good, and it didn't overstay its welcome. So, so if you were yeah. to score it, what would you have given it? If you were the one writing the view for Windows Central. If I'd have scored it, I would have given it four, I think, personally. So I guess, I guess, yeah, so, did, this, so did, did the game exceed your expectations then? Like, you went into it and you're like, okay, this is better than I thought it would be? Honestly, yeah. Like, especially at the start, I thought the intro was really strong. Like, the intro was, like, spectacularly strong. And I was like, man... This is, this, if the whole game's like this, then that's great. But then I thought it felt like it slowed down a bit. And I was waiting for another, another sequence like the start of the game. With all the explosions and crazy stuff going off and... I was, I was hoping for another sequence like that, but it just never came. You but know, I do think it will come in future, future DLC. I'm just, I'm just curious like how they're gonna handle the monetization, you know? You know what's interesting like, is, is that there's definitely you think that the intro was great, right? That was uh, was very strong, and that you think maybe it kind of lost some steam once you entered the open world. A lot yeah. of people that I've I've l- listened to some reviews think the opposite. That the beginning and Kotaku wrote an article yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, and people were just yeah, I did together. That, yeah. Like the beginning of this is horrible, and the article was just is a horrible article. Like. I don't I don't begrudge anybody's opinions about like the opening or whatever, but like the way it was written, I didn't like the way it was written. But I've talked to other people that was like, no, like I thought the beginning was lame. But then once the open world, once you got into the open world, that's where it kicked off. So there does seem like mm-hmm. kind of that. Uh, some people think the open world, like the beginning, isn't very good, but it gets really good when it opens uh, the open world. And like you, some people think like. The beginning is strong. I really like the beginning. Like, well, essentially, I like the entire game. I thought the beginning was great, although maybe the first level isn't the best. Uh, it, it, like, when you board the brute ship, I don't think it's the best looking level. I don't think the color palette does the game very, very much ju- justice because it's mostly just kind of like ship interiors, brown, right? Like, uh, some dull mm. lighting. Um, the combat's not necessarily the best in that level. It's just like, this isn't really the b- But I really liked when you land, you get to the ring, you land into that first Forerunner installation, you get the weapon. Like, that was like, oh, man, okay, this this is really good. And then you head out inside, and it was just like a roller coaster ride until essentially you finished. So I'm happy that you you like the game that you liked it better than you thought. But also, I mean, you were saying some things when, you know, pre-show about modern video was, games now with Dark Souls. I was trolling. Yeah, you, you, you were just, you sure oh. you were trolling? Okay. No, well, no, I, 
I wasn't trolling about that. Um, but it's almost like that, that's not a criticism of modern video games, really, because all the Halo games have been <laughs> kind of like that. It's just like after playing Dark Souls, it, it sort of reminded me that there are games out there that I that are for me, and it's not just the industry that's sort of... It's not the industry that's changed. It's just that, you know, different. there's different games for different people, I guess. Um, but... The way I'm, the way I think about Dark Souls right now is that it's basically a single player linear, well not really linear. It's like, it's almost like a single player story Monster Hunter. Cause it just, it just plays like Monster Hunter. And you know how much I love Monster Hunter, right? Yeah. We all know so, how much you love Monster Hunter. Yeah, so, it's, whereas Monster Hunter is like a multiplayer boss rush game, this is more like a, a Monster Hunter RPG, but also depressing, uh, environment the game so um you know it's just it's just for me man i like games to have a lot of depth and i felt like a lot of modern games just don't have a lot of depth like far cry and stuff um they're more surface level yeah they're all sort of surface level and you just do the same thing over and over again and there's not any there's not any nuance in any of the mechanics and everything sort of works the same way but that's where that's actually where Halo I felt delivered a bit more than than typical actually because in Halo like because of all the the way the physics the way the physics works in Halo you can do some pretty spectacular things and get all creative with the game systems in a way that a lot of games like Far Cry frankly don't let you so I do think like well I do think that a lot of modern games don't have the kind of depth that they that I wish they would have um, in terms of like RPGs and stuff I thought for a shooter Halo actually did have quite a lot of depth in its combat without going full blown oh we're a, we're a pseudo RPG now like a lot of a lot of Ubisoft games do like Ubi- to Ubisoft in, to give Ubisoft's mentality was to give Assassin's Creed depth will make it an RPG, but it just it just doesn't sort of. They didn't need to do that to make Assassin's Creed feel like it had depth. They could have just made the combat a little bit more granular, or you know, and stuff like that. I don't know. I need to think a bit more about my response to that, really. But right. honestly, I wasn't actually impressed with the depth in Halo. Like you could do some really creative things. Like I remember there was this one. There was this one part where. I was mopping up some of the, the side missions, and one of the side missions, and this isn't a spoiler, this, this isn't a story thing or whatever, there's like, there's two, you have to fight like two elite bosses um, in a pretty open space, and I was kind of like, man, how am I going to do this? And I, I just approached, approached the fight head on a couple of times, but these two enemies, they were super tanky, and they did a load of damage, and there wasn't much cover around. So I was just thinking, like, what the hell can I do here? So what I did was I went back to, to the um, the forward operating base. I spawned, or, well, I didn't spawn. Actually, yeah, I did spawn because that's how it works. I spawned, like, a bunch of rocket launchers in those lockers or whatever. And then I swapped out all the NPCs' weapons to rocket launchers. And then I picked them up in a Razorback. And I just let the NPCs go go mental with the rocket launchers while I was, like, stabbing them in the back and stuff. So like it does give you it does give you tools to play with, 
But those mil- I felt those moments were so few. I just wanted a bigger sandbox, maybe, ironically, um, with more stuff to do and, I don't know. I just wanted more, I think. Hmm. Which is weird, because it's not like it's not, a, it's not like a shallow game. But I think because of the dev cycle and how long it's taken, I was kind of expecting more, a little bit maybe. But that's a me problem, really. But it does seem like the development cycle on that game was tough. Well, did you read the Jason Schreier article about the uh, development of the game that he put out on Wednesday? Yeah, I did. I mean, it's not really a surprise. Those are all the things that we've been talking about for a while, like the contractor situation at Xbox. Well, I guess we should explain that. So, like, Jason Schreier said that um, labor was an issue and that Microsoft in general has this thing with contractors where they can only work 18 months on a pro- on something and then they have to take a break, right? Yeah. And that's not necessarily a 343 issue. That's like a Microsoft in general issue. So you have somebody who's working on the game for 18 months, and then they got to stop working on the game. And that obviously causes some issues. Um, they said the tools uh, were a problem. Now, I don't know if it means like slip space engine or if it was like previous tools they were working with were an issue. Um, they scrapped like two-thirds of the game. And I guess maybe, like, the idea here is that, like, game development is is hard, and games can either end up, like, Anthem, or they can end up like God of War. Because God of War also famously was going through dev hell. And everybody, even, like, right before, you know, the game came out, like, nobody thought that that game was going to be any good. And then, miraculously, it all came together at the end, Right. Um, but that's where, like, Anthem failed, where the people at Bioware believed in the Bioware magic, that the game will just magically come together at the very end of development, because it had for <laughs> previous games, like it did for Dragon Age Inquisition and stuff like that. But it didn't didn't come together for Anthem, and Anthem was just, you know, <laughs> roundly destroyed by critics and fans, and it wasn't even given a second chance at life. So... Yeah. Here you have Halo Infinite, a game that everybody kind of was expecting not to be good. Let's be honest. We talked on this podcast and we're like, I'm confident in the multiplayer because 343 has shown me that they know how to do multiplayer. And we were right. The multiplayer is considered probably the best since Halo 3. Uh, Definitely better than 5 and 4. People love the multiplayer, even though they have issues with the monetization of free-to-play games, right, and maybe the progression. So, but the gameplay and how everything is within the multiplayer, people are in love with. The question always was the campaign. And, you know, when you take, like, okay, well, Halo 5's campaign wasn't good, and then it's like, oh, look at the problems they're having at the studio. They showed off that demo in 2083. Everybody was like, look how horrible it looks like, even though we said, like, man, it looks like a lot of fun to play. And it ended up being a lot of fun to play. I think, personally, it's the best playing Halo ever. I think it plays better than any of the Bungie Halo games. And I think it's a lot more fun to play because of it. Um, My first playthrough of Halo Infinite, I think, was a lot more fun than any of the other Halo games. And normally I play my first playthrough of Halo uh, solo, and then I play in co-op. So, I just had a huge smile on my face while I was playing this, playing through this game. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of people 
that wanted to be able to pounce on this game, Jez, that wanted to be able yeah. to, to talk smack about it, about how, oh, 343 is a, is a crappy studio, Xbox still can't get their studios to work great, um, Phil doesn't know what he's doing, uh, all these different things that people were just ready, ready to critique Xbox, uh, ready to just throw 343 and everybody under the bus because how could the studio who has all these many people working for it end up and put out this, this like, god-awful game? And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. In fact, it won the, it won, uh, the Player it Choice tried. Award, right, for yeah. at the Game Award. Like, it just – and that really bothered people. Like, how could it win? It's like the game's not even out yet, but it's like the multiplayer was out. Well, how could the multiplayer win? It's like, well, Overwatch won Game of the Year in 2016. So <laughs> you don't necessarily have to just, like, of course, the multiplayer could be someone's favorite game of the year. And then you factor in multiplayer and campaign, and you could un- understand why it is someone's favorite game of the year. But it almost seems like there's a group of people out there just that were promised a shit show that they could really counsel war about, right? Uh, Right? Because it almost seemed like it. It seemed like it had been set up, like the game was delayed, the Craig mean was born, everybody was talking shit about Halo for a year, Jez, for a year. And then they showed off the multiplayer at E3 this past year. Remember? Because we talked about it. Like, all of a sudden it seemed like the conversation around Halo had turned around and people were like, whoa, that looks good. Then the flight came out and people loved it. And then, you know, people were still like, well, the campaign's going to be shit. And then it wasn't. It was better than anybody thought it would be. And the people that were just preparing to have their their way, just now they don't have a game they can just make fun of, um, which I think is absolutely amazing. But personally, for me... Like I said, it's the most fun most fun Halo game I've ever played. Uh, I had a blast playing it. I played it on Heroic. I played it on Easy. I wanted to see, uh, like, what the difference was between both. I, I beat it on Heroic, and I beat it on Easy. Uh, it's still even, like, it's not, it's still a pretty long game even on Easy. Like, I think just doing the main missions on Easy, I think only took, it took me, like, a re- little bit under eight hours. And that wasn't like skipping fights within the main campaign. I was still beating everybody, where you could use the grapple hook to get around. But um, and I didn't do any any side missions, so I was like, man, like seven and a half hours is still pretty decent, especially if you're playing on the easiest difficulty. If you're playing on like harder ones, it's going to be much more, right? So um, I don't know. Like I think I think three four three deserves all the credit. You know, I know the game obviously went through dev hell. Um, You've talked about it publicly on Twitter that you know people that left the entire video game industry because of how bad the development was in Halo Infinite, right? Yeah, I know. I know more than more than a couple of people who were like, um, they were just like, "I'm done. I'm done with this." <laughs> um, but I think the con- the contractor situation contributed to that, which. Um, Hello? Oh, I think we might have lost Jazz. It's true. If if Mike if Mike can you not hear me? No, you, you kind of you kind of like stopped. Uh and now you now, oh, really? now you're back, so yeah. 
You, the last oh, thing yeah. I heard you say was you think the contractor situation uh, might have. I think the contract. Yeah, I think the contractor situation might have contri- contributed to the frustration some people have felt, and um, you know, hopefully that's something Phil can undo because that just seems like a weird limitation to have, you know, and um, because a lot of game development work is contract work. And if Microsoft isn't flexible with how that all functions, then it could it could be like it could be something to do with Seattle law as well. Maybe they're like, well, if you're a contractor more than eighteen months, then you have to offer them a full time job. I'm just speculating, but there could be like a legal a legal aspect to why they do it that way. But then you could easily make the argument, well, if they've been there for they've been there for more than eighteen months, maybe you should just give them a, a full time contract. I don't know. But some devs don't want a full-time contract. They want the freedom to jump around, supposedly. But I can't imagine that's true for a lot of people. I I know I'd prefer stability over contract work, but I don't know. Mm. Um, it's interesting to discuss and thinking about... I think what what the real important topic here is that they've got the engine done. Mm-hmm. They've got the canvas out there. Yes. But what we've basically got now is a very solid multiplayer experience that they can build on, and a very solid open world campaign experience that can build on. Mm-hmm. They can they can add more to this, hopefully more easily than they've been able to actually build the first iteration of it. So hopefully, from here on out, and um, I don't know if I, I won't say the name because the name is potentially a spoiler. I think some people mm. say. I don't really think it's a you spoiler. Think? Well, okay. No. I still I still have a couple things I want to say about the game, right? Because I want to get my thoughts out there. I don't know. Everybody didn't listen to my review. Um, I compared Halo Infinite to Sea of Thieves in my review, Jez. Yeah, I was I was thinking that the whole time. I didn't watch your review either, by the way. Well, I'm, but, I was, <laughs> <laughs> but when I was describing the sandbox, I was thinking of Sea of Thieves the whole time. Yeah, because previous Halo games, much like a lot of games during the... 360 generation, OG Xbox generation, very much linear focused, especially shooters, where Halo Infinite is very much like, here are the tools to use, and you can do anything, you can play the game however you want, like, you could go, like, it's it's so interesting how, well, let me, let me, let me, let me remind this, the Sea of Thieves thing, basically, is Sea of Thieves, you can play in any way that you want, Right? And nobody's really going to have the same experience. And then you have a story to tell other people about, like, man, we were chased, or we did this, or whatever. Like, here's the sandbox and the tools. Go have fun and have your own adventure. Previous Halo games were very much a linear experience where everybody's like, yo, do you remember the fucking bridge in, in Halo 2 Mombasa on the tank? And everyone's like, yeah, dude, I remember that. And you all had these reference points that people could talk to. Man, do you remember this point in Halo 3 when this happened? And you're like, yeah, bro, I totally remember. I did it like this. I did it like this. But you in had reference voice. points. <laughs> yeah, like in that voice. You had reference points. For, yeah, bro. It's like it's like a it's like a ride. Like Bungie, like Bungie had built a ride. And everybody went through the ride and experienced it the same way. So afterwards, you'd be like, bro, that fucking 360 loop-de-loop was killer. Right? And you'd be like, yeah, dude, I totally love that. But Halo Infinite yeah, is a little dude. bit different because you could essentially have a base and you could attack it any way you want. You could just, like, I'm going to grab a sniper from the fob. 
I'm going to go up in the, up really high up, and I'm going to take out the brutes by sniping, then I'll go in. Someone else be like, well, screw that. I'm going to spawn a wasp. Grab the wasp, you know, do an aerial assault. Someone may just go in and foot and be like, I'm taking these people, you know, head, headlong on, right? You go to the fob, you could spawn a warthog, and then get a whole bunch of marines to come in with you to actually start the fight. Hell, maybe you find a ghost somewhere. Drive that in there. Maybe you find a tank. You bring the tank in there. There's so many different ways to do any one specific thing that a lot of people are going to have different experiences, which is why I brought up the Sea of Thieves comparison. Because not everybody's going to experience the open world aspect the same way, which I think is super cool because there are definitely things that I did that I'm sure other people didn't do. So I think that's really cool, although I do think that some people won't like that. Some people want the traditional Halo campaign which I think is presented in, like, those linear Forerunner levels for the most part. Um, well, this, well, this is what I was thinking. I want a mixture of that. That's why I wanted, like, I wanted, I enjoyed the intro level, but I wanted another moment, another sequence like that. Like, mm. and that's why, like, you know, I thought the the sort of open open overworld and then have, like, dun- almost like dungeons that give you those sort of epic, more scripted experiences. Um, but, you know, I, that's kind of like wanting your cake and eating it, right? Which brings us to the DLC, ultimately, because they've got all that stuff in place now. They can ultimately just do whatever they want with it at well, this yeah. point. Yeah, so um, I guess the other thing I'll mention was, I, I guess maybe some of my critiques, like, I really, really like this game a lot. Um, it's, 343 is the best Halo game by far. Um, I do think you do they do the rule of three too much. I don't know how many... The rule of three, when you got to do something three times before you can move on, essentially. Like, how many times were you grabbing those power shards to power doors? And then, All like, right. you do that, and then you go to the next thing, and there'd be another power shard you'd have to grab and do it. And yeah. Or even here in this little clip I'm showing of, of attacking this keep, you got to destroy three... Like uh, like towers that show up, right? It's always the rule of three, and I think they do it. They rely on it a little bit too much. But then the other thing, and this is more of a me thing because it happens so often, was the amount of times you have to insert uh, the weapon into a console to move on. Like it happens a lot, and I guess it's understandable because she's a new character and you gotta like get used to her, and that's how she is able to like. Uh, show her personality to the audience while seeing, like, her expressions. It just was like every single time you get into a fight and you clear a room out and you go to the next room and there's another console you have to put um, the weapon into. It's just like, how many times are we going to do this, right? (laughs) Um, And like I said, no spoilers, but I mentioned in my review, um, the game gave me goosebumps a couple times. Uh, I couldn't stop playing. It's always a great sign for a game. Like, when you can't put it down and you just want to keep on playing, that's a, that's a great sign of something you're enjoying. And there were moments there where I got goosebumps, but I'm not going to say which ones because I don't want to ruin anything. Um, I did get emotional. I ain't going to lie. You know, I, I mentioned before uh, when I talked about Wheel of Time, and I think people were like, oh, man, I can hear in Rand's voice he's getting emotional about talking about it. And I was. Like, I almost had tears in my eyes. You know, I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. Um there was a scene here where I started to get choked up a little bit. 
because this franchise does mean a lot to me, and the characters do mean a lot to me. So there was a moment where, like, I was like, just thinking about it, it's just like, oh man. But I don't. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say who it involves or anything. Just it. It's it, and it's a that type of stuff never happens to me in games. Like it, it happens to me in, in movies here and there, um, and it happens to me in books a lot because there's a lot of you know. Uh, especially for something that I've read for 20 years, but games rarely, it rarely happens in games. Um, but even so, with that said, about how I felt about the game and how it spoke to me, I did feel robbed. There is a part where I felt robbed as a fan of the franchise, and I didn't like the storytelling of it. I didn't like what happened. I'm not going to say anything more than that other than it's like, and I've talked about it with you. I've talked about it with other people. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I felt the same. I felt the same actually. Like there were there were a couple of parts that even I had goosebumps, even though I'm not a huge fan of the franchise. But then I also, even though I'm not a huge fan of the franchise, there was a part that I also felt robbed. And I was I was just sitting there thinking like, man, I could have written this better. <laughs> I could have I could have come up with a better resolution than this, but then you just sort of have to hope that it's because it's going somewhere or something. I don't know, um, but it made me feel annoyed in a way that I haven't felt annoyed since maybe Mass Effect 3's ending. It's not as bad as that, but it's sort of like it's it, it's annoyance because you care, you know. Mm. So it's it means something that they actually made me care. So that's cool because I often just don't care about Halo games. But, uh, I, yeah. But I do kind of think, like, it was a struggle to have even got to where they did. And, um, you know, hopefully from here they can, like, build on and take it somewhere more impressive and more... Well, yeah, and that's, and that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about next is, you know, there is an ending to the game. I don't think it's abrupt. Um, I liked it. I mean, I didn't love it. I think there's going to be people that don't like it, and I already talked to people who don't, but um, I think the game told a complete beginning, middle, and end of a story. But, of course, there's a sequel tease. And they tr- mm-hmm. Xbox trademarked something uh, called Halo. Well, I guess maybe I won't say what they trademarked, but... They trademarked something that could that when I re, when I first saw it, I'm like, that's the sequel, or that's going to be the next campaign. Do you agree? Do, do you have the same feeling, Jez? Yeah, I guess. You guess. So I guess the question then becomes: Is when are we going to see this sequel DLC campaign? Are they going to do it like Bungie does, where are we going to get yearly expansions? Are we going to, you know what I mean? Like, they already have a trademark, so, like, is it going to be coming sooner rather than later? Um, like, what What are your thoughts on that? I, th- I suppose it could go either way. I, first of all, I don't think it's going to be a sequel. I don't think there's going to be a whole new $60 game. No, no, I mean, I including the title. What? Yeah, including yeah. the title, Infinite. Halo Infinite is, like, it's it's not truly infinite. It's not going to go on forever. But as long as the engine can remain sort of relatively modern, they're just going to keep adding to this, and as long as people keep playing it and stuff. So I, I see this sort of taken almost a Sea of Thieves-like structure where 
they add they add DLC and story events and all kinds of stuff to the game, especially when they get cooperative playing, because that's the other that's the other big thing that was missing was uh, the co-op experience. So like for for decades, literally decades, people have played Halo with their friends in co-op, and for this expan- for this game was the first Halo that didn't launch with co-op, which which is a uh, Kind of lame, especially with the holidays coming up. Mm. You go home, you go home for the holidays and, you know, maybe you want to, you know, get all nostalgic with a sibling and play Halo. You can't do that this, this year because the, they couldn't get the co-op in there for whatever reason. So, um, that, that aspect sucked too. But when they do start getting the co-op in, I presume it'll be four player, maybe, you join someone's game and then you play as like a random Spartan or you play as like, it'd be cool if you could play like as a, as a grunt or something like a, you, you know, a Marine rather than, um, a full blown Spartan or hell, let, let me even play as a grunt, like a grunt who's like gone rogue and joined the something. But, um, uh, or maybe even like they could do a DLC with the Arbiter comes back. There's, there's loads of stuff they could do with this. As a sort of not full blown MMO sort of like how Destiny is with loot and stuff, but as a sort of a canvas kind of sandbox multiplayer game, similar to Sea of Thieves, like where you can just drop in, drop out, do some mad stuff, you know, maybe unlock some cosmetics for multiplayer and and that kind of thing, and also experience some new story beats. I think they're probably looking to have Sea of Thieves work to inform that, and um, I think that's how it's going to end up going. Yeah, there was a lot of t- a lot of times when I was playing this game that I thought to myself, "This would be so much fun in co-op." Like, yeah. Um, yeah, and it sucks that it's not there. It'll be coming later in the year, but um, yeah, I'm really interested in seeing how they approach sequels or DLCs for this. Um, mm-hmm. Because you, you kind of already had the mold out there with Destiny. Destiny's always releasing new campaigns, new story stuff, kind of like every year or maybe like every year and a half. And it kind of does fit in the seasonal model. Like I think a big, you know, like maybe like say, you know, season season six, season six features the return of Chief in you know Halo colon whatever the you know it's called and. It's a, you know, five to eight hour campaign, much like Gears Highbusters was, right? But instead and of Highbusters was amazing. It was, but instead of just doing it once and stopping, this would be something that you can continue to do for a long time. Like you can, you can constantly tell stories within this universe, and there definitely is another story they have to tell uh, in this game. Judging from you know certain things we we won't talk about, but yeah, the. The fact that it's already trademarked, like, I kind of feel like it's coming sooner than rather than later. Like, I almost feel like a year from now, to celebrate the one-year anniversary, maybe, 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 maybe you're right, but I kind of feel like the one-year anniversary, it's like, celebrate season five with a new Master Chief story and campaign that you can, you know, play in co-op and all that stuff. So, it'd be interesting how this game evolves, uh, when new stuff is going to happen, but, um... Three four three, man. They exceeded all my expectations with this with this game. One hundred percent. It's better than I thought it would be. Um, and I mean, for all the 
the problems that supposedly development has is like I mean you could see some of it like even in like some of the the uh explorable areas that you really can't go check out. It's like, okay, that's probably cut content or whatever, but yeah, like what a turnaround. Um, cause I thought it was just going to be one of those things where it's like, man, like Halo is just going to come out. Cause you said you were surprised by the, the high reviews that it got because you, you thought it would score more high seventies, low eighties. Um, and I think it's like currently sitting at an 86, like right around an 87, which is a pretty damn good score. Um, but Halo's back, baby. I love it. I love to see it. You love to see it. So yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, I love it for the fans, like yeah, of course. Because uh, there's a great there's it's always good when a game comes out and it's great. Because what was the Miyamoto quote? A, a bad game is bad forever. A delayed game is eventually good, right? Yeah. I mean that's uh, very true in this uh, in this case because I can only imagine what this game would have been like when it, if it had launched last year. Or even when Jason Schreier said that, the, that they had planned at one point to have the multiplayer come out in 2019 and the campaign to then launch in 2020. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you made the right decision to launch everything together, essentially, and give it as much time as possible. And hopefully you do that with all of your franchises, all of your studios, give them as much time as they need to to make the game as good as possible because, like, this is what we wanted from Xbox. Like, they're in, we're going to talk about their incredible 2021 in a minute, but like, this is what I've this is what I've been talking about personally uh, for years now. So I'm going to get a couple of these super chats and we'll talk about it. Love of the game says the many bases, camps, crash, and battle sites spread throughout the open world remind me of a more advanced version of what Gears started in their campaign. Um. Mm. Yeah, I kind of get that. I kind of get what he means there. Because, like, in the, the the ice fields bit in Gears, there's, like, you you don't have to do it. Because they're, like, they're sort of, like, side quests, and they give you, like, bits of story details, and there's, like, um, some unique weapon variants, I think. That is actually just, like, some of the stuff out of Infinite, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I clearly, I think... You know, even in the Jason Schreier article, which, you know, Jeff Grubb said, like, it almost seems like they were like, okay, we want to we wanna kind of do a Halo meets Breath of the Wild type thing. Um, yeah. Gears' open world was very just basic. Like, it was almost, they, they, they felt almost scared to make it open world. Or at least do open world properly. Nah, you, dude, I've, I've heard that the, they were limited a little bit by the Unreal Engine there, which is why they have a huge gate. You know, there's like these huge gates. Mm-hmm. Those are like those are just giant loading screens, really. You're talking about like when you get off the sled and you, you squeeze through a little thing, and then you actually yeah. yeah, like because because the open world in Gears was pretty static. There wasn't much to do. You'd have a couple areas you could do you you could go do something, but they were areas within the open world, not like yeah. you know Halo Infinite. So if that's a problem with with Unreal, then maybe it's not a problem. I with don't know if it's Unreal specifically, or it's just the way they use Unreal or something. And I think Unreal 5 improves some of this stuff. But I remember being told by a dev that Unreal Engine 4 has some streaming problems when it comes to making open world games, which is why, like, you know, some devs don't use it. And which is why, like, the the semi-open world in Gears is not really a true open world in that sense. I don't know. 
Yeah, the Geeky Nerd says, overall, an 86 Metacritic is a great score, but put into context with the rest of the franchise's major releases, releases not including Halo Wars, is toward the bottom. I think it's fair to point both out. You're right, but I also think it's fair to point out that review standards have changed since the 360 generation. Almost, they were handing out 90s like candy during the 360 gen. And when you got into the Xbox One gen, that stopped. Uh, so I think reviewers are a lot harder on games now than they were then. Uh, but I mean, it is true, like the Halo, the Halo 1, 2, and 3 all scored like super high 90s. And, uh... Yeah, I remember... Do you remember? Yeah. What? Do I remember what? Do you remember, like, in the 360 gen, there was this huge controversy because, um, an EA executive had messaged, um, GameSpot's executive editor and requested that someone be fired for giving one of their games a negative review. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was, um... Wasn't it that little Jeff Gersman thing? Giant... That's how Giant Bomb came... Uh, out of uh, to uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was over Kane and Lynch. Yeah, so I think there was a bit of like I don't I don't think game journalists are as scared of publishers as they used to be because a lot of revenue doesn't come from game publishers now; it comes from Amazon, frankly. So like like I don't give a damn. I'm lucky I've come into this industry when I have because, like, if I get blacklisted by Ubisoft, that doesn't affect us at all. So I can I can say whatever I want, you know. I I don't have to worry about upsetting them and you know sugarcoating for them. I can I can be liber liberated in my opinion because I don't need the access because that's not the business model anymore. But it definitely used to be in the in the old days before Amazon and before affiliate marketing and all that stuff. So maybe people were more inclined to give out higher scores then because of that, because of being scared of being caught. Well, I also I think maybe a lot of those ideas or games were new, and then you're constantly just seeing iterations of them, and right. it's not as fresh. So like the reviews score lower and lower and lower. Like it's pretty tough to get like score in the 90s these days. I think the only one that yeah. really did it this year is Forza. And even still, like, Forza Horizon 5 is way better than Forza Horizon 4, but even still, it only matched it with a 92. It's just incredibly difficult to score high because uh, people, like, I don't know. It's just, is Halo, like, 2 and 3, like, really a 97? Like, I think if those games had come out now, they definitely would be reviewed a lot lower. Um, yeah. That's just kind of the way it is. I mean, even, like, Halo 4 is, like, an 87 on Metacritic. Halo 4 is nowhere near as good as this game. And the fact that it's, like, rated higher is just goes to show you just, you know, how people reviewed games then versus now. It's, it's different. Um, George Halo says... 4 up a flood. No. Halo 4 did not. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. They had Prometheans, which were even worse. Uh, horrible yeah, enemy to fight. Um, and the multiplayer in Halo 4 was absolutely terrible. And yet that game still scored pretty high. Um, and, and, and Halo 5 scored high, and it didn't deserve its Metacritic of 85 because the campaign is awful in Halo 5. But it, either way, George says, ideas on the, on the campaign expansion, love the campaign. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that, I, we, that's too much to talk about spoilers, and I don't, I don't want to talk about spoilers. I don't want to ruin the game for everybody, but there's definitely a setup that they have, a tease, a hook for this, the next sequel. I would be imagine it'd be a combination of open world exploration with dungeons, the linear levels that you can explore, um, 
but uh, I guess we'll find out eventually. Uh, Paul says, I don't even want to know what the game would have been if Joseph Staten never stepped in. That's true. It yeah. Did, it did seem like he, you know, he, in the Jason Schreier article, he was credited with, like, I went to, you know, uh, the boss and the bosses and basically detailed, like, this is what how much better the game would be if you give us, you know, the extra year. And I think it really paid off. Also, yeah. like, it's, it's a point out that, like, um, Jez, that, uh, you could even say Xbox didn't need Halo until this year um, because yeah. of the, the chip shortage, right? Like, <laughs> they were selling as many consoles as they could make even right now. And, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been the case with the original plan, which is why you want Halo Infinite launching with your console. But when it didn't, and then all of a sudden there weren't going to be many consoles available, it's like you didn't really need Halo. So, yeah, I guess it all worked out for the better. Um, Safe Space Invader says, will Halo expansions be for all systems? Ten years, question mark. I think they'll do it like Destiny, where Destiny got expansions for a bit, and then they basically dropped uh, support for, like, uh, Xbox uh, 360, and then everything was just only Xbox One. And it, I just really can't see nine years from now, so it would be nine years from now, 20... I just can't see in 2030 or 2029, uh, you know, if they're dropping a new campaign or new updates for multiplayer or something, that they're still also putting them out for Xbox One. Because you would imagine by then, there are not going to be many people playing on Xbox One, and you can probably safely disconnect the umbilical cord. Do you, do you feel the same on that, Jez, or no? Yeah, I mean, that seems fair. Seems fair. Uh, RDX Sunafest says, Jez, when is the mini fridge coming to Canada? I beat Infinite and it's amazing and also can't wait to play the new Tunic demo. So, uh, do you know, Jez? I have no idea on the mini fridge in Canada. Um, is the mini fridge even available in the UK? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't followed the mini fridge too closely. Um, I don't plan on buying one myself. Um, I got nowhere to put one and I don't really care if drink i mean it's cold eh? it's cold already anyway if i want if i want if i want something to be cold if a beverage should be cold i just put it by the window for five minutes or something. but um but yeah i'm afraid i don't know um i bet i'm pretty sure they've heard the complaints loud and clear though so yeah they're probably gauging how well it'll do in the u.s market and then maybe expand it to other markets um maybe via the xbox gear store or something because they have just expanded the Xbox Gear Store to like the Xbox Gear Store right now. It's Amer it, it's, it exists in America, but it has worldwide shipping, I think. But then this past month, like a couple of weeks ago, they've actually expanded the Gear Store to the UK, where now like when you buy stuff from the UK, it's actually shipped from a UK warehouse, not from an American one. So. I think they're probably just slowly gauging how, like, their their retail pipeline for merchandise. So, um, it could take a while, but hopefully it won't take too long if you're, if you're a mini-fridge fan and you want one. Yeah. Kisanti says, I'm early in and I've gotten choked up a few times. I love the game so far. I'm taking it slowly not to run through it all quickly. Yeah, Kisanti, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I took it slow too, um, but yeah. I feel I felt the same man get choked up, you know. 
Uh, I love Halo. I love the characters. And there's definitely a moment, maybe two moments, where it really hit me, hit me hard. Um, Lydia says, is what is it what dealer complained about? Um, I don't know what dealer complained about. Um, so I can't speak for him. But um, I, uh, my complaint isn't with the ending. My complaint's with uh, some of the storytelling towards the end that it doesn't have to do with the ending. Uh, maybe one day we can spoil this in a, in, a, in a month or so or next year we talk about the problems I had with the game. I think also I'm going to be on some spoiler cast for other podcasts, so I'll definitely be talking about it there. So, um, You know what's funny? Somebody on Xbox Live actually sent me a message trying to spoil the game for me, Jez, even though I had already beat it, and most of the person's spoilers were completely wrong, Right. I was, just, I was just like, wow, you're pathetic. And also, I already beat the game, and all your spoilers are essentially wrong. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Why do people get so upset and emotional about video games like this? On know. consoles, they don't even care about, like, man, it's so it's so strange to me that grown men would do this. Well, dude, it's I saw really your tweet um, about uh, people review bombing Halo and Metacritic. That's hilarious. And they're, they're just think about this. There are dudes out there who lives are pathetic and who legit are like making up reviews to to you know review bomb the game. And it's not just like only a uh, essentially a video game thing because they did it for movies as well, right? Like Black Panther, Wonder Woman and stuff like that. Um but they're like so pathetic that they they go make up fake stuff and they review bomb something like I don't I've said this before I couldn't be bothered to do that like you would literally have to pay me someone would have to come and be like Rand could you write a review on Metacritic I'd be like there's no I'm not doing that I'd be like you'd have to pay me to do that be like you'd have to literally PayPal me a hundred bucks and be like could you go write a review for this on Metacritic because it's not worth my time but yet for whatever reason. There's people out there that are legitimately upset that Halo is good, that are legitimately upset other things are good, and they take it out on Twitter and social media, and then they review bomb it. Like, honestly, I've always felt that those people are just utterly pathetic. They're just <laughs> losers of the biggest, the, the biggest magnitude. Like, I couldn't imagine doing that myself. It's just... Do you feel the same, Jez? Like, like, do you ever feel like I need to comment on this, no. or like, I, I, I just I, honestly, I just wouldn't have the time. Like, I just wouldn't have the time, let alone the inclination. I just think it's really strange. Um, I think I think re- review bombings can serve a purpose. If like, if a dev's ignoring the community, and like, um, or doing something shady, like putting pay to win in the game or something. Um, sometimes review bombing can be like an outlet for when consumer malpractice has occurred. But that isn't the case here. This is like just fanboyism gone wrong. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Um, like some Xbox fans will downvote a PlayStation game and some PlayStation fans will downvote an Xbox game and stuff. But I, I think it's just pathetic overall. You know, yeah, no matter No matter what. You know, platform wars are just sad. I don't care if you're an Xbox fanboy or a PlayStation fanboy, whatever. Just, just 
the world's too lame to put extra negativity into it for no reason. Yeah. Uh, Gunstar says, I'm failing my mob duties, I'm afraid. Teddy keeps trying to eat everything just like his dad. I'll catch up tomorrow. Hashtag pup daddy. And Gunstar got a new uh, dog. So, uh, we, we all love dogs. Dogs are, puppies are like hard work from what I understand. A friend of mine's got a puppy recently and the puppy like, they thought the puppy had swallowed a battery so they spent the whole day at the the veterinary's place. Yeah. And then like, I look at my cats and they're like, yeah, we're not dumb enough to eat a battery. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hargit says, will potential future Halo campaign DLC be free? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that'll be something you have to pay for. Yeah, I think it'll be like... I think they might have experimented with Hive Busters, maybe. And they were seeing, like, if Hive Busters drove... I mean, this is speculation. It's probably not really what happened. But I think if Hive Busters drove a load of Game Pass subs or something, they might have maybe thought another way of doing it. But, like, Minecraft Dungeons... Minecraft Dungeons DLC, for example, none of that is free. You have to buy it. I think, like, if, you, if you've if got Game Pass, you get Minecraft Dungeons base game, but all the DLC packs, the extra missions that come with the extra loot and stuff, those you have to you have to pay for, but, like, the system-level updates, like, system features, though you get those for free, and, like, some of the end-game content they've included for free. Yeah. You, you won't have to pay for uh, being able to replay campaign missions. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the fact that they couldn't get that in for launch is just, can't replay campaign missions. It's like, ugh, that's such a basic thing, too, you know? Being yeah, able to do that. Strange. Yeah. Um, our buddy Sin Vendetta says, now that Microsoft has 23 studios working on games, these veteran Xbox studios can now breathe and take more time to get these games right. I imagine how much pressure they had when it was just five studios last gen. Yep. And I'm going to, you know, basically expand on that because that is super important what you just said. Um, and I think we got, uh, Nodon 99,000. 999 says, Infinite is following the Destiny model. If you look at Destiny, you'll see where Halo is going. If you like Infinite, you'll probably like Destiny. Uh, I don't know. I like Infinite, but I don't care for Destiny. So, I mean, I don't like Destiny at all. So, I disagree with that. Um, Installation 7 says, just got here. I'm not it. What? I don't, I don't really consider Destiny to be a sandbox. Like, you can't interact with the environment the same way you can in Halo. Like in Halo, you can like drive drive a tank and then smash into an enemy and throw a barrel and then everything goes ragdoll flying all over the place. Yeah, Destiny has driving in it, but it, it's not really like it doesn't interact with the environment so much, and the environments are kind of like static, right? Yeah. I don't really consider Destiny to be a, a sandbox like Halo is, or like Sea of Thieves is even. Well, we'll see. Like if they start introducing uh, daily and weekly challenges to the PV. E section of the campaign, then maybe be like, oh, it's kind of like Destiny, you know, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Inflation 7 says, just got here. What do you think of Del Toro's Silent Hill comment? Teaser or troll? Yeah, Del Toro says something about a new Silent Hill, saying that he hoped that one would come. I think that's a tease. I do think there's a new Silent Hill in the, in the works, and I think it's only a matter of time before we find out what it is and who's making it. It's um, Luba, right? That's the rumor. There's a there's a rumor that it's there's two Silent Hill games and maybe one of them is being made by Bluebird and there's another one made by a Japanese studio. 
So, um, what if that old rumor about Microsoft being involved and it's no. like, and it's like uh, Shinji Mikami doing it or something? That'd, That'd be, be hilarious. Uh, Gordon Redzik says, "Ran and Jez, great work as always." So I felt there were so many games that looked the same. Please, no more walking around in a dystopian landscape. Also, Jez, can you tell your Xbox overlords to make a volleyball game? A volleyball game. A volleyball mm. game. Do you do you, do you feel there's also too many post-apocalyptic dystopian games out there? Uh, yes and no. Um, yes, because I understand if you're not a fan of that, then that could be tedious because there is a lot of them right now. But I'm a fan of that, so no, I like that. Bring me, bring more, bring more of that. But um, I, I get it, I get it, you know, like. But I'm the opposite, you know. I'm playing um for the, for review right now. I'm playing a like really positive, happy game that's sort of bright and colourful, and I hate it. I hate it. Well, game but I know, I know. It's, say, right? I can't, I can't tell you. But it's, I know it's a me problem, and I can see objectively that the art's amazing and it's gorgeous and all that stuff. And and I know that people who aren't so cynical and jaded would really like it. But I, I'm not one of those people. I'm someone who like gets excited by, like, the, the drab darkness of, like, Dark Souls and State of Decay. Where's State of Decay 3, man? Mm. Oh, I some State of Decay. But I, I agree, there's a lot, there is a lot of that. Hopefully, like, there'll be more variety and stuff going forward, I don't know. But I thought there was, there was quite a lot of, like, bright and colourful games, like the Suicide Squad game looked pretty. Yeah, I got a lot of Sunset Overdrive, uh, Overdrive vibes, yeah. vibes from that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people like post-apocalyptic because they can essentially make their own world. You know, you're not really. Uh, I think also people have a lot of fascination with dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff. Yeah, for uh, sure. Jacqueline says, "Hey, Jen, so Sony just got a new studio, and people are waiting to see who's next. Gentlemen, who do you think will? Who do you think will be bought by this time next year? Yeah, Sony just bought a support studio." Um, that's the thing, like, nobody had that studio on their lists. Um, and that, like I said, that's a, that's a tough question, um, because it very well could be Xbox to buy somebody that, you know, nobody's really thinking about. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, we'll, we'll, I mean, we talk about the acquisition stuff all the time. We know that Xbox is talking to people. We know Satya and Phil and Matt Booty have all mentioned it, that they're going to continue to grow, you know, especially if it's a win-win for both whoever they're buying and themselves. So, like, honestly, I think Microsoft – I mentioned this before, but, like, Crystal Dynamics, I think, is, is – I think Crystal Dynamics is as close to a shoo-in as you can get. Um, especially yeah. if the Perfect Dark development goes good, I think they snatch up Crystal Dynamics. And, I mean, who knows, maybe they also buy the Tomb Raider IP from Square then and just be like, all right, now Crystal Dynamics can do Perfect Dark and Tomb Raider. Um, outside of that, I mean, who knows. Um, but, yeah, I want to... IO, maybe. IO Interactive. Um, IO Newton. I want to talk, because, like, our buddy... Um, uh, Sin Vendetta's kind of said this in a super chat about like studios being able to take their time now and there's a lot of pressure especially on like you know Playground and 
in the coalition last gen because they didn't have a lot of first party, and maybe they pushed games out when they shouldn't have, and because of that, games weren't as fully featured as they should be. And that kind of goes in with, like, what I called, like, Xbox's Incredible 2021. But it also bears well to the future because, you know, we all thought, like, okay, 2021 is going to be a decent year. Uh, sure, the first half of the year was, was, was not very good. Microsoft assisted off of their Game Pass announcements like MLB The Show and Outriders, and I still think they need to do more of those big third-party games in day one, like for Game Pass stuff. They need to do more of that. So my thing is two of the games that came out this year for Xbox, Psychonauts 2 and Halo, were delayed essentially a year to give them more time to make the games better. And I think if this wasn't, if this was previous Xbox, they would have pushed those games out because they needed them. And I think both games would have suffered. And the problem both me and you, Jez, have had is that Xbox released games too early or not with enough content. So they got the, uh, these monikers of like, you know, like Sea of Thieves, like early access, right? Or they, they have something like Crackdown, which is like 60 meta. Like there was the meme that Xbox just releases these 60 meta games. And I think yeah. l- largely is because they didn't really give a lot of studios time. And I think if in a different world, Halo Infinite comes out last year and Psychonauts 2 comes out last year, right? Um, and they're nowhere near as good as they are right now. And because of that, you know, Psychonauts doesn't get nominated for awards. It doesn't score well. Same thing with Halo. People are turned off the franchise. And I think that's – it's good that this is happening, and partially it's because of all the studios. And also partially I think it's because Xbox is more mature about it, and that they can look at this blueprint of here's two games that we delayed that got significantly better because of the delay, so we can then give these other studios that we have uh, extra time if they need it. Because we all want Xbox Game Studios to pump out quality games. And the only way you're going to do that is if you give the teams the time they need. So 2021 ended up being an incredible year for Xbox because of Microsoft's smart decisions of delaying Psychonauts 2 and Halo. And then you, when you combine it with here's Forza Horizon 5, which is incredible, and here's uh, Age of Empires 4, which reviewed well, and then, like, oh, if you want to include Deathloop, because that's an Xbox studio now, then you can. And you look at it like, damn, this is a year that, this is a year that, like, Sony would love to have, that Nintendo would love to have. Like, all their major releases all scored in the 80s, with most of them scoring in the high 80s, and one of them in the, in the, in, in the low 90s. Like, that's an incredible year for any publisher at any point in time. And that's just something that we as Xbox fans and me and you, Jez, have hoped Microsoft would, would, would essentially aspire to. And it only really took a couple years. Um, do, do you have any thoughts about, like, what I'm saying about this? Or is, is this kind of just, like, common sense stuff? No, I think you're completely right that, like, there's been, like, there's been a chain of events that sort of worked out well for Microsoft and probably Sony, frankly, in that they they were they were able to, I don't know, not push development back, 
but they were a bit more. They had the they had the ability to be be a bit more lenient with how hard they push because of the chip shortage. Like if if they were if they were selling out of all their stock or whatever. I mean, if they if they if they if there was a healthy relationship between supply and demand right now for PS5 and Xbox Series X, there'd probably be a bigger demand for competition in the sense of we need to get these games out as fast as possible because Xbox is doing this, Sony's doing that, blah, 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 blah. And because of that, we've, Sony and Microsoft have been pretty pretty easy about delaying some of the games and stuff, and which should really lead to better products in the end, we think, we hope. But, you know, at the same time, it's going to be like, you know, they still want us on the get on the consoles playing and they still want to stay in the news cycle and stay relevant and obviously... They don't want, especially with Microsoft, they don't want the Game Pass sub to, um, they don't want people to lapse their Game Pass sub because um, there's nothing to play, there's nothing new to play, which is a problem Netflix has, right? They constantly have to look for new content to keep sure, make sure that people stay subscribed every month because you can just cancel your sub whenever you feel like it. And if people feel like canceling the sub because there's nothing to play, then that's not good for Microsoft. So, um on the one hand, yeah, more delays and making sure the games are, like, the minimum viable product to, like, hit a high meta score is a good thing, but it probably leaves them in a situation where they need to hit more acquisitions. <laughs> because if they are going to, if they are going to delay games because they don't, they don't feel the pressure because of the supply situation, that gives them op- an opportunity to invest further for when the chip shortage is solved and they can put the pedal to the metal, you know. Um, and when they do start putting the pedal to the metal, um, they're going to need more studios. They're going to need more content month by month. They're going to need support studios. And Sony just picked up a support studio, um, which, you know, worked on a bunch of Microsoft games, which probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft was in the bidding for that. And um, they just got sniped or something. I don't know. But I can't imagine Microsoft super happy about losing Valkyrie. Um, because Valkyrie did work on a bunch of Microsoft games. Um, so I think, like, there's no, there can't be any room for complacency. Microsoft had a great year, yeah. But there still can't be any room for complacency. And look, at how, look at how hard Netflix is pushing now that Disney Plus is, like, a force to be reckoned with. Like, that, and, like, there's all these other services going really hard and a lot of people are probably looking at all the subscriptions they've got and like, can I, can I really like afford to pay for Disney Plus and this and this and Paramount Plus and Netflix and net, the Netflix extra subscription and YouTube premium and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and all this stuff? They have to, they're not just competing with Sony with their subscription service, really. They're competing with every subscription service. Yes, yeah, Dodgy Caesar calling me out, fraud alert. You said before they had enough studios. Yeah, I know. I was going to say that. I remember when I true. when I said that, you were like, oh, well, well that's just, what, what did you say? It's just, uh, it was just, uh, um, what was when I said, oh, they should buy Warner Brothers and then buy this and this and this. And you're like, that's too many studios. That's diminishing returns or whatever. Now it's like, you need, like, now they need more. So, okay. Okay, Jen. Yeah, I'll on that. Yeah. I think, like, that, that probably is a point where there is diminishing returns, but they're nowhere near hitting it. And like with PlayStation coming in with PlayStation Plus, it sort of, it sort of 
creates a sort of, I don't know, an impetus, really, to sort of go even harder. And they and I do think they compete with the streaming services. Of course. Every, and everything competes for your time, right? Yes. Like, everything competes for your time. Um, so... I think I think what my main thing was like we've seen Xbox at their worst. We've seen them make wrong decisions. We've seen them push out games when they weren't ready. And that was kind of just like, oh, you know, how horrible it can be to be an Xbox fan sometimes. But to me, it more or less seems like they have it down now. And they have enough studios where they don't need to put out a game on schedule like Gears Coalition was basically carrying the Xbox One generation. And if they were staying to that three-year dev cycle, Gear 6 would be uh, coming out next year. Right? Because it, yeah. it came out in 2019. Now you're looking at Gear 6 potentially not even being the next game that the Coalition um, releases, right? That, yeah, maybe. That it, they're doing a smaller... Uh, game first, and then Gear 6 later. So now you're even saying, like, Gears might get... Is that the rumor? Well, I mean, you were the one who was saying this. Oh, uh, well, I I know, all I know is they're working on two projects. I don't they're know working on two, projects. two projects, and I think I think the Grub Grub has said that he thinks Grub Grub. Um, the, the, the other game is first. They're going to do the other oh, game first, right. and then do Gear 6, which is that's the case. Gear 6 may come out in you know, 2024, 2025, which would be six, five to six years uh, instead of three. So then you basically give them a lot more time to refocus on, on, on what makes Gears Gears and make it even better. Whereas before, you would just expect Xbox to put out Halo Infinite at the launch of the console because they needed it, because old Xbox would have done that. And they would have been like, oh, whatever, yeah, okay, we can fix the game later. Even though maybe some of the decisions they did, especially with co-op and stuff like that, but the game would have been worse for it. And now you look at next year and you're like, Redfall, Forza Motorsport, Starfield. We know from, you know, the Game Awards, Crossfire X is February 10th. Um, Stalker 2 is uh, April 28th. Tunic is March 16th. Um, you know, Scorn's supposed to come out at some point, right? So, like, the beginning... Even though it's not first party, there are some games from February, March, and April that are going to be exclusive for Xbox. And it's like, okay, that's that's a good start because, you know, you're not we're not getting first party until the end of the year. I'm just really impressed with how everything turned out this year. Like, I did not expect all their games to hit the way they hit this year. Uh, and th- if this is what I want from them moving forward. If something's not working, give them time because I expect good games from Xbox. I expect quality games for Xbox. Like, I don't want to have to sit here in two years and be like, Hellblade 2, you know, was, we were, we needed to come in 2023, but it's not ready, so we're going to push it out, and because of it, it doesn't get good reviews. Like, if something's not working, delay it. You have as as much studios, you have so many studios that you can do that. Like, Moving forward, I want, like, all these Xbox games should all be 80+. plus. That should be the minimum. The minimum should be the game needs to be an 80. The game needs to be good uh, because, like, if, if, you're, if that's not your aim, then what are we even, what are we even talking about here? Like, I, I don't yeah. care if it's a big AAA game. 
I don't care if it's a small indie game like Pentiment or Project Belfry or Project Shaolin or whatever. The games need to be quality, period. End of story. Like, I don't want to have to sit through a 2017 or 2018 or 2019 with a bunch of Xbox games that come out that are 60 Metacritic simply because you needed stuff to come out. Like, those days need to be done and over with. You're right. So. You are totally right. We can't have, like, Netflix, like a Netflix situation where they release Cowboy Bebop and can cancel it after one season. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chinook guy says, uh, be super honest with me. Do you really think Halo Infinite can go for 10 years? Um, multiplayer-wise, yeah, probably. Maybe not necessarily 10 years on Xbox One. I mean, who knows? Like, Maybe Xbox Series X. Or, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, how long is, how long has Rainbow Six Siege been going on for now? That's been going on for what? Six years at this point? It's probably going to hit... PSO, man. Look, look, yeah, like... Look well, at PSP 1.6, really. Hmm. People still play on Real Tournament 99. Not, many, not many people, but... Uh, um, but, uh... I suppose, like, the question is, is Microsoft really going to support it for 10 years? And I suppose it ultimately depends on, like, if people are still playing it. Yeah. I want to believe that they will keep it going. And I want to believe that that includes story DLC and they do have, like, a, a decent plan for it all. But I think if they are going to go for this sort of grandiose vision, um, Joseph Stanton's the man to do it, man. Yeah, indeed. I'm I'm happy that he's, uh, he's you know, in charge. Well, I wonder if he'll get the promotion to head of 343, because uh, I think he's just, like, creative director. So I wonder if he eventually just... Be- becomes the head of 343 Studios like like Cliff Lee was before he left. <sighs> Part of me just wonders if he, if he prefers the creative aspect. Yeah, maybe he does. He the creative process. Yeah, maybe he does. Uh, maybe says, they just give him like more authority in his current role or something. I don't know. Devin says, did you hear the news today that PlayStation acquired another studio? Indeed, we talked about uh, about that. I don't even know the name of the studio off the top of my head. Valkyrie, right? Valkyrie. Isn't it Valkyrie? Uh, yes, they, they helped work on Forza Motorsports and Forza Horizon and Halo, they're they're a sports studio that does a lot of stuff, and PlayStation acquired them uh, to help out with uh, their studios. Um, There's going to be a battle for support studios because big AAA games require a lot of studios. You know, Halo, I think Halo had, what, how many 15 support studios credited? Something like that? Or 12 or something? Um, You know, we know, like, Last of Us had, like, 14 studios credited. Takes a lot of people to make a big AAA game. So yeah, those support studios are really important. Uh, Chinook Guy says, will we see bigger gaps in between their titular games from now on and more variety? Well, we don't, I don't think we'll see another f- Halo. Um, uh, I think we'll just get one Forza Motorsports. I think that's going to be games as a service. I do think we'll get another Forza, but it, it won't be every two years like it used to be. I think the next Forza is on a three- to four-year cycle. So I do think simply, simply because, Chinook Guy, it, uh, games take so long to make now. Uh, you can no longer pump out something in two years. So you're looking three to four. And unless yeah, you're Call of Duty. Unless you're Call of Duty, <laughs> but even then, even then they're on three-year cycles. Yeah, that's um, And that's probably not good enough. Um, but that's why, you know, you need more studios. 
because you, the more studios you have, the more games you can make, the more gaps you can fill, especially if other games in your, you know, catalog or your roadmap get delayed, like Everwild was kind of like soft rebooted to a certain degree, you know. That And that game was revealed, wasn't Everwild revealed in 2019, Jez, at XO? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And then they showed it again at E3 2020, and who knows when we'll see it again. But it's last generation, that game would have been important. Maybe it wouldn't have been rebooted. They would have been like, you know what, just keep on going with it. Or maybe it's canceled. Uh, maybe they put it out, but instead it's like, all right, we got, we have time. You can make this into something. So, uh, Solzin just says, love you guys. We, uh, we love you. We love everybody here on Friday. If you're joining the show, make sure you hit the like button. We appreciate everyone, uh, tuning in. Also, if you guys are listening later on on Spotify or any of the podcast services, we're, we're kind of doing like mini podcast episodes. If, I think, Judge, you were saying people can leave us voice messages on Spotify. Yeah, but um, I'm still I'm still unsure how it works, right? Because I can't see them. I think it's US exclusive right now. But if you go to the Xbox2.com and you're in the US, there is a button you can click on apparently, which lets you leave us a voicemail. And um, if we get a bunch of those, we'll put them all together and do like a mini yeah. podcast answering those questions. So, so we, we we sort of did one. Um, this past week, which is podcast exclusive, yeah. uh, if you guys want to yeah. listen to it. So if you have any questions you absolutely need to hear from us or hear us answer directly, more in depth, you can definitely do that. Uh, Jocelyn says, what are the top free agents in your guys' opinion? Uh, free agents, huh? Is this like free basketball, football, like signing, signing <laughs> studios? Um, I really want to see them buy 11-bit studios. Mm. I think 11-bit is, they're going to be really big in the next few years. They just announced the Switch to Unreal Engine. They made Frostpunk, Children of More. I think we talked about this last week. Yeah. I think they'd be a good studio to pick up. Um, but I think they've got aspirations of going public, personally. I think a lot of the smaller indie sort of publishers, I've seen what Devolver Digital have done with going public and just like very having a, a laser focus on smaller games that have just a very high quality with absolutely sick marketing. Um, and now they've gone public and they've made a whole ton of money from doing it. So I do wonder if a lot of indie studios are thinking about that. I feel like a lot of power has shifted to some smaller studios these days because as we go, as we move into sort of a subscription-based economy for this stuff, it's ultimately the, the little the, the quality devs that have all the power because all all these big companies like Tencent and Sony and Microsoft they're really hunting for acquisitions and because of inflation which we talked about we talked a bit about last week Microsoft's got a load of money sitting there just doing nothing so they're, and like they're they're technically losing money with inflation so they might as well invest it in in growth if they can so it only makes sense to buy more studios especially in the game the Game Pass universe so. Yeah. Um, people are saying that a Scorn trailer dropped today with the release date of October of 2022. Ah, right. Interesting. So a year from now. And that game was supposed to come out this year. Yeah. So well, maybe that's a good thing it was delayed. Uh, yeah. yeah. A good thing. Delays are always a good thing. Um, Face says, I've noticed Sony is doing two-year exclusives uh, or console exclusives. Is this the new trend? Now will Xbox do the same thing? Um... 
No, Xbox will not do the same thing. Um, if you notice, uh, Face, a lot of Xbox's exclusives is for Game Pass, like The Ascent, um, 12 Minutes, even The Medium. They're all really short because Xbox wants to put them on Game Pass, but they're not, like, they aren't really required to sign that long of an exclusivity contract because they all end up on PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation is ones that have, like, the bigger, stricter kind of agreement. Um, I think Forspoken is a two-year console exclusive, which is a long time. Uh, I don't know, does you also see the Game Awards that Final Fantasy VII Remake is finally coming to PC, Epic Game Store, full price, 70 bucks. Gross. Um, still, well, I don't get that. Are they, like, it's so, Square Enix is such a, such a strange company. Like, they do some, like, really cool things with Final Fantasy XIV and, like, really pro-consumer stuff. And then they want to sell, like, what is essentially an old-ass game for full price on a store everyone hates. I know, right? Like, they they seem so tone-deaf at times. I don't get them. So, yeah, it's just, um... Sony's probably going to try to do more and more of those things. I don't think Xbox is going to do uh, that at all. Like, I don't think Xbox is going to do two-year deals. So uh, PlayStation is definitely more aggressive when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, but a two-year deal, I guess maybe doing a two-year deal for for Spoken or Final Fantasy 16 makes more sense because for Square, because, like, Sony's going to pay plus, our entire audience for this type of game is on PlayStation anyways. So, whereas, like, if you got, like, a Western uh, game, you'd probably be, would probably cost a lot. Uh, so, yeah. No, I would I don't think Xbox is interested in doing two-year exclusives. Uh, and, but who knows if that does become the norm. I mean, who knows if for, spake, for, for Spoken, maybe that game doesn't, hit the numbers that Square wants because of the exclusivity. Who knows? Um, but, yeah. So, you know, let's talk about the, um, let's talk about the, the Game Awards themselves, Jez. Cool. Um, game Awards, baby. What's So, I think we, we sort of gave our opinions of it before. It's not really an awards show. It's essentially a marketing show. Um, which I, I know you agree with, and I think I, there is some people who don't. It was like I don't know how you could watch last night's show and think to yourself, "This is an award show dedicated to giving out and celebrating the video game industry." It's, it's not. <laughs> it's a it's 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 a marketing event, and that's 100% what it is. Now, did anything stand out to you about the award show? Any any game announcements? Anything that happened? Um, well, I didn't watch it, I told you. Like, the problem with the Game Awards, this, for me, can I, can is I that just, it's on at 2 in the morning. Can I just butt in for a second? This is this is one of the issues I have with Jazz when it comes to podcasting, because there'll be stuff that happens or stuff he needs to watch, and he doesn't. He never does. And I'm just like, hey, you want to talk about this? And he'll be like, <laughs> I didn't watch it, dude. I don't know what it is. And I'll be like, well, how are we going to talk about it on the podcast? And he'll be like, I don't know. So it's like, here's the well, Game gonna, Awards, gonna, the big, the big thing. And I'm like, did you watch any of the trailers? You know anything that's going on? I watched the trailers. Uh, I watched the trailers. I just didn't watch the the the, the stuff, like the the music stuff. Oh, and well, yeah. Jeff Keighley getting all, you know, chilling up on stage and stuff like that. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, I, it's on at two in the morning. You expect me to watch that at two in the morning, man? You mm. can, can move it to a more friendly British time, then maybe I would watch it. But until that day comes, I ain't, I ain't going to be watching that show. But um, I saw a lot of the trailers. But what did you think of the show? Tell me what you thought of it. I mean, other than the fact that it was a marketing event, was there any, like, cool moments? Did any, was there any controversy? Did anyone, you know, <laughs> well, get off drunk on stage and throw up or something? Speaking about you know, drunk. Like so here's what, here's what me and my friends do every year, right? Um, we get an Excel list. We pick the winners, right? And uh, if you get something wrong, you got to drink, right? Oh. Anytime world premiere is announced, you have to drink. I thought you didn't drink. Well, I don't drink. So... I, when that happens, <laughs> I take a sip of my Propel, but everybody else drinks, right? So everybody, we're, uh, it's, uh, it's like, it's like, uh, electrolyte water, essentially, from, uh, from Gatorade. It's, uh, yeah, I stopped drinking, uh, pop, I think, like last year, so I drink, I drink this water. But, so we all get together, we all watch it, and we're all, it, it makes the, it makes the Game Awards tolerable, because we're all sitting there basically making fun of it, right? Um, just having a good time. People are getting drunk, so I'm watching it with people, and they were drinking every time World Premiere would show up or be announced, and one of my buddies was literally shit-faced within an hour and a half. <laughs> like an hour and a half, okay. and he's like, he's completely just wrecked, and then he just disappears for the rest of the show. He must have, like, fallen asleep or something. Um oh, no. So, yeah, so we were doing that. We were just kind of making fun of the show. It made it better. Like, it's, number one, it's too long. It is three and a half hours long. It is too long, and it, it makes it, like, a little bit boring because of it. And not every announcement is, like, super interesting. So, yeah. So these are things that, that really kind of stood out to me. One um, Jeff Keighley coming out there and kind of vaguely talking about abuse, right, because of the whole Activision stuff. But then he starts the award show off with Sting singing a song from Arcane, which is based on League of Legends. And Riot Games has all had a lot of history with, uh, you know, abuse at their company. And then, of course, there's the Star Wars Eclipse game that was announced by Quantic Dream, and there's been lawsuits against that company. So it's like, geez, okay, so, but of course, I think the the thing that probably everybody's talking about today is Hellblade 2. Microsoft yeah, showed Hellblade off, we, we, you, I think we mentioned how, all, all the way back in what, July, I think it was, yeah. that Hellblade 2 was going to be at the Game Awards. Um, yeah. It was there. I wasn't sure if it was the Game Awards, because I didn't know if Microsoft was going to do an XO or something like that. I just knew Hellblade was coming at the end of the year. Yeah. And um, Game Awards made the most sense. So yeah. let's talk about Hellblade 2, because I do think is the 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 thing most people will talk about from this show. And they mentioned how this is gameplay. It's not cinematic, because definitely some people out there are saying it's definitely not gameplay, that it's it's just a cutscene. But they definitely, when I was watching it, and I watched it again in 4K on my TV, and it's like, sometimes I don't think how good these games look come across very well in these Twitch streams or YouTube streams. Yeah. Uh, but then you watch it in, like, the 4K trailer, and you're like, holy crap. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Hellblade 2? Because you've been the one out there being like, I hope it's not a walking sim. 
I hope it's more in depth and there's more things to do. Did this new, did this new trailer yeah. save your fears, or are you still a little bit worried? Well, it's it's very selfish of me, you know, um, because you know I'm not I'm not a huge fan of those sort of interactive cinematic experiences. I appreciate them for what they are. I just constantly think this could have been something more, you know, like more interactive and. That's that's what I want out of my gaming, but it's a very selfish thing. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge them if they if they are making like a quote unquote walking simulator. But I did get a sense from the trailer that it was heavily heavily scripted, like as gorgeous as it looked, and it did look gorgeous, like uncannily crazy visuals. My worry is that they're only able to achieve those kind of visuals because it's very scripted and, and like you know lacking sort of the dynamism, like there's not as many moving parts, like you sort of railroaded into what is essentially a pre-rendered cutscene. So like that is still my concern. And you can sort of see in the trailer, I think when she's like shooting the giant, which my god, absolutely crazy visuals. When she's shooting the giant, you can see that there's some player interaction there, I think. Um, I kind of got a sense that maybe you aim, aim the shots or something and then do the attacks. But if it is a walking simulator sort of like cinematic experience that's very scripted and sort of narrow, um, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be like open world, Breath of the Wild or something like that, or like Horizon Zero Dawn. But I was hoping that it'd be sort of like a bit more, a bit more of a you know classic video game, I guess. But if if it is going to be sort of similar experience to the first game, just sort of like on the next level. I'm intrigued to see how that pans out too, and um, no, I'm pretty excited for it. Like the music from uh, High Lung is one of my favorite bands now. Um, it's incredible. I just, I just keep thinking like there's so much in the sort of the Nordic pantheon of myths that they could tap into to build the game. Like they're, they've shown off giants right now. Like what the hell was wrong with that giant? It looked like it had been cut in half or something, but it was still alive. It was just absolutely crazy. Um, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna try and do some research to see if that's like, that's like some kind of reference to a story or something like that. I don't know, but yeah. What did you think? Because I know you're you you're a fan of those kind of experiences anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it looked incredible. I don't know if. You know, that's like the new standard for games. And then, plus, there's the whole Matrix Awakens Unreal Engine 5 demo, which people are going ridiculous, ridiculous over. I haven't tried that yet. Um, but, I mean, it looks... That was the coalition, right? Supposedly, yeah, they they, they helped out on it. Um, I'll have to try it out for myself. But I loved what I saw from Hellblade 2. But then again, I love Hellblade 1. I really do enjoy what Jez was called walking simulators. My hope is... I guess maybe you could say I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get to see any combat. Because I wanted to see how much... Because they, they talk about the combat in Hellblade 2 being like more brutal and stuff. And, and that is one area of the first game that I do wish was is going to be improved, is the combat. Because it's very basic. And with all the extra time and money, I want to see that to be vastly improved. Now, you are right in the sense that it is very cinematic and almost looks like it plays out like a cinematic cutscene 
but maybe they're going for a lot of those animation transitions where you can't tell where it is gameplay and where it's cutscene. Um, yeah. Which, uh, if so, that'd be that be super cool. But it does kind of seem what Ninja Theory wants to do in general. So, uh, but yeah, like hearing the voices and the earphones and like seeing that, I'm just like, oh man, they're going to kill it. No date given, not even a year. So, you know, I've been expecting 2023 for Hellblade 2. Um, do you still think that's when it's it's kind of targeting or without a date? Because I don't think any was any I don't think anything from the show had 2023 as a date. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's still going to come in 2023, but that's based on just nothing really. Well, actually, I think Jeff Grubb actually said 2023, yeah. but it seemed like a pretty decent timeline for it. You know, um, some people are saying in the chat, like, it's still a small team and, and stuff like that, so, you know, limit your expectations. But, I mean, yeah, I, well, I didn't have expectations. I just had hopes, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, I was just hoping that they'd double down on the, the combat aspects of the, the first game rather than the, I don't know, the sort of... I don't know, what else do you call it? The puzzle-solving stuff. I, I don't want to see any of them symbol puzzles, man. I thought they were so tedious and lame, personally. Mm. But what ifs? And uh, someone just made the point that Alan Wake 2 had a 2023 date in the show. Okay, yeah, it did. It did, it did. Um, I think also Hellblade 2, uh, I think they have more than double the amount of developers on it than the first game. So, I mean, not saying that it's going to be twice as big as the game as the first one, but, I mean, you you've read some stuff about how Hellblade 2 was like a 9,000, was it 9,000 mile journey through Iceland or something, right? Oh, well, that that was from me. I said that. Yeah, but um, so, um, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I heard that it was just going to be like... But that's, uh, again, that can be interpreted in many ways. It can be a very narrow walk across Iceland, right? Sure, it could be. I don't know, I guess, I guess like... It, it, we didn't really see uh, too much to kind of like put your fears to rest about it just being uh, a prettier it's not looking. Fair. Uh, I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll be fine with it. Like I just sort of, you know, I just think. It's I still, just prefer. I just prefer like action, bigger action games. I guess yeah. it's just a preference. It's, Selfish preference. They can make whatever game they want at the end of the day. Well, now that uh, now that I'll be happy with it. now that Halo's out, Hellblade Two is my most anticipated game from Xbox. Period. Like, or Bethesda. Period. Like, there's no game I want more than Hellblade Two. Uh, the only one I think the only one that overall that I want more than Hellblade Two is God of War Ragnarok. Um, but even like more than Suicide Squad, more than the new Batman game. Um, more than even Alan Wake, although maybe Alan Wake is slightly beneath it. Uh, I love the Ninja Theory. I love most of their games, and I adored Hellblade 1. So I'm so excited for Hellblade 2, and it was super cool to be able to see that last night. Uh, two years after they revealed it uh, at, you know, at the Game Awards in 2019, to see it here, uh, to know it's still coming and how incredible it looks and uh, how you have, like, all these people following you, like like Sunny was in charge of an army. It looked really that, – that stuff looked, like, really cool. Um, I just wonder, like, again, I, 
my brain just said to me, man, that's all scripted. But what if it isn't scripted? What if it, what if it, what if the well, I could definitely tell there are moments that. where where you are controlling her, like when the parts where she was running backwards or whatever. That is definitely player controlled. And I just wonder if like the person playing was just running backwards. I wonder if you can run off in different directions, like maybe grab a a spear, you know. But for the sake of the yeah. demo, they just like okay, we're running back, we're sneaking forward. I don't know. I just, I just really want to play this game. It's got me so, so excited for it. Next time, hopefully, next time we see, uh, we see a combat trailer. Cause I really, really hope the combat is improved. Uh, Rapid Ryan says, "You guys rock." Favorite podcast of my week. Just wanted to send some love and hugs. Well, thank you for the support. Thanks so much. Yeah, I know. I see some people saying they want Fable. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll see Fable for a bit. I'm not even convinced we're going to see Fable next year, Jazz. Yeah, maybe Fable's the year after, maybe. Yeah. I, I'm still, I'm Starfield's still at the top of my pile. You know, I'm all about them creation engine. No, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in, in Starfield simply because it's sci-fi, but it's all about Hellblade for me. But that was really the only Xbox game there. Um, even though we saw a Crossfire X trailer and that's coming out in February, campaign looks really cool. And, uh, what was the other game? Uh, Tunic, an Xbox game coming out in March. Um, you know, we kind of talked like maybe Evolve is going to be there, maybe Redfall is going to be there. Uh, there wasn't anything from Bethesda outside of a, uh, outside of like a job list, uh, 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 like Todd Hines basically being like, come work at Bethesda, we're making a whole bunch of games, right? Um, <laughs> and honestly, I'm just going to say here, so I said it to you beforehand, I think Evolve would have been wasted at the Game Awards. Mm. Uh, I don't think they Everything needed it. Because, well, like, no, because, like, I feel like you gave them Hellblade 2, and that's enough. And, like, then giving them a vowed is just, would have taken maybe some of, like, people's, um, the eyes away from Hellblade or some of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, Lusta. Not, not that. It was just kind of like that, mar- that mind share. Like, people are just, like, people today are all pointing to, like, different things, like Hellblade, 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 or Alan Wake, or Suicide Squad, but if you add, like, a vow there, maybe it, like, splits that, and it's, like, I I, I just sort of feel that it was probably a better decision to hold it for um, for E3, and people are saying Somerville, Chaos Ante says Somerville's an Xbox exclusive, It is tr- that is true as well, um, that was at the show, although we didn't get, um, what uh, is that game? Uh, that's the from the one the guy who left Playdead, uh, who you know did the limbo, oh, yeah. and he formed his own studio. And uh, I wonder what happened there. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Spooky Sprocket says Xbox Two. You you are two of the most swell guys on YouTube. Always welcoming, consistent with your energy and thoughts on gaming. Appreciate you both, Jez and Rand, and all your hard work. Thank you both so much. Fun. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I felt like a vow would have been almost wasted there. That it was just mm. that it was it was fine that it's just Hellblade, because I think most people didn't really care for the awards show, and I don't know if you want to show too much. And I think E3 means more, because look at this last year's E3. People loved what Xbox was doing, and I think I you sure. mentioned before, like, do they want to give everything to Jeff to make his show the de facto Q4? No, you yeah. don't. So at some point, I think when in-person th- meetings and events come back, Xbox might want to do an XO. 
So they're going to want to save stuff for their own show if they do something like XO 2021 or XO 2022 where you could show stuff and you don't necessarily always have to give it to Jeff. So it's great that we got one game, Hellblade 2, people want to see. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think, Avowed would have just been wasted, bro, I think. I know yeah. some, maybe some people would be like, I'd rather would have seen Avowed instead of Hellblade, and I could see that. But I think only showing one game is probably the way to go. Because there are people on Twitter, quote-unquote insiders, that were like, Fable's going to be there, and Hellblade, and Avowed, and Fable. And it's like, you guys are nuts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's going to be one, at most two, and that's it. Um, But, you you know how the whole insider game is played, pretending you know stuff. And then when you're wrong, make up excuses like, "Oh, it didn't. It got pulled or whatever." Right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Installation Seven says, "Is Crossfire X an exclusive or timed exclusive?" We don't know. Yeah. We, don't we don't know. know. Yeah. I think it might be a PUBG situation, maybe. Yeah. Um, Wait, time for a while. With the gunk, that's gone free to play. That was an announcement. Yeah, the, with the gunk, we know the gunk is a permanent exclusive. Uh, hmm. And that stalker's like at least three months. I don't know about Crossfire X. I think, isn't Crossfire X being published by Microsoft? Or uh, Xbox? Yeah, it wasn't PUBG as well. Yeah, and that was exclusive for a year. The, the way, it's it's weird the way Microsoft's publishing stuff works now. They've got like They've got, like, three tiers of publishing, basically. They've got, like, their true indie publishing, which is, like, true indie hands-off publishing. But then they have, like, a higher tier of indie indie publishing where Microsoft gets a bit more involved in the marketing, like the gunk, for example. And then they have, like, like the sort of high, high tier of publishing, like what they're doing with Contraband and um, Project Dragon, which we still haven't seen. Um so, like, they have, like, multiple levels of how involved they want to get with some of these games, which is, uh, it gets confusing when you're trying to, like, work out, like, is this exclusive, whatever, and trying to, like, work out a pattern. I think, ultimately, every deal is kind of different at the end of the day. Yeah. But you can, you can think of either Xbox really operates these days more like, they operate more like a publishing label for games that don't hit retail, is what I was told. The idea Xbox is is, a, is like that that publishing label for games that aren't yet at retail and they're just going like direct to digital. Um, but obviously, like you can get PUBG at retail now, and the game expanded and it blew up, and then it got its lunch ate by your bros, Epic Games, the Fortnites, and all that stuff. So yeah, Microsoft had a big marketing push for PUBG, like um, even though they didn't own the IP or nothing like that. It was just the way it all worked out, I guess. Yeah. Um, so let me see what 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 else really stood out to me from the Game Awards. Um, Alan Wake Two, <laughs> of course. Uh, I am so excited that it's coming back. Twenty twenty three, more survival horror, which is an interesting way to take Alan Wake, but I don't care. We're getting a sequel. Um, yeah, I know. Like so people, there, I guess I there's some question about whether Hellblade 2 is an Xbox exclusive. Uh, yes. 
as some people are saying, they didn't say it was an exclusive, so maybe it's coming to PlayStation 5. No. No. It's not it's, coming uh, to PlayStation. It's, uh, it's an Xbox. They're only really saying that with the Bethesda games because there's some question mark there. So, uh, no. Uh, Hellblade is only going to be on Xbox. Um, but Alan Wake 2, I'm super pumped about. Uh, it's next-gen only. Uh, it's an epic, epic. Uh, I think, publishing deal. So that's really interesting. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I'm ha- so happy we, we finally we finally get to see uh, the next chapter in the story. Um, and then after that, what else really stood out to me? Suicide Squad. We actually got to see the gameplay trailer for Suicide Squad, and it looked better than I thought. It was going to be. It reminded me a lot of Cross, uh, not Crossfire, uh, Sunset Overdrive. I don't know, like, I've always, I, I've told you guys, like, you buy Warner Brothers games, you get Rocksteady. They're one of the best developers out there. And, um, they, they, they kind of prove it again with that trailer, man. Like, that game looks a lot of fun to play. Um, Dio Games says Microsoft is no longer publishing Crossfire. Uh, Smilegate now is. Hmm. So I guess that may be uh, that might be true. I don't know. Uh, do you, can you can you find out that info, Jez? If that's if that's true, can uh, I can look it up? Yeah. Uh, not right now. Maybe for the next show. So what what do you have any thoughts on Suicide Squad at all? Cringe. Cringe. Okay. Very cringe. cringe. You know there are a lot of moments. That were cringe at the Game Awards. Like, yeah, I just hate, I just hate the whole Suicide Squad. The, the what passes for humor in that franchise. And I know people like comic book movies, and that's supposed to be a bit more humorous or whatever. I don't know, but for me, it's cringe, man. Suicide Squad is just, it was just so cringy. I was just like, man, this is cringe. Pass. And also, maybe I'm just salty that I have no one to play it with, because it's a co-op game, right? Um, no, you can play a single player if you want. There's this, yeah, but you, you could that was, that was sort of pitching it as a... Well, obviously, you could play it as a four-player four co-op game, but I think all four uh, players are on screen or all four characters, and you can switch in between them in between them at any point in time. Oh, right. Um, That's interesting. No, I, I thought it looked incredible, and I was a little bit worried because it was like, you know, Rocksteady and Guns, how's that going to work out? But that definitely really surprised cringe. me. You didn't cringe at the humor, quote-unquote humor? No, no, no. I'm fine with the no. humor. I'm fine with it. Fine with that humor. Pretty cringe, bro. That was pr- pretty cringe, bro. Now, an announcement. Okay. An announcement nobody expected. Uh, they revealed war. <laughs> they revealed Wonder Woman by Monolith, Warner Brothers Games. Mm. Um, definitely super interesting because their last two games were Lord of the Rings related: Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. Now they're working on a Wonder Woman game, which um, I think the YouTube description said it's single-player, um, kind of open-world, uh, blah, 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 blah. Sounds really cool. Now, Jez, I have a conspiracy theory. You ready for this? Oh, let's hear it. I don't know if this means anything. It probably doesn't, but I thought it was interesting. So they announced Wonder Woman without announcing any... Uh, any consoles it's for. Mm. There was no Xbox Series X or S at the bottom. There was no PS5 at the bottom. There was no PC. Just Wonder Woman's coming. And it had Monolith and it had the Warner Brothers games. No systems were announced for it. 
And if you go look, the Wonder Woman trailer is not on Xbox's official page, and it's not on PlayStation's official page. They haven't uploaded the trailer for that game to either one of them when they have the trailers for all the other games at the Game Rewards on both. Like, if you go to PlayStation's website, mm. all the trailers are there. You go to Xbox's website, all the trailers are there for Wonder Woman. Uh, all the trailers are there from the Game Awards. But there's nothing there from Wonder Woman yet. Is that... Is, am I starting to think, like, is there maybe something going on? Maybe someone's trying to, like, you know, maybe someone's trying to buy Warner Brothers, or maybe someone's trying to ex- negotiate exclusivity... What would be the reason for not announcing systems and then not having the trailers on either one of those platforms? Uh, like- I think that they're trying. The thing is, right? The industry's changed, and like I think every time a, a game is made, the publisher goes to Microsoft and Sony and probably says, "Do you want to purchase exclusivity on this?" And they probably just haven't gone through those negotiations yet. And like maybe maybe the company's just like nah we don't exclusivity or like yeah we'll give you exclusivity but we're only gonna, we're only going to give you this much money. Um, I think they make those deals constantly and they have to you know discuss that and stuff. Even for games that do go multi-platform, I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft has to pay to get some games, whereas Sony doesn't. Sometimes I actually totally believe that um, because they know Microsoft's got money. And they wanna they wanna like abuse that fact, um, which is why Microsoft's a big target for being sued as well by other companies. But so I just think they haven't done the negotiations about the some like routine negotiations about you know is are they gonna make it exclusive? Is anyone does anyone want to pitch in for exclusivity? You know does the I don't know does Epic Games want to maybe buy it for their Epic Games Store stuff like that? Because Warner Brothers are one of those like companies like Square Enix that always try and get a bit of bit of cash on the side with these kind of deals, I don't know. But um I have to wait and see. Well what well, I mean, what do you think? Well I don't know. I don't know if it means anything. I don't I don't know if that's like normal where they announce a game like this that may be years out and they don't have systems it's announced for and then it doesn't get uploaded on any of the, any of uh you, Xbox's PlayStation or Nintendo's YouTube channels. Um so I I it was just something I noticed because like every game last night that was announced had a platform announced for it in some manner, whether it was Xbox One and Series S and PS five and PS four and Switch or just Xbox Series X and like Alan Wake two, all I said was Epic, PS five, Xbox Series X and S, right? Like, every announcement last night had some systems announced with it. And when I was like, okay, and, and Jeff's like, you don't have this game on your bingo card and it didn't leak. Here's the trailer. It's like, oh, shit, a Wonder Woman game? I'm like, that's cool. I would like a Wonder Woman game. And then it was like, okay, and then it didn't say, I was thinking, oh, is this next-gen only? And it didn't have any of the consoles at the bottom, didn't have any of the platforms. I was like, huh, okay, that's that's odd. And then it was like, oh, and I went on, or before we did the podcast, I went on their YouTube channels, and Wonder Woman's not on on any on PlayStation or Xbox's YouTube channel. So I was like, "Huh, okay, that's interesting." I, I don't know if that means anything. So I'm not saying it does. I just thought it was interesting, and I thought to myself, "Like, well, we know Warner Brothers was trying to sell themselves, 
you know, like maybe they're they're still they don't want to announce it yet because if you announce it for PlayStation and Xbox, but then what happens if PlayStation or Xbox buy Warner Brothers? But now you're locked into releasing the game for that. I I don't know. There's just there's just some thoughts going through my head um, about that. It might literally be the first time they've even announced it to Xbox and PlayStation. And they're just putting it out there now and just being like, okay, you've heard of this game. We don't have platforms decided. Do you want to buy exclusivity? Do you want to buy, like, timed exclusivity? I think that's the way it is, man. Mm-hmm. Elite- I don't think it means... I don't think I don't think Warner Brothers... Is, I don't think Microsoft or Warner Brothers trying to acquire them or nothing. Uh, Elite, um, Elite Edits says the Quantic Dream Star Wars game didn't have consoles at the bottom either. That too. I think they're probably trying to negotiate a deal for that as well, probably. Because I, one of the first things I did when I looked that up, um, I, the first thing I did was I, I went and looked to see what platforms it was coming to. Because you know I, I like my Star Wars, mm-hmm. and uh, I will accept the walking simulator if it's Star Wars. Um, <laughs> which yeah, it is. Oh, um, which it is. So I. Uh, I went and, you know, tried to find out what platforms it on, and lo and behold, even on the website, it doesn't say any platforms. Yeah, yeah, because I'm reading here. So no word yet on release date or platforms for Wonder Woman, and no word on release date or platforms yet for Star Wars Eclipse. So I guess that potentially means somebody could come in there and offer a lot of money for Star Wars Eclipse. I mean, we know Sony offered a lot of money for Star Wars Knights of Republic, and they got that as exclusive. Right? Yeah. I almost feel like Microsoft's scared to do that after all the drama over Tomb Raider, all the, the pearl clutching by the media, like, oh, Microsoft big meanies making this exclusive. Oh, no. You know, Microsoft almost feels afraid to do that now. But I guess we'll wait and see. I don't think they can afford to be afraid of doing those kind of deals if Sony's doing it. Like, Knights of the Old Republic going exclusive to... Sony might pan out to nothing if the game sucks, and I personally can't see it being as good as the original, even though the original by today's standards is janky as hell and horrible. I just feel like it's going to be like a much smaller scope version of the original with pretty graphics maybe, I don't know. But I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe it does turn out to be a banger. And if Knights of the Old Republic does turn out to be a total banger, then GG, Microsoft's put themselves in a position where they're they 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 take a moral high ground and decide, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And ultimately, it's Xbox gamers who get screwed over, right? Yeah. So, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens. Quantic Dream doesn't doesn't work with PlayStation anymore. Um, does that mean, like, PlayStation wouldn't buy Star Wars Eclipse for, you know, the uh, right amount of money? I don't know. I mean, if PlayStation, like, if PlayStation could buy that Star Wars game and have the Old Republic, they're pretty much like, they, they'll they start to build up a mindshare for themselves as, oh, if I'm a Star Wars fan, I need a PlayStation. Yeah. Much like right now, it's like, oh, if I'm a Japanese games fan, I need a PlayStation. You know, no Bloodborne on, on Xbox. There's no there's no Persona on Xbox. Uh, Atlas twisting the knife there with, like, going to pretty much every damn platform, <laughs> except... Xbox. So, like, if you are a fan of Japanese... Like, I got I got loads of DMs about Persona not coming to Xbox from people who are disappointed. It's like, 
um, I'd commented on the rumours and I'd heard that they were they, they were trying to get Persona. I mean, Phil basically admitted it on stage when he was like, I hear you about Persona. You know, and there's just loads of people disappointed that it's still the case that Atlas doesn't like Xbox for whatever reason. Um, and uh, Sony's solidified themselves in the mind, that mindshare that if you like those kind of experiences, you have to buy a PlayStation. You have no choice. You basically have no choice. You have to buy a PlayStation. So um, Sony has an opportunity there to do that for Star Wars 2, which could be potentially far more damaging than losing what are honestly comparatively niche games. So I don't think Star Wars is ever going to be niche in any universe. Not even in a galaxy far, far away. See what I did there, Rand? I see what you did see there. See what I see what I did there. I see what you did there. So um, I think that would be a smart play for Sony. I think Sony should do it. Yeah. And see, see Microsoft response to that. Uh, that would not be. Yeah. Um, Forte says, "Don't be a fraud, chat. Hit that like button. Great time. Great content only comes once a week. We need to show support before he makes PlayStation only content." Winky face. That's not happening. You know it's not happening, Forte. Forte's trying to push me to make to be to make PlayStation content, and I just like I don't care about PlayStation that way. Like I don't care about them to to make videos about them. We'll talk about them on the podcast for sure because it's part of the gaming industry and how it affects Xbox. Like like Jez is saying, like what if they bought exclusivity for Star Wars Eclipse and then they essentially own Star Wars and that would definitely impact Xbox, but. Yeah, it's not happening, Forte. I'm sorry. Uh, Whittier says, should DC IP be restricted to Warner Brothers Studios? Marvel and Star Wars games are coming out for many different studios. Uh, well, I mean, considering Warner Brothers games and Warner Brothers owns that stuff, it kind of makes sense. Um, Star Wars games used to be only made by, like, Lucasfilm uh, because they owned it when they actually had their own studios before they got out of out of the game. So... They obviously feel like it's better to license that stuff out. Um, with Warner Brothers having their own studios, they feel like, well, we're going to make our own content. But then maybe you're right. Maybe it's just like Warner Brothers at some point might be like, you know, we'll just license this stuff out. But, I mean, who knows? Um, you know, I actually really want to wonder what we get now thinking about it. Like, that could be really, really well done. Um but damn thing about Wonder Woman. Okay. I know nothing. You don't, you don't know anything about anything. Okay. I know, I know Wait, so about Batman. Saying, so you're saying this whole recent thing was a random, that was your random impression? That was my random impression. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, yeah. My name's Rand. That's not, that's not, not an Rand impression. Apple. That's not an impression Man of with me. It's a badass impression of you. Uh, no, that's I should, not. I should be a, I should be an impressionist. I should quit this whole game journalism thing. And just do random impressions all day long. Oh my god. My name's Rand. <laughs> What are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing? You, prob- you, you, you know what you're doing? You're probably playing Dark Souls right now. You're not even paying I'm attention to the podcast. I am paying attention. I can grind and pay attention at the same time. Grind. You're grinding. Cause tr- you're not good enough to just beat Dark Souls. You're sitting there grinding because you need souls because you need to increase your health and attack. That's what I'm you're not doing. even. I'm not touching those. I'm. I'm gr- make the app slightly less than garbage. No, I hate to be harsh, but that app is garbage. It's not just any old garbage. It's hot, spicy, landfill garbage. The app, <laughs> it's terrible. 
it's a lot better than it used to be. Then it was like indescribable cosmic garbage that had gone to an alien dimension and spewed rotting corpses, the likes of which no man can describe with our limited scope of language. But the current app still sucks, basically. And all they need to do is fix that bloody app. Why can they not make an app? This is Microsoft. Software in their name. And they can't make something as basic as an app that can install a game. Why can't they do it? Is it really that bad? I mean, I've never used it. It's awful. It's slow. It fails constantly. There's threads on Reddit about it all the time. It's terrible. So I think Microsoft should stop trying to make cringy PC Game Pass ads until the app is less than garbage. There you Mm. go. I mean, I haven't used it. I don't play on PC. I do. I do have people telling me that it's horrible. Can they just copy how Steam works and just do it like that? Yeah, copy Steam. Like co- even I, dude. The Epic Game Store is better than the Xbox app. Mm. There, I said it. I said it. I would rather. I would rather use the Epic Game Store to install and download games than the Xbox app. For PC Game Pass. There, I said it. I said it, Rand. You did say it. You did say it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll have to try it at some point, but I have no reason to because there's nothing on PC I want to play. So, until that day happens, uh, I, I'll just take everyone's word for it because even people in chat are being like, Jez is right. He's like, Jez is being too kind to it, some people are saying. So... Um, RDX Sunnefet says the Gears devs made the new Matrix demo. I mean, I think they helped on it. I don't think they necessarily made it because uh, Epic would have made it so that Gears devs helped out on it. Um, I do have to play it because I hear people say it's really cool. I did download it last night, but I went to bed after it. Um, so what else we got here? Um, Phil Spencer talked about, uh, Jez, did you see this where he said Game Pass isn't the Xbox's sole focus? Um, I did hear something about that. Give us, give us, give us the full context. Well, I basically said like what you've always said, like Game Pass is just one spoke in the wheel. Uh, retail sales and everything else is also still incredibly important to the business. It's not just only about Game Pass, which is like something you always have talked about, right? Yeah, I think the fear, the fear was always like, oh my god, it's gonna be, um, it's going to be like Microsoft's going to only make cloud games now and it's going to be, um, they're going to get rid of the console and it's never been about that. Like Game Pass is supposed to be an additional area of growth. Like why would they, why would they want to switch everything and put all their eggs into one basket? They're going to have like multiple, multiple ways to, multiple endpoints to, to the, um, to the ecosystem. It's about having as many endpoints as possible. So like, why would they, why would they go all in on cloud? Why would they go all in on this or all on the other? It's all about having a diverse portfolio of endpoints for the ecosystem. So yeah. yeah. Well, this is what he said. It's though. nice to hear him put it in, into, you know, nice to hear him like just lay it out in black and white. He goes, do I want or do I envision everybody who's on Xbox being a Game Pass subscriber? I don't. I want people to make their own choice. Some people want to buy all the games we ship and create their own library. 
Uh, subscriptions give you a good continual revenue stream, and that's an important thing for any business on top of the spikes you'll get around certain retail releases. That's why I talk about it really being a mix of things. It's not about one muscling out the other. The business doesn't hinge on any one number. The retail sales number, the console sales number, the Windows engagement, Game Pass, X-Cloud engagement, it's really all of these things coming together. So, yeah. I know a lot of people will be like, well, it's, you know, it's only a matter of time before Microsoft makes all their games Game Pass only or, you know, they don't care about X, Y, or Z. They don't care about their console sales It's like, or, or the, the sales of the games. It's like that couldn't be further from the truth because that's part of the, one of the reasons why the, the, the economy or the economies of Game Pass actually works is because yes. you some people are going to subscribe, some people won't. Some people subscribe but then buy the game and then buy DLC and, and microtransactions for it. Some people will never subscribe but still buy games. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, it's – some people, you know, they it's like kind of the whole thing about, like, uh, you know, absolutes, you know. So – yeah. Um, he also mentioned something about Bungie, uh, where he felt uh, that if the Xbox of today was around then, that he probably wouldn't, uh, yeah. wouldn't, would, it, would have been able to retain Bungie instead of uh, instead of letting him go. Yeah, I think like the, you know, the fact that Phil sort of led Xbox to the senior leadership table of Microsoft gave them a lot more access to money and a lot more. Um, just political clout to to give companies the freedom like that Mojang basically has now. So like the the deal that Microsoft did for Minecraft and Mojang is basically what they could have done for Bungie if they like had a bit more foresight at the time. But alas, you know. Alas. So who knows what the future will bring, right? <laughs> who knows indeed. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, hey, you want to talk about NFTs? Oh, no. Please. No Ubisoft way. announced uh, Quartz, which is their NFT thing, and it was so disliked they had to remove it from YouTube. Um, yeah. And they're, they're, it's, it's funny. They're doing their first NFT thing with the game nobody cares about, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And yeah. it's just like, what are you doing, Ubisoft? Like, why are we doing this? Ubisoft are a joke. Like I, do, I, I, I used to. I never really thought they were the partic- the greatest publisher, but they, they've sort of they've sort of slipped into a new level of being a joke in the last few years, in my opinion. Like, you know, for, forget all the like abuse and stuff that they've been accused of and all that kind of thing. Like even beyond that, which is of course terrible. Um, just everything else surrounding what they've done. I think their games are lame. I think they've sort of run out of ideas. Announcing 10,000 Battle Royale games in the space of a week, uh, you know, letting games sort of die. Where the hell's Rainbow Six Extraction? Where the hell's that pirate game? Like, they just they just seem to be, like, spinning in the wind, trying to try everything and seeing what sticks. And the next, the, the next thing they're trying to see what sticks is trying to get in on the NFT hype before it dies down or whatever. Do you want me to explain, for those who don't know, what exactly all this is? 
I mean, if you want to, I know I know you feel a certain way about NFTs and all this stuff. I actually don't mind NFTs themselves. The issue is Ubisoft's implementation of the NFTs because they're not true NFTs. So an NFT, NFT stands for non-fungible token. I'm not going to go too in-depth in this because it's a bit boring if you're not interested in crypto and stuff. But basically the concept is that your the authenticity is a sort of incorruptible part of the blockchain and whatever whatever it is, whether it's a skin in the game or a crappy JPEG, there's like a little piece of code which says definitively you are the legal owner of this digital asset. Mm-hmm. Ubisoft's mentality is we can apply this to skins. That would be really cool, mate. I don't know why they're suddenly from London, but mm-hmm. okay. um, that is that is the, that is their mentality. That they can like they can give people some sort of a, a cryptographic, a cryptocurrency value on a skin. And there's games that already sort of do this without cryptocurrency, like the whole CS:GO thing. The CSGO skins are like, they have like a digital scarcity attached to them, all without the blockchain and all without crypto. So like, this stuff already exists, but Ubisoft's just getting in on it because they think they can make a bit of money. What really pissed me off about that trailer was the lies in it, Rand. It was just the lies, the sheer, sheer lies in the trailer. They were saying, this is about the gamer giving you control of your digital assets that we made to sell for money but then they left that last part out that obviously ubisoft's going to take a cut of transactions on all the crypto used to buy the nfts and also they left out they left out the part and this is a lawsuit waiting to happen that when ghost recon breakpoint servers shut down and they will shut down someday probably sooner than you think because like you said i don't think a huge amount of people care about that game um, what happens to your what happens to your Ghost Recon Breakpoint digital skins then? They're gonna lose a whole bunch of value when you can't actually use them anymore. And then like there's an argument to be made that maybe there's 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 like in France and Europe where like Europe especially is very skeptical of cryptocurrency, maybe there's a lawsuit down the line where someone's like, Oh my god, Ubisoft deleted my digital asset on Ghost Recon Breakpoint, you know. So um it's a load of bullshit, basically. It's Ubisoft lying to its customers about wanting to make a system that will help people, when really it's just about them making a whole bunch of money and having a whole bunch of crypto in their portfolio that they can that will that they think will increase in value, like Tezos coin or wherever it is. That's what it's about. It's about Ubisoft amassing a hoard of cryptocurrency, um, but they just lied about it in the in the in the ad. And that's what annoyed me more than anything else. The NFTs by themselves, there's nothing really wrong with them. You know, they, they, there's no difference between an NFT and a dumb picture in an art gallery that sells for a million dollars just based on hype. There's no real difference between that. What gets me is the lies, Rand. The lies to Ubisoft customers that this is anything other than Ubisoft amassing a load of crypto that you the gamer has to pay for. And judging by the dislikes, nobody fell for it. And they all called out Ubisoft what it is. It's basically a scam. And um, I hope Ubisoft 
drowns in their crypto and goes out of business. Mm. Why not? Let's go, let's go all the way there. Hey, gone. You want to that can go out of business. business. Damn. Yeah, why not? That can go out of business. Screw them. I just hate, I just hate them, hate liars, man. I hate liars, and Ubisoft is just really proficient at lying for some reason. But whatever. That's the, crypt, the whole crypto thing. Yeah. The, 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 the truth is, it's, it's probably gonna happen. It's probably gonna take off. And yeah, like, well, probably we know, every game You know, EA is looking at it. Like, they're all looking at it, cause they all think it's like, uh, a, a way they, for them to make endless money, cause they'll charge a transaction fee, right? If users basically sell yeah. stuff to one another, they'll, they'll charge a transaction fee, and, yeah, so it's like, it's probably gonna happen. We'll, we'll see if it takes off. But, um, I don't know, Phil's talked about how he feels like it's more ex- ex- exploitation than entertainment right now. Yeah. But it's no surprise, it's no surprise Ubisoft is there first, EA will probably be there. I mean, EA already does, like, Ultimate Team BS, right? So, I could, I could totally see it happening. Um, Adam says, will Sony, with, with Sony letting go of the exclusive rights to Hellblade come back to haunt them, as well as Ninja Theory? Um, I don't think they have the exclusive rights to Hellblade. They, they just, Hellblade just came out first on PlayStation. Um, but, you know, it, it'll, I don't know if it'll come back to haunt them, uh, in that way. Um, yeah. so, uh, I think them losing Bethesda games is way bigger than them not being able to have Ninja Theory games, essentially, so. Yeah. Uh, Jake Johnson says, will Xbox sales be closer this gen to PS5 than last gen? And how close? Love you guys. I think Xbox will regain some market share. It looks like uh, maybe it's even possible Xbox outsold PlayStation uh, this past November. We'll have to wait and see for MPDs. But it did say, like, hey, Series S was really sought after on Black Friday. So... Um, I don't think the disparity between the two consoles will be the same this time. Um, but I do think PlayStation will sell more, uh, simply because I think it's uh, Europe is such a stronghold for them. Uh, it'll be much closer last gen, or this gen than it was in the U.S. Um, and then, yeah. Um, I don't know how close. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, we'll have to wait and see how everything shakes out after you can just go to the store and buy any of these systems. You know, the chip shortage is definitely affecting a lot of stuff. Um, We have one from Achievement that says, I love the weekly articles about Phil Spencer's opinion pieces. I think it steers the industry in the right direction. The man is a godsend. And Wolf Assassin says, Hey, Rand and Jez, love playing Halo Infinite campaign, especially throwing the plasma barrels. I agree. That has never got old. (laughs) You just, like, use the grapple shot to pull one towards you and then throw it at enemies and they all die. Hey, so why did someone from Forbes say Fable would be at the TGAs? Feeling salty now, should have known better. Um, yeah, there was a few people saying that Fable would be there, but Fable's... Uh, I don't know the person's name off the top of my head. Uh, Fable's one of those... Like, Fable's farther away. I think Fable's a 2024 title. So... Yeah, I agree. I did not expect it to be at the TGAs at all. And I don't even know if it'll be at E3 next year. It, it, maybe it will be, but I don't know. That's just one of the things about believing people on the Internet. A lot of people are looking for clout and looking for followers, pretending they know something or, or whatever, and, uh, you know, you got burned, which is unfortunate. Like you said, you should have known better. 
the video I made on Wednesday was like, okay, what is Xbox going to show? It's like Hellblade for sure. And I was like, maybe there could be something else. And that ended up being wrong. I was like, well, maybe Redfall will be there. And it wasn't. Uh, but I wasn't out there saying, like, all these games would be there. I was like, Hellblade for sure. And then maybe Redfall. Um, and Redfall didn't show up. So I guess I was 50-50 on that. Um, but anyways, um, what, what else we got here? You know what? I think that'll be a good place to end the show, but we'll take some questions. If you guys want to ask anything, make sure you put it in the chat. We will definitely answer as many as we can. And I want to thank everybody for being here on uh, this Friday, uh, listening to the Xbox two, whether you're engaging in the chat or just lurking or supporting the show with super chat doesn't matter to us. We just love the fact that everybody's here. And uh, we'll have this up on all the streaming services uh, a little bit later, yes. probably tomorrow. And yes. go to xbox2.com, like Jess says. Leave us a voice message or whatever. And we'll compile all the messages and make like a mini podcast for people to listen to if that's something you guys would want. Uh, make sure you do that. So thank you, guys. Make sure you hit the like button on your way out. We appreciate everybody for spending their time here. It's like almost three hours, essentially. Um, Sniper Elite 5 was revealed today, Jez, apparently in an Xbox ID, ID at Xbox Twitch stream, or Twitch stream, which where also the Scorn trailer came out. All right. I need to check that out. 2022, yeah. so. I do, I do like those games, the Sniper Elite games. I never finished them. Like, I always, like, I play them for a little while and, like, yeah, this is really fun, blowing people's brains out. And then, for whatever reason, I just end up dropping off them. I don't think they have really particularly great staying power, but I don't know. Do you, have you ever played through any of them? Which game? Sniper, Sniper Elite. I did. I played. I always, through... I always drop off them. Yeah, I, I played. Um, I played. I think I played two, three, and four. I didn't play one. Um, they're all they're cool. I mean, they're fun for what they are. But um, some people like Zombie Army better than Sniper Elite. So. Uh, Face wants to know if I'm going to play Horizon Zero Dawn before Forbidden West comes out. Yeah, most likely. I'm going to I'll play that before the new one comes out. Um, question mark says, question, your PlayStation bought another studio. When do you guys expect the next move on Xbox? Uh, sometime next year. Who knows when? Uh, Dark, yeah. Dark Sia, who's been a member for 29 months, says, great show. Thanks. You now next up uh, for Wheel of Time Episode 6. I watched Wheel of Time Episode 6 last night because uh, they come out on Thursday at like 7 p.m. Eastern uh, when when they get put up. So I watched it last night. Definitely an interesting episode. A lot of things happening. A lot of changes from the book. Man, they are changing a lot of things from the books, and a lot of people aren't happy about it. Um, so definitely interesting things going on with with the Wheel of Time TV show. Um, I'm gonna. I've decided I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read Dune. Oh, you're going to read Dune. You're not going to play the Dune video game they announced last yesterday? Dune Spice War or whatever? Yeah, I'm definitely going to play that as well. um, Or X Strategy. strategy. Um, Wolf Assassin wants to know how you guys feeling about Crossfire X. Um, I mean, I I think the campaign, which is what we saw yesterday, looked cool. I'm always down to play something by Remedy. So hopefully it's a a cool game. I'm not interested in the multiplayer aspect of it, though. Uh, Sampo says, will Project Cobalt, Project Midnight, or Fable release first? 
What do you think, Jazz? An Exiles game, Compulsions game, or Fable? Which one's releasing first? I think, man, that's a tough question. I would, if I was, this is based on nothing other than guesswork. Um, but I would have to guess Compulsions game probably comes out before either of those. Yeah, my guess would be, my my guess would be Project Midnight as well. Yeah. I think Midnight's been in, I think Midnight's probably smaller in scope than Fable, and it's probably been in development longer, and Cobalt is pretty, pretty early in development, so, yeah. RRD says, hey, thoughts on the Moon Studios guy talking about Xbox should go multiplat? Did you, did you see that, Jez? Yeah, I thought that was weird. I mean, obviously he's got a vested interest in them going multiplat so he can get more money from the Ori games, which, um, you know, he's probably thinking like Ori. The Ori games are never going to be on PlayStation because Microsoft owned them and stuff, and um, that's bad for him. But that's the deal they signed up for. You know, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have got the money to make those games if it wasn't for the exclusivity aspect. So it's all it's all well and good saying that after the fact. So I disagree with that. Because if we move to a world where every company is multi-plat, then where's the competition at, yo? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in. It's weird because he's like Microsoft should take the the initiative and put their games everywhere else, and I'm just like, bro. Microsoft would put their games everywhere else if Sony or Nintendo would let Game Pass be on their systems, but they don't. They aren't. And I just find it funny that the guy's, like, basically saying, like, Microsoft should become a third-party publisher. And it's just like, is that what you're really arguing for? Like, Microsoft needs, like, what, what do you say? Basically, like, Microsoft needs to uh, take their vision to the to the fullest or whatever. It's like, you're only saying that because it only would benefit you, you know, because you want to put your games on other consoles. Um like, I don't understand how it benefits Microsoft to put their games out elsewhere because it's, it's, it's about an exclusive storefront. That's the whole point. Like, all the money from video games is made off of selling other people's content where you get a cut from it. If Microsoft had the console but then also was publishing games on PlayStation and Nintendo, the purpose of people spending money in your exclusive storefront is lessened. So you'd be taking in less money. Like, sure you be able to sell more copies of games. But individual software sales is not the business. No. So, like, the idea of being like, well, Microsoft should do this because that's their goal, it, it really speaks to, like, a complete misunderstanding of how I think I these companies make, make their money. I don't think it was a misunderstanding. I think it was narrative setting. Oh, because you, you think he was okay? Okay, that makes sense. I think he was purposefully misrepresenting it because um, it, ben- it benefits him ultimately, you know. But I, if my argument would be the game wouldn't exist if it wasn't for a company off getting a return on investment. This is not a charity, you know. <laughs> you can self you can self publish any game you want on Steam. You know, but you're not going to have a budget to have 40, 40 songs in the soundtrack. You know, you're not going to have that kind of budget to play with. So, you know, 
it's all well and good saying this stuff, but Microsoft's a business and they've got to make a return on investment too and they have employees. So I think that's a short-sighted take, if indeed it is a take and not just narrative saying. Yeah, well, I also think he needs to let trying to get people out there to know who he is because his next game is multi-platform instead of exclusive, right? So nobody on PlayStation knows who who he is, know who Moon Studio is, knows how good Ori is because it was only on Xbox and only on Switch, you know, when because Xbox allowed it. But, like, I find the idea of, like, well, you need to go the full... Really what Dark Souls did for me. Like, I, I hadn't played anything that really super excited me for a really long time. And Dark Souls, like, I know it's 10 years old or whatever, but it really snapped me out of that. And I suppose, um, you know, Elden Ring's done that for you a bit. Like I, but the the scary thing for me, Rand, I don't know if you feel the same way. Is it's uh, it's kind of increased my expectations. <laughs> That's really? Really I could not go back to Ubisoft Open World after this. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. Well, you I, really I, you really didn't like Ubisoft Open Worlds, regardless. So, well, for for a longest time, it was almost like all that was, you know. But like. And so, like, I don't know if you've even tried it yet, but Cyberpunk 1.5 is also really, really good. And I was kind of bouncing between Elden Ring and Cyberpunk as well, because they have done a huge amount of work to bring that game up to scratch, you know, in line with some of the things people expected from it. Like, the AI is so much better. There's, like, loads of, like, little events now in the game. Like, in, in, uh, in Cyberpunk, you'll just be walking around and then... Random stuff will happen that definitely wasn't in the game before. I've added, like, new quest elements here and there. Like, it really does feel like they're, they're trying to bring it back, back up to speed. And as someone who completed, completed the original version, it's been really interesting to go back and see all the little tweaks they've done. Um, but yeah, man, oh, Elden Ring is just, it's just on another level. It really is. And I'm reusing the footage, uh, that I captured from, like, the basic first hour of, gameplay because I was going to capture some last night, but I'm 40 hours in and I'm like in areas that I don't really feel should be spoiled for people or boss fights. So I didn't capture anything new, you know, because I got some badass armor now. Uh, I'm tearing, you know, tearing stuff up with my build. Uh, Some bosses I have no trouble beating whatsoever. Other bosses, it takes me 10 tries to beat them. Um, but I didn't really want to spoil anything because I know a lot of people aren't maybe as far as I am, so that's why it's the same footage, um, because I didn't want to spoil people. But, um, yeah, we got a lot of top, uh, topics to talk about. Uh, we, we do have some things to talk about, so if you guys would do us a big favor, uh, make sure you hit that like button and please share this out so people know that we're live an hour earlier than normal. Um, you know, when we do the show on Saturday, I feel awful. And uh, because Gaz's show, Game on Daily, that Gaz does with Asa, which I'm a big fan of. I love Gaz. I love their podcast. Um, I always feel bad for doing it around the time that they do it. So we moved. If we do the show on Saturday, we'll move it an hour ahead. So because so by the time we're we're finished, they're just starting. So I don't want to like run into other people's times. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let people know that we're actually live now, hour earlier than normal. And we'll, you know, let's, let's have a, let's have a good show. I don't know how long this is going to go for because I don't know what there really is to talk about, you know, so 
Uh, yeah, um, we do have some super chats I wanted to get to, and maybe this will give us a little discussion. Um, our buddy Face, who's a great supporter of the channel, thank you, buddy. He says, PlayStation and Nintendo bring a lot of great games. Is Starfield the only game coming from Xbox this year, or will they show some games at E3 for this year? So this has kind of been... Um, it's interesting, because last year, all this stuff really goes in cycles. Um, last year, for the majority of the year, for the first nine months, PlayStation had a couple games, Returnal and Ratchet and & Clank and then some indies, and everybody was waiting for Xbox to put some stuff out. And then Xbox put some stuff out at the end of the year, Forza, Halo, Psychonauts, and a couple other things, and PlayStation didn't have anything. So the talking point went from PlayStation had games at one point and then didn't have anything in the fall, and then Xbox had the games. And, well, it's kind of flipped around, because now Xbox doesn't have anything in the beginning of the year, and PlayStation does, and Nintendo does as well, because they just did a Direct. So, now, there's a lot of Xbox gamers that are feeling anxious about the games coming this year. Like, we don't really, outside of Starfield, which has a confirmed date, and Redfall, which is supposed to come in summer... Uh, those are only really two confirmed games from first party uh, releasing this year, and they're releasing at the end of the year. So a lot of people are like, well, it's March now. Uh, what's coming on Xbox for the next six, seven months? And, yeah. you know, E3, which, you know, usually in June, uh, Microsoft typically would have a show, which they normally do. Um do you, his question is obviously Starfield's not the only game coming this year from Xbox. Redfall as well. Um, there's rumors that Forza Motorsport will also launch this year, which I think is going to happen. Um, I think I think Forza Motorsport will probably launch around eh, September because I have a feeling Redfall will launch in October. So I, I, like I kind of think the lineup for this fall from first party is going to be. Um, Deathloop hitting Game Pass on Xbox in September, a year after its release. And then Forza Motorsport sometime in September, with Redfall launching in October, and then Starfield coming in November. Um, I don't really expect any other first-party games. I do think they might have some global publishing titles released this year, like um, As Dust Falls, I think, got rated recently. So that could be potentially coming pretty soon and maybe one of those smaller projects that you and Jeff Grubb had talked about and, and leaked, like Project Belfry or uh, what are some other the project ones, Jazz? you got a whole list of these things, a whole a whole, <laughs> a, a whole document of, of project names, like uh, the Josh Sawyer game yeah. potentially could come this year. Um, Pentiment. Pentiment. Yeah, I think Pentiment this year, yeah. But um, I don't really expect any new first-party games to, to be announced to come out this year. Uh, so, I mean, they'll have more games to show. And I think their show will be more focused on next year, when next year is supposed to be the quote-unquote, like, the, the whole Xbox plan of a big game every quarter is supposed to be next year. Because mm -hmm. they have... On paper, a lot of stuff planning on launching. Um, but then also, like, Xbox is also, uh, 
very multiplayer focused. So you know, even though this year there isn't, there's only a few games launching. There's also people say new seasons of Sea of Thieves and new seasons of Halo Infinite and Grounded 1.0 and stuff like that. Um, are you feeling the anxiety from Xbox fans about the the idea uh, uh, about the lack of dates and gameplay and, and events and all that stuff, Jez? Is that something that you get a sense for on Twitter? The people constantly hitting you up for stuff uh, and information? Yeah, I am. I am getting it. Is, it does keep coming up. Like I was watching Miles' show on uh, Windows Central Gaming, and you know, people were asking that kind of stuff as well. I think there is definitely a factor that world events has probably shifted some marketing messaging for the sake of, you know, tactfulness, if if nothing else. But um, I think that is probably a factor at play in some, in some way. But I do think, I think we said last year that this year was going to be a bit drier, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is, a lot of us maybe expected this. Um which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get into Dark Souls stuff, because, like, at least I'll have something to play between Starfield. Like, can you imagine if I didn't get it? Because I was, like, I was one of these guys who was like, I, I can't do Souls games. I'm, not, I'm no good at Souls games. Souls games are too hard. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. I was one of these people. And I was, I was firmly in that mindset that I couldn't play Souls games. So if I hadn't got into Souls games right now, I wouldn't even be playing Elden Ring. I'd probably be playing, like, I mean, at least I suppose they'd be cyberpunk, but a lot of people still don't even want to play cyberpunk, or they've they've finished it, they've done it and they're finished with it or whatever. Dying Light 2 wasn't that great. I don't think it's it's just a map game, as Jeff Grubb calls them. Although um, I actually think that term was coined by his by his buddy Mike, not actually Jeff, <laughs> but um, but still, uh, I I didn't write Dying Light 2, man. I, after I after I like you know finished that, I just thought I'll never play this again and uninstalled it. Um, so, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of get that. If, if, if all, if you're not interested in Elden Ring, there's like not a huge amount to play between now and Starfield, really. So, I think it would be nice if Microsoft put something out, you know, to at least give people something to look forward to, but everything seems to be in flux right now. A lot of, a lot of that stuff. So, just another waiting game, really. But I do think when I do think when we finally do get Starfield, it's gonna be kinda of like Elden Ring and Skyrim where it's gonna have like tremendous legs where it's just like it's the kind of game you can play for months. You know, you can play it again with a different build, you can do like stuff in it and just keep playing it and it'll be like a huge game that you you stick with for a long time. I'm kinda of thinking that way about Elden Ring right now. 'Cause I, I'm I'm not good at Elden Ring man. I'm telling you. I'm like I'm really bad at it. I find it really hard. So when I play Elden Ring, it's slow going, man. It takes me a while to, you know, do anything in the game. And um, and I know I'm going to be playing it for a long time because of that. But, you know, if you're pro, you probably get through it in like 100 hours and you've got nothing to play again. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, how would you... If, if you weren't into Elden Ring and you weren't like... um a Souls guy, and you were just not going to play Elden Ring, like, do you think you'd be feeling a bit bit of that pinch right now? Because there's not a huge amount on the docket, and the Halo update for Season 2 wasn't that exciting. Um, I mean, I, 
part of the one of the perks about having all the consoles is I can play whatever game I want to play whenever. So if I wasn't playing Elden Ring, like I could easily just play Horizon Zero Dawn or Forbidden West. Um, you know, I played Sifu, which I loved. So, and I do have some backlog stuff, like Cyberpunk 2077, a year later, finally is the correct version of the game. You know, uh, I yeah, didn't pl- I didn't play it at launch, so there is Cyberpunk really good, man. to play. I'm just saying, like, there's always stuff uh, in my backlog that, you know, even me, like, who tries to play as much as I possibly can, uh, I can't get to everything anymore, so... I could easily pick out some things that I could play. Like, the question is, would I be excited for any of it? Because it's not really exciting to play your backlog. I don't know if anybody else feels that same way. Or maybe sometimes I get caught up in the hype. Like, I get caught up in the Elden Ring hype, and I play it, and thank God I loved it. But, like, when you there's, like, really no hype for, like, going back and playing a game in your backlog. Like, Cyberpunk 2077. Like, it was a game I was really excited to play. Because I, I I like CD Projekt Red, and it was like okay it's finally here, and then like all the bad press and everything was just like eh, and then and then it wasn't a next gen version, and I I had this Xbox Series X, I want or I wanted the next gen version. I'm like well I'll wait for the next gen version because they said one's coming right, and it literally took a year, but now like the excitement I had for Cyberpunk is gone, so it's it's. It's kind of like okay, well, I could play it, but do I really want to? I, I, I I'm kind of, I guess I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject here, and I, I would beg you to push through that feeling, because Cyberpunk, like, it's so damn good now, and I loved it at launch, you know, but I think the the way I played it probably gave me a different experience to what a lot of other people played it, because I, I played it. I barely played with the guns or a lot of the attacks. I played, like, purely as a netrunner and stealth. So, like, I played it kind of like Deus Ex. So, I... A lot of the issues people had with some of the gunplay and the, the loot, I never got a sense of that. Because I was running around setting people on fire by overloading their cybernetics or whatever. So, but I'm playing it again now as a shooter with a shotgun and absolutely loving it. Like, the shotgun feels really good to use. Um, I've got one that can shoot through walls. Like, it shoots, like, microwave bullets or something. I, I don't even know. But highly recommend it, man. When, you, when you're done. And also, because I want to know what you think of it. No, so, yeah, yeah. when I, you get the Elden Ring, please play Cyberpunk. Well, do I really want to play another open world game right after I play Elden Ring? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. That's a good one. It's, 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 it's different. It's not like Elden Ring's open world, because you sort of, you dri- yeah, you drive around, but it's not like you do much in the open world. You sort of go into, like, a lot of buildings all the time and play it more like, it's more like big Deus Ex. That's how I think of Cyberpunk. It's big Deus Ex. But I don't know. I think you'll love it. I really do. Uh, the Outbreak Podcast says Xbox 2 is the best show on YouTube. Hit the like button. Yeah, thank you. And make sure you guys hit the like button. Uh, it really helps out. Felipe says Elden Ring is a walk and roll backwards simulator. <laughs> I do I do roll <laughs> a lot. Uh, and at one point, I think I was heavy low, so I was fat rolling. I'm like, I need I need, I need to get rid of some of this stuff because I, I can't be fat rolling everywhere, Jazz. It's, it, does, it doesn't yeah, feel good to play, right? 
I saw Maka's tweet where he's like, oh my god, I've been playing the whole game with fat rolls. I didn't know you could get not fat rolls. So that was shocking. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know you can play fat rolls. Um, mm-hmm. Erigato Sir says, a serious question for Mayo Man and Randall Trillionaire. Is Starfield really releasing this year? We haven't seen gameplay, nor can you pre-order the game starting to get Halo Infinite E3 flashbacks. I've seen this come up quite a bit about Starfield and the idea of it actually really releasing this year. Um, I'll tell you why it's releasing this year. Look, tell me, Jazz. This please. is exact. Give me them leaks. This is exactly. This is exactly the same marketing cycle they did for Fallout 4. It, they didn't show Fallout 4 until six months before it came out. It's exactly the same scenario. That is a hundred percent true, and I was gonna I was gonna say that I think people re- I think people realize that these sort of games get a very short um, window. That's why there's also a lot. If you recall last year, we had heard that Starfield was going to be revealed. There's a, a few people telling me that the game might actually release last year, and I kind of said that on the podcast, and then certain outlets reported that, and you know it was wrong, and. You know, I was kind of like, of course. Like, I remember I had said two things. I said, I know for a fact it's exclusive, which it was, and that people, some people were telling me it was coming out, which it clearly didn't. But one of the reasons why some of the people were, you know, who I usually trust that tell me some things were leaning towards it releasing was because, one, they were going to show it, and they were hearing, you know, from people that it was going to come out. Obviously, that ended up wrong. Not everything I hear is always true. That's why I don't repeat a lot of the stuff. And that's why, Jez, you normally don't really go to bat for something unless you see documented evidence for it and then you write about it on Windows Central, right? Yeah, generally. Because, you know, because you know how many, tell the people how many rumors there are that go around about video games and all that stuff like every single day that you hear. It's crazy, right? Man, it is crazy. You know, filtering, filtering what's real and what's not is you know, it's hard work. <laughs> it takes a lot of time and, you know, especially if, like, I don't really bother to the same extent that I used to, but, like, um, nowadays I'm just like, you know, I'll just wait and see, you know. And if someone comes to me with something that I think is genuinely concrete, then it's different. But that's rare that that happens, frankly, that something seems so concrete that it can't be ignored. So, um, sort of navigating that sort of, a lot, and a lot of people want to cash you out too. Like, there's a lot of trolls there who, like, they tell you things because they want you to try and report it, and, and then it's like, hey, look, he was wrong, you know. So there are people, like, troll, trolling, trolling. I get, I get and, a fair uh, share of those in, in DMs, like, telling me, like, oh, the next Xbox event is on this day, and this is the whole list of everything that's going to be shown. It's like, you really just yeah. want me to make a video about this. Like, I know you're pulling my leg. Why would I, why would I do that? I'm not that hard up for needing views and clicks and stuff like that. Like, I'm just going to fabricate some stuff. But back to the whole Starfield thing. So, um, Todd loves the whole short kind of release hype window where it's like, okay, the game's coming out in six months. Here's a big walkthrough. They did it for Fallout 4. They did it for Fallout 76. I think it worked incredibly well for 4. 76 is an entirely different matter. I don't think the failure of 76 in the beginning was on marketing. I think it was just based on how bad the game was because it was marketed well. Like, I thought Todd did a good job on stage showing what Fallout 76 was. And the other thing that I, I've noticed recently, Jez, is that 
they are really they really talk about Elden Ring or not Elden Ring got Elden Ring on the brain, but Starfield quite a bit. <laughs> you know, there was that kind of Todd Howard's been talking about concept art. There's been trailers that have come out recently. Like yeah. they're sort of hyping up Starfield in a way that I haven't really seen Xbox hype up one of their games in a while. Um, I mean, they're really talking about really? concept art. You don't normally see games uh, run trailers and talk about concept art for stuff. I mean, they certainly have. They didn't do that for Halo, and that's their biggest franchise. So there's a part of me that thinks Microsoft knows what they have. They think it's going to be big. They're kind of doing this long-burning uh, pre-hype with Todd and, and the, you know, uh, concept art stuff that they're doing, and then they're going to have the blowout uh, whenever they do their summer show. And everybody, like I understand right now, people are like, it's probably not coming. You know, the, the way the the pandemic's still going on, so people are still working from home and stuff. But um, I, I feel pretty solid about Starfield releasing this year. Yeah, so But the problem is. People are going to have to wait three months to see it, probably. You know, that's the, that's the other yeah. thing. People want to see it now. So I want to see it now. I mean, hell, I would love to see it now. You know, there's even a rumor. Um, uh, I think, what was it? Like, somebody had DM'd me and was like, I got a hot tip for you. And I'm like, okay. He's like, you know how Phil's receiving the uh, the uh, that award from DICE or whatever for the Lifetime Achievement? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Todd Howard's giving him the award. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, they're going to debut a Starfield trailer right after. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> like, and I'm like, but this guy was trying to pawn it off like he had, like, I, you know, I heard from a friend. This is what's happening. And I'm just like, that wouldn't make any sense to roll a trailer for El- Elden Ring, for, for, for Starfield after uh, Phil's expect- acceptance speech of dice. Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But this guy was trying to pawn it off like, I have my friends at Xbox. I know what's happening. Like, okay, dude. Sure. No problem. Was he whispering when he said it? I'm just saying, that's how some of these people try to act. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Sure, sure, buddy. Um, Flame in the Super Chat. Uh, thank you. He goes, good afternoon, lads. Really enjoying the best release from yesterday. Triangle Strategy is a goat. Story choices reminds me of old Bioware games. Jez, you're the resident Nintendo fanboy in this podcast. Rarely the only Nintendo oh, fan around. Uh, Triangle Whoa. Strategy is out. Are you going to be playing it? You like you like Nintendo stuff, you know, right? I often do like Nintendo stuff, but I just I just don't have time anymore for a lot of this stuff. I don't know. Mm. So nothing to say about Triangle Strategy here. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, it's uh it's sort of inspired by the uh you know, those classic um Final Fantasy Tactics games, right? Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder why this game isn't just Final Fantasy Tactics. Like why not just make it Final Fantasy Tactics? I just it, that's that's weird to me, because it is square in its way. I that's yeah, it's weird, but it's also annoying that it's not it's only on Switch and you know, is it going to be one of these games that eventually comes to play uh, Xbox and PlayStation like uh, Octopath did? Well, Octopath um, only yeah. co- has only come to Xbox. I still don't think it's come to PlayStation yet. 
Oh really? I don't well, think so. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think strange. I don't think it has come to PlayStation yet. Like uh I don't know. It's uh it's just I just don't have time for my Switch anymore. There's too much I want to play on Xbox. Like you were saying how earlier you were saying like you don't get hyped to play games on your backlog. Since Dark Souls, I've kind of got over that. Because I used to feel that way as well. And now, like, I just want to... I really want to just go through my backlog. Like, I was look—I was talking to people on Twitter about Dragon's Dogma the other day. A lot of people were saying, like, oh, if you like Dark Souls, maybe you should try Dragon's Dogma because it's, like, superficially sort of similar-ish in some ways. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go through my backlog. I've got, like, loads of games I want to play in the backlog, so... I mean, I got a bunch of games in my backlog, too. Uh, Trey Dukes says, what's the news on Scalebound? Ah, uh, the game that never ends. Like, still, another <laughs> podcast, another mention of Scalebound. Um, nothing's going on with Scalebound. I don't think anything's ever going to go on with Scalebound. Uh, never? Well, I guess maybe n- never say never. So maybe something might happen. But, you know, Jez, I don't know if you saw this, but Platinum released oh, yeah. their newest game. Babylon's Fall, I believe it is. PS5, PC Wait, exclusive. That's Platinum? Yeah, that's Platinum. And, uh... Oh, apparently... No, I it's like Square Enix. <laughs> well, no, it's published by Square Enix. So, oh, it... Um, did I know that? Platinum Development, pl- published by Square Enix. Currently got a 40 on Metacritic. Um, uh, I think launch night it had 600 players on Steam. So it looks like a game that uh, bombed. It's a PS5 and PC exclusive. And now it kind of makes sense why Platinum Games was talking about the idea of being acquired and being like, Microsoft, let's work on Scalebound uh, because their newest game just probably bombed beyond their wildest expectations. (laughs) And I can't imagine Square Enix is happy. So, yeah, a lot of that makes sense. They're probably like, hey, you know what? We would totally be up for acquisition. Microsoft, hey, Sony, whoever's out there willing to spend, yeah, like, don't forget about us. And they just release a a huge stinker of a game, which is funny because that game's supposed to be a game as a service, but then they lock it to to, the PlayStation 5. It's like, if you're going to make a game as a service, the whole point is for it to be everywhere. Uh, But maybe, maybe Square Enix had no... Uh, like, they knew what they had. They're like, well, Sony's giving us a bunch of money. You might as well take it and make something off this, right? Yeah. So What I don't get is, like, why is Platinum so hit and miss? Platinum's made some amazing games, like Bayonetta and Mega Rising, really good game, and obviously Nier Automata. What? Why do they go from that to this? How, how do they do that? That's really strange. Um, that, that is interesting. That people have been asking that question for a long time. How do you have Platinum, who makes such masterpieces like Metal Gear Rising Revengeance and Bayonetta 1 and 2 and Nier Automata, to then the same people that make Babylon's Fall and, you know, Legend of Korra and uh, Transformers, whatever game they made, like, their really low-rated licensed stuff, like, that Turtles game that that came out a few years ago. Like, how do you make such great games, and then how do you make such crap shovelware? I don't know. Maybe it's just who's leading the teams. I mean, there there must be clearly some divide or budget in in some of the games. But 
Um, yeah. Uh, Cameron Mitchell, which that's my that's my sister's fiance, Jez. By the way. Wow. He says, "What about Saint Charles? That got delayed. It's coming out in August, Cam." And Sarah says hi. So, hi Sarah. I hope you're doing well. She's probably working. She's she's uh she's working as a traveling nurse, Jez. Traveling nurse. Traveling nurse. Seems interesting. Yeah, she, um, you know, if you have your nursing license, you can kind of go work in other states and make bank. Like, she's making big bucks because they, you know, there's there's a nursing shortage in the U.S. And, you know, some places you go to, they pay more. And uh, she's she's making the the, the big dollars. So, you know. So she's kind of like... If you're around our millionaire, she's around our billionaire? I wish I was a millionaire, but no. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jacqueline, what's going on, buddy? He says, fellow maidenless tarnished, can you guys feel George R. R. Martin's influence in this game? I certainly can. When I read The Golden Game, I felt his influence. Yeah, I can definitely see his influence uh, in this with some of the naming, some of the item descriptions. Um, and I found a, I don't know his work that well. I never never watched Game of Thrones fully, but um, I did notice there was a sword that was made of swords mm-hmm. that kind of looked like a throne made of swords. So that was that was my soul, my soul sort of like, oh yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. Yeah, I saw that sword and I'm like, ah, oh, someone got the inspiration for Game of Thrones. Uh, Aaron has been a member for 17 months. Thank you, buddy. He says, well, hello, lovelies. Uh, hello to everybody in chat. Hope everybody's having a great Saturday. And hopefully this time Gaz won't want to kill me because we're going to be done before his show. Although there's really nothing to talk about. So, uh, Nightwolf. He goes, no wrestling fans, huh? WWE 2K22 looks promising after the extra time they took. Well, I'm sure I'm rare company, but I'm excited for what's new this year. You know, I used to be a wrestling fan. I used to play a lot of the wrestling games when I was a big fan. Like, I remember playing, like, SmackDown and being a big, like, in high school when I was 15 or 16 playing uh, WCW versus NWO Revenge and WW, you know, F No Mercy. Or was it? Yeah, WWF No Mercy and WWF WrestleMania 2000, like, loving those games. Um, but as, I don't know, I kind of fell off. Uh, off of wrestling and I kind of fell off the games themselves but there is yeah they didn't release one last year but now they're releasing uh, a new one and I think that's coming out in, in a couple weeks the funny thing though is a lot of people have left the company so like I think 20% of the roster is no longer with the company Jazz, which is always very funny uh, no longer yeah, with, with the WWE so um, is that like some big crisis in the WWE right now or something? Uh, a big crisis. Um, I mean, a lot of people are leaving for AEW. Um, like COVID really negatively impacted the business or something? I don't know. Something like that. I don't I don't really pay attention to what's going on. I have some friends who do, but... Um, I mean, I was hugely into wrestling when I was in high school. Like, Hugely, I went to a bunch of live events. I went to house shows at uh, here in Chicago, at the Ridgemont. Um, I was at the show where Chris Jericho debuted in the WWE when the countdown to Millennium. Yeah, I'm dating myself. You know, I was what 17 
when that happened. Me and me and we, bro, we used to every Monday night. Uh, we used to go over to my buddy's house, and we'd have the TV side by side. One watching WCW with you know the NWO for life, you know Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and now this isn't a video game podcast anymore. It's a wrestling podcast. And then we'd have we'd have the other TV with Raw's War with Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and you know Triple H and Undertaker and all that stuff, and we'd all be there and it would it would be amazing. And then we'd like literally would troll we we would not troll but like we would scour the internet for rumors about who was leaving which company and all the things that were happening. We were so into that stuff for like almost all of high school. We would go to the events and stuff like that, and then, yeah, I guess maybe we kind of just grew out of it or whatever, but those were good times, man. Those were good times, hanging with the guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, I had the same, we had the same thing. We used to, because in the UK, Monday Night Raw was on, like, the middle of the morning, or like, early morning, like, two in the morning, or one in the morning or something. They used to air it again on a Friday, um, so, like... Generally, people watched it the following week, and because it was like the pre-internet era, there was like no spoilers or anything online anyway. Well, no, what's funny but, uh, was was that WWF were, would tape shows, right? They would tape shows because they weren't always live, and then WCW would give off the results of the show. So the inf- the whole infamous really? thing, yeah. So like, because they were in the war, like who was going to be number one, and WCW was winning for X amount of time. And so they would be like, oh, on, on, on Raw, this is going to happen because the shows were taped. And then the infamous Eric Bischoff, the, the infamous uh, thing happened where uh, he said, oh, Mankind, Mick Foley is going to win their title. And he said, oh, that's really going to put some butts in seats. And that was the turning point because people did actually want to see that. And it was a huge moment even though it was taped. Yeah. I, I know this stuff because I lived it. I was I was I didn't even huge, know that stuff. I was I a huge wrestling fanboy back in my high school days. Loved it. Oh my god. Did, did you uh did you backyard wrestle? No, I never did backyard wrestling. No, never did any of that. I, I have scars from backyard wrestling. <laughs> even now. Oh man. Um Wolf Assassin yeah. has been a member for nine months. Says, Hello my fellow's tarnished. I love Miles Dampier's piece on Xbox Directs, but a job listing hints at someone helping making showcases. Coincidence. Interesting. This is the topic, so I feel, you know, you brought it up, we might as well discuss it. Shout out to Miles, though. He had uh, the one and only Greg Miller of Kind of Funny and IGN fame on Xbox Chatterdays yesterday, Jez. He did. He did. How did that, that show go? Did you check it out? I haven't watched it fully yet. I dropped by, but it was like... Um I was, uh, you know, with the uh, missus at the time. We watched uh, Naked Gun. Have you ever seen that, Naked Gun? Yes, I've seen Naked Gun. Yes. Oh, great movie. But anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that Miles, you know, a, a lot of people start banging the drum about they should do a direct, they should do a direct. And I've actually spoke to people at Microsoft about this. There is a sort of a, a mini rebellion within Microsoft where there's like a lot a lot of people within Microsoft saying, yeah, we should do something like this. But there's like, you know, wh- whether or not they're going to do it or not is often, you know, resides in someone else's, you know, remit or whatever. So it'd be interesting to see if they actually do go ahead with something like Nintendo Direct. I personally think they should. 
I think when we polled the audience, you guys were pretty split on it. Like, a lot of people wanted that classic E3 mm-hmm. blowout, whereas other people were like, yeah, give us random bits around the year. So, like, it was, people were pretty split on that, and I was quite surprised. But, um, I don't know. I guess we saw another one of them. Wait and see, right? Don't have any information on that. Well, the reason oh, people are talking about this, and I put it in the title, is because they are hiring for a director, Xbox broadcast and event strategy lead, which would lead people to believe that, like, okay, well, they're going to be doing more events if they're hiring a director. And one of the things that it says is, as the broadcast and event strategy lead, you will be responsible for building and delivering a world crash strategy that is innovative innovative and showcases the future of storytelling in Xbox. Oh crap. Can you lend me that? I'm gonna write that as a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't you didn't know about this, homie? No, I didn't. I've just been I, I have the last couple of days off work. So like when it, it's really dumb because I really like I really enjoy Xbox stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well but, clearly you're built your career around yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's it's kinda like what what should I do on my day off? Should I stop looking up Xbox News? But I actually like looking up Xbox News as a hobby. Then it's like, well, do I can I even am I even capable of taking time off? I don't know anymore. I don't know, Rand. But yeah, I didn't see that. Please send me a link. I did, I DM'd it to you. I mean basically it says the Xbox programming and events team creates video content and event experiences that delight and engage the global gaming audience. These experiences and broadcasts reach millions of players, fans, and other audiences around the globe every single year. We are a team that is super passionate about gaming and storytelling. We pride ourselves on connecting with players around the world in innovative and interactive ways. We obsess about learning and trying new things. Most of all, we help foster an emotional connection between Xbox and the players, creators, fans, and make it all possible. We are looking for a creative and proven leader to help evolve our premier video broadcast and event strategy and to lead a talented team of marketers to bring that strategy to life. As the broadcast and event strategy lead, you will be responsible for building and delivering a world-class strategy, a world-class strategy that is innovative and showcases the future of storytelling. This includes assessing how premier video broadcasts and digital-slash-physical events can best delight our audiences and support business needs over the next three years. You also lead a team of creative and talented marketers and executive producers and help them deliver on that strategy. So, hearing that, Jez, what do you think they're talking about? I mean, they literally mentioned digital and physical events, so... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think, like, Microsoft, we talked about it before, how, like, with with Bethesda and the QuakeCon stuff, and they've got MineCon, if they do manage to land Activision Blizzard, then they're going to have BlizzCon as well, and... That kind of begs the question, like, do you do you have one event, or do you have keep them all separate, or like, God, what 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 do you do? Having someone in charge of strategizing what the hell you meant to do is probably a pretty good idea at this point, I would say. But well, normally, again, it's not one of them. Normally, like, um, I've talked to people like Phil, um, and I asked them like, Hey, how, when do you guys start planning for E3? This is when they were doing the physical events. I don't know if it's really changed since it's kind of moved to digital. And I know E3 is canceled, but we refer to the big show in June as E3. That's kind of just like tradition. I know it's not E3, but it's like that's what it is, you know. So it's like I just call it that even though there really isn't an E3 anymore. And he always said, like, planning always begins, like, right after the current E3 ends. 
and especially you, you kind of like have meetings towards the end of the year. So I would imagine they're already planning or have been planning whatever they're planning to show this. I would assume they're going to have a show during the summer. Um, we, cause we've talked about this before. Um, I don't think right now Xbox has the capacity. Well, capacity is maybe the wrong word. I don't think Xbox has the games that are coming out this year to warrant three shows. Right? Mm. Um, next year, however, that's a different story. And then 2024, 2025, that's different. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons they're hiring for this position right now because these are the sort of things you need to plan out uh, in the future because you need to get all of your studios on board and be like, okay, we would like something from you. We would like something from you. These things all got to be put together. And I know there are a lot of people asking for more shows. I mean, I would love more shows. It would give me something to talk about. I love to see new games. Um, I just also feel that Microsoft wouldn't really show anything I can already picture how this would go in my head. Because when Sony does a state of play, and it's mostly indie games, and then maybe a first-party game, people crap on it. Because what people really want to see is they want to see big AAA experiences, and they want to see the big first-party stuff. People don't want to see indie stuff. And I'm look, I'm not saying indie stuff is bad. I love indie stuff. I'm saying how the normal audience views stuff, right? So anybody listening uh, who loves indie stuff, I'm not saying indie stuff is bad. I'm saying the general audience doesn't want to see it, and every single time a show is focused around smaller indie games, people people are like, this isn't what I tuned in for. So because Xbox's content is light this year, which we've been saying, I don't know, forever that 2022 was going to be light, just like last year was, uh, a lot of their events would be focused on smaller indie content potentially coming to Game Pass, and I already could see the reactions from people saying that this is that the show was quote unquote garbage or trash or not worth my time or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because what people really want to see is I want to see Hellblade two, I want to see Avowed, I want to see Perfect Dark, I want to see you know, whatever big AAA game, you know, Back for Blood 2 or whatever is, is set to come out. But you need to fill in the gaps with the smaller indie games. So when PlayStation's done it recently, they get they get crapped on by their own fans. So I think knowing that, I think they're probably a little more reluctant to, to go out and have a show. I mean, just remember um, – when when they did the show last year, Jez, or was it last year? Twenty twenty? No, twenty twenty, before the new consoles came out, and it was like they did a show in May, and it was mostly smaller games, and then like Assassin's Creed. Do you remember how the people reacted to that showing? They weren't very happy, yeah. were they? No. Right, and I, I kind yeah. of I kind of feel like if Xbox did a show next month, and it was mostly smaller games coming to Game Pass or that Xbox is partnering with, and then maybe, like, here's a look at Redfall, I think people would still be upset because they don't want to see the indie stuff. Um, and yeah. That, that's I, just my they opinion don't, on they that. Don't the, they don't want to see the indie stuff taken up the stage, I think. is. But the problem is that's all, that, that was, that's all they would have. 
there isn't, you know, with with all that's going on right now, Xbox doesn't have a lot coming in this year, and I don't think they're going to show anything from next year. So that's why I sort of feel like you're hiring for this person now because you know in the future you need to do multiple shows. You need to start planning for that now, but not this year. That's just my two cents on it. I could be completely wrong. Maybe they're going to have a show in April or, or something, uh, but I sort of feel that with the way this this year is, it'll be one big show in the summer with a, a huge focus on Starfield as like the primary thing, and then and then basically kind of a look at 2023 with the titles coming next year, and then next year you could have a show in March or February that showcases some of the stuff coming early in the year. And then you can have another show in the middle of the year. Yeah. If we, if what we think, if w- what Xbox's plans look like actually proceed, because there's like, they have a ton of games planned for next year. Now, not all of them are going to make it, but it's definitely more than the two they have, two or three they have planned for the end of the year. So, um, yeah. Um, Onyx in the Super Chat says, can you imagine if Infinite releases on 2020, we would only have Forza on 2021? Just two games for Xbox first party, just one game confirmed this year, Starfield. We don't even know how Redfall plays. I mean, yeah, that's what me and Jez has been saying since 2020, though. I mean, I don't think anybody listening to this podcast who's been listening for this long time would be shocked uh, by that revela- <laughs> revelation because me and Jez... Uh, have been specifically talking about this for uh, quite some time, um, and yeah, and when you when you put it like that, it doesn't really uh, sound too great. But you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul says it's so, it sucks, but it's also like it's it's not gonna last. This is it's. This is the last year where this is we have these sort of droughts, I think. I think we are sort of moving to an age where it's going to be like, there's going to be more content than people can handle. It's just going to be, it's just going to take time, you know. And especially if they do land Bethesda, which, you know, is nowhere near what I describe as definite at the moment. And if they do land, if they do land Bethesda, they're going to have exclusives out of Bethesda as well. I think like, um, not Bethesda. Activision. They do land Activision. Um, they're gonna have a ma- they're gonna have mountains of exclusives, like absurd amounts of exclusives. And it, because you know, yeah, Call of Duty might be the same multiplayer, um, but I think a lot of their games won't. I think like maybe if if they land the deal, um, I think Diablo Four, yeah, probably Diablo Four will stay multi-platform because they probably won't land the deal before it's finished. But I I can see a world where Diablo 5 goes exclusive. I see a world where, like, Overwatch 3 goes exclusive, maybe. I don't think Call of Duty will ever be exclusive, but I think some of those sort of extraneous Blizzard franchises will go exclusive. I do think, like, if they do if they do, do StarCraft Ghost, that's going to go exclusive. If they do make a Warcraft action RPG, that'll be exclusive, you know? I think it's just Call of Duty that's sort of guaranteed to not be exclusive, but... Um, but that ain't what people want to hear, man. They don't want to hear that you've got to wait, because let's be honest, man, we've been waiting. We've been waiting a long time for a lot of this stuff to, to sort of come to fruition. Um, we've sort of, I don't know, 
we've definitely turned a corner when it comes to the old, the way things were during the Xbox One generation. But we still, there's still a degree of what I would, what I would think of as a holding pattern almost. But I don't know. Luckily, there's a lot of stuff to play, as long as you're willing to explore outside of the hype train, right? Yeah, I mean, that is true. A lot of people put a lot of importance on exclusives, right? Rightfully so. I mean, they are kind of what separates console ecosystems from one another. Um, So when one of them has, like, a really good game, they kind of brag about it to the other ones. Um, But then, like, got a game like Elden Ring, which is going to probably far surpass most exclusives. I mean, I don't know. Elden Ring's talked about more than most games, period. Not only on Twitter, but on YouTube. Like, my whole recommendation feed is basically all Elden Ring content. It's absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, so... The sheer amount of... the Windows Central doubles its traffic last week. Just literally, literally double our traffic. Well, that's what that's what everybody wanted to know about, man. They wanted to know about easy cheese builds, like sorcery builds, you know, with the one-shot 60, <laughs> 60 intelligence staff where you can, like, one-shot enemies and stuff. I know you're running that build, Jez. I'm trying. I haven't got the staff yet. That's the thing. You got to you got to get the bloody staff first, <laughs> you know. And uh, sorcery is great until you have to fight in close quarters. Then you get one shotted. But um, I do love my sorcery. I do love it. Yeah. Although I'll be honest, I found like I found uh, Mel- I didn't find melee to be too hard either, though. To be honest, but, um, I don't know. Paul says that whole debate. Paul says, Stalker 2 was pushed back to December, and with everything going on in Ukraine, hopefully it gets pushed into 2023 for all their employees' safety. Um, I mean, I think they kind of insinuated, so that they stopped development on the game for good reasons. So, yeah, I don't really expect Stalker 2 this year. And anybody using the potential delay of that game the next year for console war is pathetic, in my opinion. So, I'll just, I'll just pathetic. They're pure scum. Yeah. If you are if you are someone who's using the delay of stalker for console war, you are scum by trash and you should be banned from the internet. Ochiwacha says, Hello Xbox and Ponies, PC Master Race still rules. Make love not Warcraft. Hmm. Hmm. I did see an article that said uh with the Activision Blizzard acquisition which sidebar you mentioned to me that you you don't feel confident that it's going to actually pass. Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm about fifty fifty on it at the moment because like investors certainly don't believe it's going to pass because the the share price is trading below what Microsoft's offering right now, mm-hmm. which is not what you'd expect. Um, but also the stock market's down in general because everyone's freaking out and probably like the last thing people are thinking about are video game stocks. But, like, it constantly keeps coming out that Activision is still having problems. Like, they can't hire people. They can't retain talent. Nobody wants to stay. You know, I mean, that could be a sort of an argument for the acquisition that they desperately need new leadership if, they're, if their company is to survive, right? That could be an argument for it. But it could also be an argument, like, from Microsoft's perspective, like, are we actually going to get a company here or are we going to get a hollow shell of a company that has nobody left? Because there's still a big crisis within Blizzard, retaining staff, having high-quality staff, and 
all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I don't think it's a done deal at all anymore. I was sort of like, yeah, this will definitely happen. This will definitely happen. I don't think I don't think the FTC will block it. I think it might fall through for other reasons. Like uh like Microsoft pulls out and thinks like, Oh god, probably this was probably not a good idea or Blizzard lurches from crisis to crisis and, you know, has even more issues and stuff like that. I don't think it's for certain right now. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just being negative and pessimistic because that's the way I'm feeling at the moment. Yeah, yeah, because they did come out and they said uh, they needed to hire a woman for their board uh, by the end of 2021, and they didn't, and they blamed the Microsoft acquisition, even though they were told they needed to do this back in 2018. Uh, and then, yeah, they came out and said, it's really hard to hire. Yeah, no wonder, because it, your company is a horrible place to work. So no wonder you can't hold on to people. Now, you know, there, there's kind of um, this whole, people, like, a lot of these, like, we've seen a lot of games get announced with blog posts, Jess, or Twitter posts. When normally you would have a trailer, right, we saw, um, yeah, uh, what are some games recently that were just announced out of nowhere, like Grand Theft Auto 6? Um, got him blanking on some other big ones. The, Bl- the Blizzard unannounced survival game. Survival game, yeah. Uh, the, the couple Star Wars projects by Respawn. There was a whole bunch of big games that were announced in blog posts simply because, like, people need to, like, they need hire. And there was a report that came out about um, Quantic Dreams, Star, Star Wars Eclipse. Which I sent to you, and I thought was hilarious, yeah. because they put out a trailer oh which looked cool, and I guess the whole purpose was they were using the trailer to kind of uh, help, uh, you know, be like, hey, come work with us. But nobody wanted to wants to work for Quantic Dream because Shocker, I guess they're a horrible company to work for too, and because of that, now that game is looking like it won't actually release until 2028, so six years from now. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Yeah, that is optimistic, guys. <laughs> but I also wonder what the license holder thinks that that is like. Are they are they cool with the game taking that long to come out? I don't know if there's time limits on that stuff, but like, you know, people kind of can pick and choose where they want to work at. You don't necessarily have to work at Activision Blizzard anymore. And you're right that maybe that's an issue for Microsoft. They complete the acquisition, but all the talent's gone. Sure, you own the Call of Duty IP, and maybe someone would say the IP is bigger than the people who make it, but, you know, like, it, that could be an issue. It, it seems like they mostly retain a lot of the people at Bethesda, but I would imagine a lot of people are going to bounce ship from Activision Blizzard, so let's wait and see how that all plays out. But what I wanted to say about the Warcraft thing was, uh, I think there was a developer, an ex-developer at Blizzard that says he thinks that Warcraft 4 is going to happen now once the acquisition goes through. That, like, Activision never wanted them to do Warcraft 4 because it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. But, you know, Microsoft is obviously going to feel a little bit differently. They're going to need a lot of games, and he thinks that Warcraft 4 would happen. Would you want to see a Warcraft 4? I would. I, and I think I think Warcraft 4 would, like, be perfect, really, because Warcraft 4 is kind of like... I don't know if you've ever played Warcraft 3 around but it had really strong RPG mechanics. That's like one of the weird things about Warcraft was it had like these RPG elements that other RTSs didn't really have at the time. Like you pick up items and you sort of controlled the heroes more like they were they were individual characters, which is where the whole MOBA genre came from. It was originally a mod for Warcraft 3. So Warcraft 3 had these heroes which had like equipment and levels and 
and all that kind of stuff. And no MMO had really done anything like that before. Uh, no RTS, sorry. And I think that fits perfectly within the whole idea of having an RTS that you can reliably play on console. Because I think, like, if you were taking direct command of some of those units, controlling it with a control with a joystick would be like fine and dandy. Um, but uh, you know, on that note, I do think they are bringing Age of Empires to Xbox this year as one of the other games to expect. Now, if you're an Xbox fan, like, really desperate for new games, and you are waiting for Age of Empires to come to Xbox, I think uh, this year could be could be the one. But I'll have to wait and see about that. But, yeah, I'd love to see Warcraft 4, man. Everyone would. But um, hopefully with different writers than uh, World of Warcraft, because World of Warcraft writing right now is absolutely garbage. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Uh, my man, Punkadish, has been a member for 12 months. Says, one year supporting boys, randages. Keep it up, guys. Much love. Uh, Felipe says, God Howard will take over 2022 soon after E3. Um... Achievement says, do you think Elden Ring could inspire Elder Scrolls 6 in some way? I'm playing Elden Ring, and I think some of the mechanics could complement the franchise. Um, what do you think, mm-hmm. Jez? Elden, or Elder Scrolls Elden becoming Scrolls. like Elden Ring? Or, or a Souls game? What do you think? I don't think... I don't think they need to do that for, for Elder Scrolls. Because like, Elder Scrolls just has its own thing. One one of the things that Elder Scrolls does need to improve is its melee combat, like its first-person combat. After playing, like, Elden Ring, which has immaculate first... Um, not first-person combat. Immaculate melee combat. I think, like, a lot of these games that do have melee combat are going to have to step their game up. I'm absolutely in awe at the amount of combat animations that are in this game. Like, it's truly absurd that you can pick up, like... Basically, two weapons of the same class, but they handle completely differently because of, like, uh, you know, different, you know, uh, weapon arts you can get and stuff. So I do think that Elden Ring has changed my expectations of what itemization in the game must look like. And maybe, like, Elden Ring needs to look at that too. Like, it's not like, um, I don't know, a lot of the stuff in... A lot of the stuff in Fallout and Western games that have these kind of mechanics, they're kind of like... They're just arbitrary. They just slap modifications on existing weapons. But Elden Ring's weapons, like, they just handle completely differently. Like, they have all different attack animations and all that kind of stuff. So maybe on that level, the itemization they could look at and the class building. But I don't think they need to make it a Souls-like. In fact, mm-hmm. I think they definitely shouldn't make it a Souls-like. Everything the one game that I do think right? could be a... Yeah, yeah. But honestly, Ryan, one game that I think could benefit from Souls-like mechanics is Gears of War. Oh, interesting. More like, Rem- more like Rem- Remnant of Ashes, maybe? Yeah, after playing Remnant from the Ashes, which is basically like... It's like a Souls-like. It's not quite Souls-like. It has some vaguely similar-ish mechanics. It got me thinking about how they could raise the stakes in Gears of War and stuff. I can still keep the easy modes and stuff like that, but... I do think, like, bringing it more in that direction could help Gears of War find some differentiation and stuff, and maybe attracting a more hardcore crowd, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Georgie wants to know, ask Jez if he's heard anything about Killer Instinct 2, please, Jez. He really wants to know something about Killer Instinct 2, Jez, come on. Help, Help a brother out, Yeah. George wants to know. 
I'm sorry, man, but I haven't heard anything that isn't already out there. Uh, Special Nick said, um, Special Nick of Xbox Era fame said that he thought it was coming. And um, I personally haven't heard that it's coming, that aspect of it. But someone did, I got a vague hint that Microsoft was working with, um, Microsoft was working with a Japanese publisher, possibly Bandai Namco on a fighting game. And they're, you know, obviously that would be Killer Instinct, right? One would think. But one would think, yeah. Uh, Nine Live says, uh, Jeff Grubb said he heard NXL could be working on a Fallout game. What do you think? Jeff Grubb said that? Supposedly. Oh, yeah. Well. There were, I, I did. That is very interesting. I did hear rumors a while back that there were going to be Fallout games before Fallout 5. Um, I don't... I remember hearing about it, but I kind of was just like, eh. And one of the, one, one of the studios mentioned was in, was in Exile. And I was kind of like, okay, what would in Exile actually be making? You know? Like, are they making a new Fallout game? Would they... I don't know, but if that is something I remember hearing about last year. But, you know, Jeffrey Grubgrub, if he's kind of putting it out there, speculating, um, I don't know, how would you feel about NXL? I, I do feel that Microsoft wants a Fallout game this generation, right? Like, Fallout oh, 5 man. is too far away, right? Even if Obsidian, which we talked about last week, doing, like, a Fallout Chicago or a Fallout New Vegas 2 or a Fallout California, that even would still be, what, six years away, seven years away, Right. Still, yeah. long. T- I I do feel like Microsoft wants a Fallout this year, so or, or this gen at least, Re- earlier rather than later. So we know from your reporting that Exile is working on uh, Project Cobalt. Or was it Project Cobalt? So I get some of these confused. Yes, Project Cobalt. Project which Cobalt, is a, which is a yeah, steampunk RPG, yeah. right? For was is an FPS? I thought it was an FPS too, right? Yes, yeah, steampunk RPG FPS. On the Unreal Engine. Yeah. So could they possibly also have another project that might be Fallout related as well? What do you think? Well, this is a this is the cool thing about the Creation Engine. It's like it's rapid to iterate on the Creation Engine. So if they are going to make um, a true Fallout game, like a spin-off, like a New Vegas kind of game, they could potentially iterate quite quickly with the Creation Engine because. It's de- that's what it's designed for. The creation engine is designed to be like some a developer developer described to me, described it to me like Lego blocks, you know. And that's why it was so easy for Bethesda to make make a whole base building system in the game because that's basically the same system they used to build the game, you know. So potentially it could be like a case of um them building a game on the creation engine, a spin-off similar to New Vegas, maybe set in a new place. Maybe they could do like, I don't know, Fallout Colorado or something. Although like they've already like they already did Wasteland say in Colorado, but you know. There's there's loads of locations they could explore for a Fallout game. And um I think that makes a lot of sense if they're doing a creation engine game. Sorry. I'm choking here. But on the flip side, what if they were making like a Fallout Tactics game using the assets and engine and the code that they use for Wasteland 3, because that could also be pretty cool as well. Like um, your VAT system, which is already in Wasteland, basically, under a different name, and um, a lot of those mechanics, but in the same world. For me, 
that makes a little less sense because Wasteland 3 only just came out and it would be very, very similar to Wasteland 3 because, let's face it, Wasteland and Fallout are almost the same franchise. <laughs> They're practically all the same franchise. Like, if you go and look at the history, uh, you know, Fallout only exists because they lost the rights to Wasteland. So, like, Fallout was basically Wasteland 2, the original Fallout. Um, but, yeah, maybe a creation engine game. Because InXL does know their way around RPGs. They know their way around branching narrative really well. And honestly, I absolutely love InXL's writing. It's just so damn good. But their, I don't know what you call it, the tactics genre, a lot of people just ain't into it, you know. Um, you're not into it. Uh, oh, you're grand. You don't like tactics. No, I yeah. just don't care for tactics games. But... If an XL, but that's the thing, I want you to experience their writing, because their writing is great. It's like, it's up there with like, you know, Obsidian for, for humour and, you know, they're very, very dark <laughs> frankly. Very, some of the people in XL are a bit twisted, <laughs> frankly speaking. But, um, in a good way, in the, in the best possible way, a bit twisted. But, um, more people would experience their writing if they did make a, a creation engine sort of FPS Fallout RPG. I'd be totally on board for that. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to wait a million years for Fallout Five, Rand. I, I can't. You know. I mean, I, I hope. I hope uh, you Fallout fans get the game that you want sooner rather than later. But yeah, uh, Nightwolf in the super chat says, "Rand, thanks for that. You just tugged at my heartstrings with that nostalgic callback to my N64 days of WCW No Mercy." Love your fandom. It's for sure not the same. Yeah. Uh, Chris says, for Jez, has there been any more info on the big Halo Infinite mode and development at Certain Affinity since the Windows Central article? Uh, I haven't heard anything, I'm afraid. Um, it's another one of them wait and sees. Might be cancelled. Might be still in development. Personally, I think it, I think it is still in development. And if, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, it's still a they had like, I think they had like, was it this summer or next summer in mind? I can't remember. But it was still, it was still deep in development. Like, there's just, it's just a long way away. Yeah. So, uh, Jacqueline, when I heard about it, it was a long way away. Jacqueline says, so 2K is going to make Lego games and the Lord of the Rings licenses for sale. Guys, what does this mean for the future of WB Games? Jez? Hmm. The wait, what? The Lego, the Lego licenses for sale was that? I think two K, two K is making, two K is making Lego games now. So the license might have switched. Because uh, normally the Lego games were made by WB, but now two K is making Lego games. And Lord of the Rings video game, I think movie license, is up for sale. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think WB had at least for a bit, the licenses for that. So, does it mean anything? I have no clue. This is, I mean, this is one of the reasons why Microsoft didn't want to buy Warner Brothers, what I heard, is that all this licensing stuff is, is a bit of a mess to deal with. Um, but I haven't heard anything myself. I mean, what do you think, Oran? Because you're, you, I think I'm pretty sure you're more of a fan of Lord of the Rings and me. Yeah. I haven't even. I, I've never played a Lego game actually. Yeah, I'm a huge like Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> I mean, did you like the games? I thought 
The, yeah. I thought the first Shadow of... Was it Shadow of Mordor, the first Shadow one? of Mordor and then Shadow of War, yeah. I thought Shadow of Mordor was really good, and it had, like, a good charm, and the systems were really interesting at the time. But I thought Shadow of War was Ubisoft-y and shallow. Did you get that feeling as well? I, I don't know. Like, it almost, like... And also there's that whole controversy about, like, to get the real end and you, ba- you have to basically grind for a million years, incentivizing you to buy the microtransactions, which really just put me off from playing it completely. Yeah, but, I remember that. Um, I know, I really yeah. I really enjoyed those games. I've even played, like, the when EA had the license and they made, like, uh, some of the games based on the movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be interesting to see who picks up. We talked a little bit about this last week because we were like, who should pick up the Lord of the Rings gaming license? And we kind of yeah. both came to Amazon because they have the license for the TV show that they're doing, and they're also making a big push on on games and stuff. Like maybe they pick it up, maybe Disney picks it up or whatever. Um, I think I would like – I would prefer Disney to pick it up. I mean, I know, I know like a lot of people sort of – they don't like this whole like, oh, no, Disney owning everything thing. But I'm sorry, but they've done a pretty great job with Marvel and Star Wars. So, and at the end of the day, it's only movies. It's not like they've got a monopoly on drinking water or something like that. It's only movies. You know... And they've they've proven to me that they can do a good job. I would say if the Disney-Fox merger was happening now, it probably would get blocked by the government. By your boy Biden? Biden? Is it Biden or Biden? Joe Biden. Biden. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. It's like, but wait a minute, I want my, I want my, my X Men and my Mar and my Disney movies, but you know, they're they're being seems like they're being a lot more aggressive towards isn't it mergers and yeah, stuff. isn't it true? But it, isn't it true that the the acquisition, the merger went through because nobody objected to it? So like, it just sort of went through by default. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Yeah, that that different administrations have different, opportunity. different oh, okay. priorities and stuff. So, but now it might be like they might be more strict on stuff and be like, you know what, you're not, you're not, you're not getting through. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Sergeant Rake says, listening to you both whilst chopping wood in the background or backyard, making my task highly enjoyable, gents. Much love to you both. Chopping wood, huh? That's Dan. Chopping wood. Never thought I'd ever get a super chat from someone saying that they're chopping wood listening to us talk about video games. That's um, dude. Like, we have to do that here. Like, where where I live, we have a wood burner. We have to every summer we have to chop a load of wood for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I, I'm a city boy, so I was like, oh my god, they they literally chop wood. This is so quaint and countrysideish. Installation oh. 7, Jez, he says, uh, Randy Jez, what are your predictions for which Xbox Game Studio projects will be shown off this year, either in June or at the Game Awards later? Hmm, that's a good question. I think, I think that we're going to see a lot of Bethesda stuff this year. I think we'll see, we might, I think we'll probably see Indiana Jones this year. I think, basically, I think this is the year of Bethesda when it comes to Xbox-related projects and stuff. I think we're going to see more stuff from Bethesda Games and Xbox Game Studios this year. I think next year we might see more from Xbox Game Studios like Undead Labs and whatever. But I think we'll see more from Bethesda. I think we'll see Indiana Jones. I think we'll see maybe what Id's working on. Um, 
I reckon, obviously, we'll see Starfield this year, obviously. But I don't think we'll see too much from Xbox Game Studios this year, except for Forza, per the rumours. But maybe Rand disagrees. What do you think, Rand? Rand I mean, this one. Avowed. Oh, yeah, okay, we'll see Avowed this year. Uh, Contraband, which... I mean, that's global publishing, so I just kind of wrap it into first party. I think you'll see Contraband, because I think that's coming next year, right? Um, yeah. What else? Um, I mean, it really depends on what's the schedule for 2023, because depending on who you talk to, Perfect Dark is supposed to come out next year. I don't think it will, but if it is, then we probably might see it again. Uh, Hellblade 2 is supposed to come out next year, which is the case. Maybe we see more of it sometime this year. Uh, I think even Fable was initially a 2023 title, but I doubt that very much, so I think that's 2024. Uh, I think we'll see Compulsions game this year revealed, because I think that's coming next year. Um, I don't think we'll see Project Dragon, because I still think that's further away. Yeah, I think that's further away. And then you got like Bethesda, so you got you know Starfield and Redfall. Um, yeah, I do think we see another look at uh, at uh, I think we see the first look at Indiana Jones from Machine Games. Um, and yeah, maybe we do get like kind of a teaser or something for for what it's doing. I don't know. There's a lot of there are a lot of things that they could work on. That's the whole point. Is like. There's tons of projects, and even trying to think of like the 30 some odd studios that they have, and in my head, like, I can't think of them all. I, I I I have to like have a list written down of potential projects that I can pull, but just off the top of my head, um, those are the ones that come to my mind. So, yeah. Uh, Shab says Sackcast Studios game replaced, maybe delayed to their Belarusian dev team, who have Ukrainian devs. They tweeted this. Yeah, well that's. You know, if making a video game when you're, you know, when you got, you know, when you're in your cranes, that's that's the least thing that you're thinking about at this point in time, you know. So, like I said, anybody using Stalker or Replace getting delayed as console war stuff is just a pathetic piece of garbage, you know. Yeah. Uh, regardless, so uh, Cade says, "Hey Jez, after the act." Activision Blizzard acquisition is complete. Do you think then would be the time for Blizzard to start on a sequel to World of Warcraft, or should the MMO continue as is? Oh, are we going to get a World of Warcraft 2? We need a Warcraft 2. Yeah. I'm, I'm right, right about this sometime. The engine is just run out of steam. Like, that, it's amazing what they've done with that engine. It really is. Like, the, the quest designers, what they've done. Because to, to make quests in World of Warcraft, they basically have to bolt different systems together on top of each other and sort of they have to break their own game to make new mechanics and new systems to actually make new quests and they're really really stretching the limits of what they can do with that engine World of Warcraft has no like the game has no real sense of gravity in it so like a lot of things like physics and stuff they just don't exist in that game and physics like a sort of one thing that you would probably need to have to add more dynamism to your game. But at the same time, that increases server load and, you know, MMOs are, MMOs are a business. They're like, they're an existing, evolving kind of business. So it's, 
you, when it comes to game design, there was the, the approach is a little bit different than a regular game. But I do think it's probably time that we they explored or at least considered Warcraft 2 because at this point, at this point, that engine is 17 years old, I think, off the top of my head. That's pretty extreme, right? Mm. So, uh, yeah, but who knows? I think, like, the, the base World of Warcraft still got some life in it because even now, World of Warcraft has better combat than Final Fantasy XIV. And it has better combat than New World, even though it is an old-ass engine. It's just so damn responsive. It feels so damn good compared to a lot of other MMOs out there. But at the same time, there's not a lot they can do with it. So maybe they... I think when... when I mean, correct if I'm wrong about this round, but when Microsoft first buys Activision Blizzard, they need to clean house. Yes, 100%. They'll be, they'll be cleaning house. They'll be organizing things again, you know trying to get the company into sort of a better frame of mind, you know, change the culture a bit and sort of make sure that everything's as, you know, it needs to be. And then they'll probably start looking to what franchises to revive. Like, I hope they go to the devs and be like, you know, what do you guys want to make? You know, are you content? Are you contented working on this forever? You know, and... Look at some of their other franchises that have become dormant, like StarCraft and all that kind of stuff. But no. Another one of them. Wait and see, baby. Yeah. Our uh, Elden Ring friend, Sin Vendetta, says, Hey, Rand, had to pop in and congratulate you for getting into Elden Ring with your boy, Jazz. Hope you're enjoying the game. <laughs> I am. I am level... What did I hit last night? I'm level 75, and I hit 40 hours so far. And, yeah, although I think me and Jez both have get to the point where we're, like, maybe we're over the exploring of the open world at this point, and I kind of just want to, like, just do what I need to do to beat the bosses and beat the game, because I was exploring so much. I think I have, like, 11 uh, 11 swigs of my, my Crimson Flask with, like, a plus 8 on it, um, which I was in a party with my my buddy Gopher, and he he's right about the same as me, but he only has seven. I'm like, you only have seven? Like, I have 11. Like, I'm swigging for days. Like, I'm fighting bosses. Dude. And I'm just... I'm going to blow the mix. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, when I fight the boss, like, I, I'm very aggressive when it comes to boss fights. So I get in there and, like, whatever, because I'm running, like, um like a Berserker build. So I'm running, like, two huge swords. And I'm just getting in there, swinging, jumping at them. And, yeah, I'll get hit, but it doesn't matter because I got 11, 11, you know, flasks that I'll just use to get my health. Like, basically, and it's a plus 8, so, like, I have over 1,000 XP because right now I'm kind of putting a lot of my uh, my levels into to health. And I'm just kind of, like, get it at my health at the bottom and, boom, one one flask and I'm back at the top. And I'm like, I got 10 more to go, and I just go crazy aggressive. You know, man, like the complete opposite of me. Like I've I've got I've got two hundred hours in the game across two saves because I had to do I did a melee I started a melee playthrough for for work because we had like we needed someone needed to write a melee guide and we had Miles who was running through it to complete the game another chap was running through it to do boss guides. And I was like, well, I'll make them. I'll make a separate melee guy and do um, 
and do uh, a melee guide or whatever. So I ended up with two saves, and um, as a result, I'm sort of like my main save, which is my dude with um, the magic. Like he's pretty far behind, I think, where I'm meant to be at this point in the game. But I was ex- just exploring so much. I was just like constantly exploring that I just sort of um, didn't really progress through <laughs> the game at all. Um, because that's what the game can do to you. But then I start realizing that I'm just sort of, I'm not really getting any useful items from doing all this exploration anymore that are useful for my class. So I'm kind of over the exploring now and just sort of following the main story and maybe looking up where I need to go to get the certain sorceries up on other stuff. That's the thing about Elden Ring. You can sort of play it how you want. If you do want, if you do want that experience of not knowing where anything is and stuff, you can, you can do that. And if you try and explore everything, you're going to, you're looking at a 300 hour game, I think, probably. But if you don't have that much time, you can just use Fextralize Interactive Map, find the exact items you want, and just sort of pl- plot out your journey through the game and then just ignore everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Faye says, uh, what are our thoughts on other game devs talking bad about Elden Ring? I have seen that kind of tweet chain make the rounds a little bit, Jez. Yeah, that was... I thought that was really cringe. Like, mm. why, why attack your fellow devs like like that? I just thought that was really strange, personally. I don't know what you thought about it. Maybe they feel that uh, from software is getting a pass for things that their games have getting docked for. I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it is a bad look. I don't know if you really should be doing that publicly like that, right? But I don't know. They, um. The one of the guys who did that um, made his account locked his account. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, once you tweet something out and people grab it, it's on the internet forever. So, you know, yeah, you know that's why that's why you shouldn't be, uh, you know, talking bad about microtransactions when Xbox does it, and then say it's no big deal when PlayStation does it, because people have those tweets, <laughs> especially if you're trying to grift and trying to make, uh, trying trying to, you know pass along how so much better PlayStation is, but then when PlayStation starts doing all the things Xbox is doing and you hating on Xbox for doing all those things but giving PlayStation a pass for it, people are going to look at you a little side-eyed, you know? Yeah, uh, so you got to gotta be careful about what you say on social media because people are going to grab everything. Um, but yeah, D.B. Cooper says he is chopping wood while I'm burning wood in my backyard. You guys help pass the time. Any thoughts on what comes out next year? I mean, I think a lot comes out next year. Uh, Avowed, Hellblade 2, Contraband. Um, I'm just just those off the top of my head. Uh, Compulsions game, I think. Um, Do you think they could hold some stuff back? Could there be like Coalition project this year? Yeah, I think I think there I think there definitely will hold stuff back, but I think there's you know there's going to be quite a bit. And if there's not, I'll be, you know, if, <laughs> look, I'm expecting, I, I expected 2020, 2020, 2021, and 2022 to be light. Like, if you go back and listen to these podcasts, I was very much, me and Jazz were out here being like, yeah, there ain't going to be much. But I think, you know, for a while, I'll be like, no, 2023 is supposed to be when all thoughts starts. And if we get to 2023 and it ends up being like all the other years where it's like, well, all the games are once again at the end of the year and there's three of them, I'm going to be like, this this isn't how it's supposed to it's supposed to go. Like, you know what I mean? I, I'll be definitely a little perturbed at that point. Um, 
perturbed. Good word. Yeah. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Um, oh, yeah, the, the Halo update. We kind of talked a little bit about it before, mentioned that they put out Halo. How do you feel, Jez? I mean, because you put out a tweet that basically said, hey, Halo should have been delayed. Because uh, I think Paris had said something similar that, you know, the game wasn't ready, and it's pretty clear, hindsight 2020, that maybe the game shouldn't be ready. But they released, uh, I don't even know, would you call it a roadmap? But So Halo Infinite Season 2 is called Lone Wolves, and it's coming on May 3rd. There is one new arena map called Catalyst and one new big team battle map called Breaker. There are three mm. new game modes, one Last Spartan Standing, Land Grab, and an updated King of the Hill. Uh, co-op will be launching during Season 2, but not at the beginning. Four-player co-op, and I think two-player local co-op as well. And Forge mm. is on track for Season 3. Um, the next Season 1 event, Tactical Op, starts next week. Uh, marketing and info on Season 2 will start in April. And Forge is already in private flighting, with public flights coming later this year. And they also posted this thing called about Priority Zero, which is, they have a thing called Priority Zero, which is uh, underground everything they do, namely team health, with an emphasis on getting ourselves into a sustainable development rhythm so that we can deliver great experiences to all of you while keeping a healthy work-life balance. Priority Zero means that we sometimes need to move slower so that we can move faster later. And frankly, these last few months have been slower than we expected, and we sincerely thank you for your patience as we stay true to the priorities above. So, uh, how do you feel about this Halo update? I mean, I'm not a fan at all. Um, I thought Halo Infinite was monstrously average in every aspect, um, as you know. Um, I liked it at first, and then I was like, the more I played it, I was like, Actually, I'm bored of these two maps. <laughs> I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. So, does it do enough? Probably not. But at the same time, the industry has undergone a lot of transformations in recent years. And I think, like, there is a huge shift towards anti-crunch culture. But what that looks like for service games which demand constant updates, um, I think he's still sort of, uh, I don't know, in flux maybe. Maybe they're still trying to figure out how it, what it looks like when, you, when you're sort of trying to um, balance, um, you know, the whole crunch culture and, you know, burning everyone out with um, having a steady flow of content. And I think what what you ultimately need to do is probably hire more people, right? If you wanna if you wanna have like a game that has regular updates that to retain players, you need to have a lot of content. And if you don't have the content because you're operating with a aggressive anti crunch culture policy, which is great and important and I totally support that, that there should be there shouldn't be crunch, then I think Microsoft needs to open its wallet and hire more people. And to some degree, it looks like they are trying to do that. Like, they do have a ton of vacancies, if you go on their website, for all of their studios. And it does, to some degree, look to me that they are trying to, to do that, to offset crunch culture by just, you know, having loads of hiring. But 
are they there yet? Probably not, you know. Um, is it going to be another one of those, like, well, you just have to wait for them to ramp up and stuff? Because there's a lot of service games out there that sort of went through this period where they launched, the content was thin and slow, everyone was kind of salty about it, and maybe they back. left and explored other games. Yeah. But then it, yeah, but then it did get better. Like, No Man's Sky is a pretty good example of I this. mean, all of them, Jed. Um, sea of Thieves, big first couple seasons yeah. were bad. Apex Legends, first couple seasons were bad. Uh, Call of Duty, like, it's almost... Yeah. Nobody really has the best live service approach uh, out there. Um, so, like, now, so co-oping, essentially, well, kind of delayed again. Uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know, they said it would be there season two, and it's still there, but it's not at launch. So now, like, people are talking about, like, the game should have been delayed and should be coming out in in May instead of coming out last fall. I, I think it's just... I can see both sides of the argument. Like, part of me is like, yeah, they should have delayed it. And, like, part of me is like, I don't like this whole culture of release it now, fix it later. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, it's also free. So you're not really losing anything for not playing it, you know? I think there's certain people that that want... To want the game to have the game and then like never never get bored with it and never like jump off, jump off from it and like the live it, it really does seem like the live service aspect of Halo Infinite is kind of letting the game down at this point because people enjoyed the campaign right co-op's not there which I still think like as much as I enjoyed enjoyed that campaign I, I was just thinking when I was playing through it, like, oh, my God, how much better this game would be in, in four-player co-op with, like, the grapple hook and everything. Like, that game's made for co-op. And it sucks it wasn't there. And, like, the multiplayer, the underpinnings of the multiplayer is really great. It, it sort of seemed like the live service stuff is what kind of uh, people have problems with. They have problems with the progression and the challenge stuff, right? And they changed that really quickly, and people were able to get the 100 in the battle pass like faster than 343 wanted them to because they knew that season two was going to be delayed uh, an extra, you know, two months or whatever. And people were like, well, people aren't happy with this, so we need to change this. Now people are done with their battle passes and they got nothing to do. And, you know, there was the stuff about pricing and I think 343 is trying to figure it out. So I think when 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 if you ju- if you've fallen off of Halo Infinite and one of the reasons you've fallen off is like I'm sick of playing on the new maps or I'm sick of playing on these maps. I think then seeing like oh there's only one new big team battle map and one new arena map probably doesn't like probably doesn't really excite you because you probably thought there'd be more. Um. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I sort of do feel like maybe kind of like with Battlefield 2042 and Call of Duty Vanguard, the other two big shooters this past fall, maybe it would have been best for both those games, for all those games, if they were all delayed to this year. Maybe it would have been best for Halo if it was delayed uh, until, you know, May of this year or fall of 2022. 
Although they got a lot of crap for delaying it one year, I can't imagine how much more crap they would have gotten it delayed for another year. Maybe they yeah. need to have the game out and then figure all this stuff out on the fly that what people actually want, right? Um, I don't know. I'm not a game developer. I don't know how things work. Uh, these all these things work. Uh, so I just know that a lot of people in the Halo community are upset, and there's definitely people are upset that those people are upset. Right, I, I see it. I see it all the time. Like, like you know, <laughs> how can those people be upset at three four three? Give them, give them time and all that stuff. And it's just there's kind of like a clash going on of their of, of between people that are upset with what three four three is doing and not addressing stuff fast enough, and then people are upset at those people being upset. Uh, so yeah, I just I I fell off of Halo Infinite. I'm going to play through the campaign again when the co-op comes out. Um, I think I've said from the start what the game needs is a battle royale. I I've been saying that from the beginning. It's and I know some people in chat will not like me for this, and probably longtime Halo fans won't like like battle royale is the dominant gaming multiplayer mode right now. And mm. if you're launching a multiplayer game and you don't have the dominant gaming mode, then you're probably going to see player drop off like Halo Experience, especially on PC. And I do think a, multi, a, a battle royale will come at some point. It's a 10-year plan. I'm sure they have something in, in you know um, out there, but it's hard to tell people to be patient, right? And to say, look at these all these other examples of games whose first couple seasons weren't very good. And then got really, really better. Because it's always tough to tell somebody, yeah, right now it may not be great, but a year from now it's going to be outstanding and you'll have so much content that you know what to do with. It's tough because people have sometimes a very hard, uh, it's very hard for them to envision the future. To think like, well, it's going to be better than it is now because right now it's not very good. And I think a lot of, a lot of Halo fans sort of feel like that. So, uh, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, the gameplay is great, but I'm bored of these maps. I want to get rid of these PC cheaters, all that stuff, and now I'm not getting any new maps, hardly, and you're not addressing the cheating. Uh, you know, it's it, it seems like they it seems like 343 doesn't care when I'm sure they really do care. It's just, I don't know. I mean, you made the decision to go to free-to-play. You made the decision to go to live service. Um, so it's like these are all things that you have to deal with. You, you have to deal with a fan base that is very vocal and ravenous and wants new content all the time, you know. Um, and you're not competing with Call of Duty Warzone Season 1 or Fortnite Season 1 or Sea of Thieves Season 1 or any of these other games that have been out for a while. Rainbow Six Season 1, you're competing with all those studios that are in lock, key, and step and know what they're doing because they've been doing it for a while and they're pumping out content because they have, they're a well-oiled machine, right? And you're just starting out, so it does look bad in comparison to what's out there right now. But a year from now, maybe that's not the case. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't really think it's a great update. Um, a lot of the talk on social media is that it should be, it should have been delayed until this up, but even still, if it had been delayed to this update, you only get an extra two new maps. 
I don't really know if that's three new modes. Like, I don't know. We'll see. There's been plenty of stories of games that have gotten better as it went along, but I do. I I also kind of agree with you, Jez. The whole idea of like we'll release it now and fix it later. I don't really care for either. Right. So release yeah. it. Release it now. We'll patch it later. But then what happens? They got Battlefield 2042. EA thought the same thing, and now nobody cares about Battlefield 2042. Period. You know, so yeah, yeah. Yes, in the chat. Absent in the chat. Sin Vendetta says, "Hey, Rand, can't listen live, but just wanted to pop in and say, I hope you're enjoying Elden Ring with your boy Jazz. Glad to see you get into these games. Have a good weekend." Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying Elden Ring. Uh, Forty hours in, level seventy-five, and um, having a blast. So uh, you were right, and so is Jazz. Uh, Installation 7 <laughs> says people would probably be more optimistic if 343 actually knows that theater mode and custom games are still broken. Um, let's see. Richie says, think there's a chance we'll get another exclusive Ninja Gaiden game on the Xbox platform? Mm. Good question. Yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be something, but I would like that. Yeah. Um, so, there's so much they could do. There's so much they could do. But they've got... One of the, one of the things that concerns me about Xbox right now is the sheer volume of stuff they've got to organize, you know. Like, how long is it going to be before we start seeing the results of some of this complexity that they've sort of put on themselves almost? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, Jez. I've been saying that for a bit. So, a bit, a bit indeed. Uh, Georgie says another reason for time exclusives on the level of Final Fantasy 16. Um, Keyshawn Thompson has been in for four months. Says, "Hey guys, great show with Eldering out of the way. What are you looking most forward to in Starfield?" Hashtag Swiggin for days. Um, what am I look- most looking forward to Starfield? I guess I'm kind of sorry. Go ahead. It's tough to really say because we haven't seen the gameplay. So I'm a sucker for sci-fi. So there's a part of me that is always going to be interested in the story in the sci-fi game. But then I'm also like, what's the combat look like? You know what I mean? What type of guns are we using here? Um, what is the what is how like what how do you tra- traverse systems? Are you actually flying a plane? These are questions I have, you know. Is Tom Cruise going to be a voice actor? <laughs> in the, you know, um, yeah. That's for him, right? I mean, there is, yeah, there is that thing, yeah. I don't know. What, what are you, what are you looking forward most to in Starfield, Jazz? I mean, it's tough to say because we haven't seen anything from it. So, well, I'm like, I'm sort of, I extrapolate from kind of stuff they did in Fallout 4 because that was like their most recent. Or Bethesda Core Studios' most recent game. The coolest thing for me in Fallout 4 was the base building. Um, I I thought, like, the RPG branching narrative really took a step back, so I really hope they fix that in the sense that our choices matter a bit more than they did in Fallout 4. At Fallout 4, I felt like my choices didn't matter, which was, you know, 
it was the wrong direction for what I expected with Bethesda game. So I hope they fix that. And I think they will. I think they saw that criticism a lot in the reviews, and I think they will fix that. Well, one of the things that I'm interested in is, like, the base building mechanics from Fallout 4, like, could they translate that somehow to designing our own ships? Like, you know, is there going to be ship combat in the game? Even if it's sort of like an on-rails kind of thing? Like, how how much sci-fi are we talking here? Like, is it just going to be... Is it just going to be Fallout in space? Or are they actually going to push it out and add some, like, new sort of systems and mechanics to it? Like, that you wouldn't expect of a creation engine RPG. Like, can I build my own custom spaceship and, you know, do some form of combat with it? Even if it's like a sort of, you know, almost like a turn-based kind of thing or, or something, you know. Or it's like an automatically resolving combat scenario or something. I just want to be able to create my own spaceship. That's what I really want Let me build a spaceship. You let me build a base in Fallout 4, which is great. Now I want to build a spaceship. But that's the thing, though. We don't know anything about the game or what to expect. It's almost like shrouded in this strange mystery. Yeah, I remember I think Todd saying that game had so much hype for a game that nobody knew anything about. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. But it's a Todd yeah. Howard game, so... And it's exclusive. You know exclusive games get a lot more hype than a lot of other games, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, Xbox Game Pass got a pretty big game uh, coming soon. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Jazz. A lot of people call it the sleeper hit of 2021 from uh, Square Enix and Idols Montreal, even though Square Enix came out and said, hey... The game underperformed. Is Square Enix ever happy with any of the games they put out? Because it always seems like they always say their games underperform. But that's coming to Game Pass, which is like four months after launch, I think, because the game came out at the end of October. So November, December, January, February, four months. Um, yeah. So uh, have you have you played Guardians of the Galaxy? Are you planning to play it uh, when it hits? I haven't Pass? played it. I'm not really planning on playing it. Because I'm not a Marvel dude, oh, but okay. maybe I'll just, maybe I'll maybe I'll go out my you know maybe I'll I'll subvert my own expectations and give it a try. It's, it's really good. I mean, even though you're not a Mar- it's not like it's set in the MCU. It's just you know a story about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Jess, it's really good. You should you should give it a chance. Anybody out there who I hasn't mean, who hasn't really played it yet, uh, definitely check check it out when it comes uh, comes to Game Pass. Uh, I'll give it. For you, right? Yeah, part of me hopes that Xbox liberates Idols Montreal and Crystal Dynamics from Square. I think they're completely underutilized by them. I don't think Square appreciates them. And I would personally love it if Xbox uh, took those two studios under their wing to work on future games. That'd be cool. Uh, because I don't think, I, I don't, I just have this feeling like if. Square is going to shut down these studio like, Idols Montreal, like, they did Deus Ex, and Deus Ex was basically, you know, fridged, right? Because it wasn't selling. And fridged. then, yeah, I mean, Deus Ex, they did Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and it didn't sell well, because, like, these sales for these games are never good enough for Square Enix. So they're like, nope, I'm done with Deus Ex. And then Idols Montreal had to do Tomb Raider, Right. Uh, they did Tomb Raider, uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which, if I remember correctly, also didn't, uh, Square Enix wasn't happy with because 
they wanted to turn Crystal Dynamics into making, you know, games of the service. So they had them make Marvel Avengers, which they weren't happy with. And then Idols Montreal was like, well, we can't work on Tomb Raider Deus Ex, but we do have the connections with Marvel, because Crystal Dynamics working on the Avengers. Why don't you work on Guardians of the Galaxy? And then Guardians of the Galaxy had, like, some of the worst pre-marketing blitz I've ever seen. Like, people were like, that game looks horrible. But then you actually play it, and it's amazing. And it doesn't sell well, and now it's just like, okay, what are we what are we doing with with these studios? It seems like they don't they don't know what they're doing at Square when it comes to these things. Just sell those two studios to Microsoft or whoever else, PlayStation, whatever. Get get them out from underneath Square Enix because they're being completely underutilized. And let's have a brighter future for them, Jazz. You know what I mean? Yep. They Square Enix like they're they're. Some of the industry websites are actually writing articles like, what the hell is wrong with Square Enix? <laughs> like, like, people don't get it. The Square Enix is, I don't know, strange company. Like, they they have all this talent, and they're just sort of wasting them in a way. But, I don't know. They've been doing it for years. They've been, they've been, Square Enix has almost been entirely relying on its Final Fantasy operation, which I think is relatively hands-off. You know, um, compared to like their Western operation, which they don't let go hands off, and they run it really poorly for whatever reason. Yeah, but Gash, uh, Some, yeah. someone else should buy them. Gash Mustache says, "Is it safe to say Bioware is in the bin now? I haven't had high hopes for new Mass Effect. To be honest, like Jazz, I love it, but I got a feeling it's gonna fall flat. Isn't?" Isn't there I've some good got... feeling for the new Dragon Age? Aren't people saying it's kind of shaping up to be good or something? Yeah, I've got some. I got some mild information about this. Like I've heard that the new Dragon Age is shaping up really well, and like I'm someone who's super pessimistic and have I have been on record on this show many times to say that I don't have any faith in anything with the with the EA brand on it. But I've heard from people I trust a lot that Dragon Age is shaping up really nicely which is a shocker to me so I'm like you know I'm still kind of like I'll believe it when I see it but it does sound like there is hope for Bioware at the moment and um, I think EA might have learned its lesson a little bit maybe for at least temporarily which might result in a few good games from Bioware until they forget again and try and make them Try and get them to make a service game because we know that's that's what EA likes to do. Is like they're like, oh yeah, we're good now, and then they do a couple of good games, and then they forget how to make games again, and then they do a lot of bad games. And we have this cycle. That's the, that's the EA cycle, we call it. Um, but it does sound like from what from sources that Dragon Age is shaping up really nicely. So I'm I'm more optimistic now because the people I trust said that it looks good. So yeah, there's some optimism for you for a change. <laughs> Um. Yeah, there's this one other thing I wanted to talk about because it always it always kind of I get tagged in this nonsense every single week, and I think we've talked about it on the show. But the UK physical sales, Jez, versus mm. actual sales, um, and it's just this is something I just wanted to prove because Elden Ring, right? Because normally we we get sales from NPD once a month, but we get like UK sales once a week. Um, Elden Ring really had a great launch. I think it was like the biggest non-FIFA 
was it like non-FIFA or or Call of Duty launch since like Red Dead Redemption in 2018 or something. Absolutely huge. But people use the physical sales charts of the UK as console war ammunition. Because when it was it was reported that the sales split for Elden Ring in the UK was 80-20. 80% for PlayStation, 20% for Xbox. And every single week, a multi-platform is released, and it has that sort of split. People use that as, oh, this is more and more proof that nobody buys games on Xbox, right? That they're just waiting for Game Pass. It's just, you know, uh, you know, Communism gaming, whatever the hell they call it, right? Uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody's buying games on Xbox. 80 to 20%. Like, that's pathetic, right? Utterly pathetic. Of course, they do this every single time because it puts PlayStation in, in, like, a really good light. And it also puts Xbox in a really bad light. And that's what a lot of these guys love to do. It's not enough that PlayStation has to succeed. Xbox has to fail, right? Yeah. However... These people don't realize that the UK physical charts is basically irrelevant, right? It means nothing in a world of, of, of all digital, and Xbox is primarily almost an all digital platform at this point. Um, so the full numbers came out, Jazz, right, for Elden Ring, with digital included. So we went from physical sales, 80% PlayStation, 20% Xbox, which, yeah, look bad, right? But suddenly, with digital included, the splits are 40% PlayStation, 30% PC, and 30% Xbox. With eight, with wow, Xbox selling uh, 85% of uh, of their sales at, uh, digitally. But mm, nobody really talks about that. It's, like, it's interesting. So now, now the split with digital included went it went from 80-20 to suddenly 40-30, which is in line with the hardware, uh, you know, split in the U.K. Um, and I just wanted to point it out once again because I get tagged in this nonsense on Twitter, and it's just – I just wanted to say for the last time, hopefully, that n- nobody should be using U.K. physical charts to talk about the success or failure of any game or any platform because it's completely meaningless. And I know you agree with me on this, Jess. Xbox does skew digitally, and one of the reasons for this is the Xbox One, because when they announced the Xbox One, they were pretty much like, yeah, this is a digital console, it's going to have digital check-in, it's going to be digital this, digital that, and a lot of people who went Xbox for that generation, they all went digital, you know, and also Microsoft pushes digital more, there's like ads on the dashboard, which everyone everyone hates the ads on the dashboard, right, um, and yeah, nobody wants ads on the dashboard, but at the same time, the ads on the dashboard contributes to the digital split because people see ads for games that they otherwise wouldn't, they see sales for games that they otherwise wouldn't, and they make impulse purchases from the dashboard that they otherwise wouldn't. So, like, I've heard from sources um, at Ubisoft, funnily enough, that they their performance on digital on Xbox is stronger than it is on PlayStation because, um, because, of, because of the way the dashboard is set up. It's set up to be a digital console, and it's set up to push people towards digital, and it's set up to lock people into digital somewhat. Um, you know, we can argue about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, fine. But what it doesn't represent is, you know, the, the split of where people are buying games. So both platforms are very healthy and doing very well. So, you know, 
leave the console war to one side for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, have some gaming time. Capcom also announced that Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7 are getting next-gen enhancements. Jez, does this make you want to replay any of these games when they eventually get the Series X uh, enhancements? Yeah, maybe, actually. Like, I really enjoyed Resident Evil 2, and I actually, um, I want to do it the reverse way. Can you, can you actually do that in Resident Evil 2 Remake, where you, like, do Sonoro A first, or, or Claire first, and whatever? I don't know if you can I think, even do that in the, the mm, Remake. I don't remember. It's been a while. You might be able to. Yeah. Maybe you can't. I don't know. I have to, I also think, like, I really do think Resident Evil 3 should have just been a DLC for Resident Evil 2. There, there was no business for that game to have been full price. And I, I think I completed it in, like, three hours. Like, seriously, you're going to sell me a three-hour-long game for full price? I don't know. That's a, that's a very old discussion. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, I might go for it again, maybe. Um, they'll they're sort of be like the definitive versions of the game and you know Resident Evil 7 is awesome I really really love that game so I don't know I'll probably give it another go will you give it a go or no I mean I played through tw- 2 twice I did both paths I played through 3 once and I've done I played through 7 2 or 3 times so probably not um, fair enough if I did play any of them again, maybe it would be three because it's the shortest. I don't know. I, I love seven and I love two. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah, I probably won't. Who am I kidding? <laughs> I was thinking, like, maybe, you know, I go through Resident Evil 2 again, but, you know, I've already kind of. Um, well, I, I was thinking that I might consider it purely on the basis that there's not much coming out this year. Um, that was my thought process. But I still haven't completed Dark Souls 2 or 3 or played Sekiro or a lot of the other games that I'm interested in playing from software, from, 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 from software. Um, so, I don't know. There's, uh, there's going to be a long wait for a lot of stuff. I yeah. Uh, I says, I thought overall sales mattered, not just parcel digital sales. Um, it was more just to point out that physical sales are meaningless, essentially. Uh, that you can't get a full picture of everything with digital included. And that, you know, the idea of, of saying a game is a failure or a platform is a failure because based on one country's physical sales is a joke. That was basically the reason for saying it. Um, Jonas says, Elden Ring reminds me a lot of Morrowind. I've seen that a lot recently, so... People say that it reminds me a lot of Morrowind. When I got to Kaelid, I actually, the first thing I thought was Morrowind, I think. So, that that area is pretty damn awesome looking. I really like that area. Kaelid looks intense. Yeah. I also Um, like the people who made Kaelid are creative geniuses, but also very mean very nasty people. Oh, yeah. Kaelin's Kay- horrible. It's a hell, hellscape, horrible place, and I hate being there. And I, whenever I go to Kaelin, I think I, I'm looking forward to leaving because it's so, so horrible here. But I'm actually there right now as we're podcasting, fighting a dead, a, a death bird that's trying to murder me very horribly as I, as I podcast. Yeah. But I've got to the point where I'm a little bit OP, so... Um, you know what? I think 
I think that's going to be a good point to end the show there, Jez. I think we talked about everything that I had written down. Um, if there's any questions uh, from the people, uh, make sure you put them in chat, and we'll do our best to answer them. Um, I hope everybody has a great rest of the weekend. Hopefully there will be more to talk about next week. But thank you guys so much for being here. Make sure you hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new. Um, you know, we'll have this up on podcast platforms uh, really soon, probably later today, maybe, prob- maybe most likely early tomorrow morning. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and all that stuff. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in on Saturday, an hour earlier than normal, especially with nothing to talk about. We had over uh, almost a thousand people, which is amazing to see. So, thank you guys so much. Thanks so much. Um, Jez, there was this little other thing I wanted to briefly talk about while we wait for some questions. Uh, apparently, 2.3 million Xbox consoles have been sold in Japan across all the generations, according to Famitsu. Um, across all generations? Yeah, so Xbox 360 sold the most with 1.6 million. 